about that piggy-wiggy, boogie-wiggy, piggy-wiggy. They did that during the record strike when they didn't have to pay royalties. But that's another story for another time. Hello, everybody. I'm Wong Shoes. It is July 3rd, year 2010, and I am back, and that means if I'm back on Saturday night, hello, Patricia. Hello, Alden, and happy Saturday, everybody. We are back and operating. I hope you missed us last week because we sure missed you. We did. So, can, we, can I introduce our guest? Well, you uh, really sure. want to? Are you there? Yes. Do you really want to do that? Yes, I really want to do that. I'm okay. I'm just having right. a little bit of sound troubles here. I didn't think, um, I thought maybe you had just left me and I was here by myself. <laughs> okay, we have a very special guest tonight. It's a voice you will recognize, many of you will recognize. It is... Um, Lynn Noyes, our DJ from tape number 15, the best of Yesterday USA. So when you hear tape 15, you hear the voice of our guest tonight. We thought it would be fun to talk with our uh, some of our very special people during Christmas in July. And you might remember this is Christmas in July. 
months, for the entire month, we will be celebrating Christmas. So we wanted to have them talk a little bit about old-time radio, about Yesterday USA. Lynn has been with the station as a listener and as a DJ for a very long time. Till the end so, of time. Hmm? Yeah. Till, I was just saying, till the end of time. Until the end of time. <laughs> he will be with us until the end of time. Um, I've got old-timers in... Uh, quotation marks here, so maybe, <laughs> maybe that's the right thing to say. So we're going to be asking for some Christmas memories, too. And we decided Lynn is the perfect person to kick off Christmas in July for us because... Why, Lynn? Because Walden said so. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's because... How long you been doing this Christmas in July? I don't know. A long time, at least... I think you, at least five years. Yes, at I least five years. You and I talked about it on the phone. and You suggested it. It was your idea. So. Well, we came up with it together. I mean, I mentioned it and you ran with it. Right. This, is, this has been great. I mean, first off, Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry Christmas, That's Lynn. Right. Uh, it was only 106 today in Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> last Wednesday was 116. So Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> This is a good thing to think about. <laughs> yeah, a very good very thing. Very good. And I also want to say, you know, you folks, with well, you folks, Patricia and Walden, you always have great, wonderful guests on here. I mean, you know, people that have been in the old-time radio um, behind the mics and everything, and I'm very humbled to be here tonight. Thank you for, for asking me. Well, we are just so happy that you were able to do this. I mean, truly, I'm just so pleased that uh, it, it, it's not a chore for you. You really were enthusiastic about joining us, so that really made me happy. So I want to give out the phone number because we will be taking uh, – Walden always has a line open for callers. And let's, do, let's go to the call right now. Hello, call. You are on with Patricia and Lynn. Hey, listen, I, I want to say something or say something very important. This is Ron from Hawaii. Hello, Ron. Hi, Ron. Hi, Ron. And here we go. I love it. Come on, Patricia. Go out and sing. mentioned you had an internet radio that you listened to the station uh, it's it's an internet um, radio um, I bought it to a sea crane company okay well what I wanted to mention to you Ron is I went out and bought one right after you said that and I love it the CC Wi-Fi radio okay I've got a different brand but boy they're marvelous yeah and we, I can get yesterday once more um, and I can listen to it in my while I'm laying down, ready to go to bed, while while Wallen and Patricia are so wide awake at 4:30 in the morning, you know. <laughs> they're, they're crazy, Ron. They're crazy. They are. Yeah, I know. I know. That's fun. That's fun. Yeah, but I'm glad they're crazy because the rest of us are are reaping of the benefit of their craziness. There you go. Have you got Have you got Christmas decorations up, Ron? I always have Christmas decorations up. There you go. Ah. Marvelous. Especially in July. Well, of course, now that Walden and Patricia and you have gotten me into this spirit, I will be listening for a while. Then i got to go perform at the Elks Club, and I will be 
Then at twelve o'clock Walden's time. Well, you'll be back. Uh, no, how how's the weather? How's the weather in Hawaii today? The weather in Hawaii today. It, um, I thought it was gonna snow, but it. <laughs> but we, I defrosted my ice box, and so it didn't snow. There you go. Ron, <laughs> I have a question for you. Go ahead, ask the question, and I hope I can answer it. Okay, this and this, I'll I'll give you a Christmas CD for this one. Fibber McGee belonged to a club. What was it? Oh my gosh! I don't think I know the Whistle Vista Club. Nope. Oh, you get one more chance. I give up. No, no. Think of an animal. You got two uh, guesses. Think of an animal. Animal. Think of an animal. <laughs> Listen, if you stick with Walden long enough, he'll give you the answer. Yeah, I'm the only animal that I know. Anyway, hey, listen, I I don't know, um, but I'll I'll try later on to to win a Christmas CD. All right. I just want um, I just want to let you guys know that. Um, so nice to hear Lynn, and so nice to hear Walden, and you, Patricia, on the radio, and. And uh, oh, by the way, Walden, one quick question: yeah. How was it last Saturday with my girlfriend Janet Waldo? Oh well, Janet didn't make the trip up to Seattle, so I I had the chance to spend it with Gloria McMillan. That's right. Yeah. Gloria yeah. McMillan. Yeah. Well, Gloria was wonderful. That's she, who I was thinking about, Gloria McMillan. You know, yeah. Well, Gloria was terrific. She brought her grandson up to do shows. We had. We had Sean do five shows in one day, running from one place to another. Gloria was busy, and we had a super-duper time. And I flew up with Gloria and her family and flew home. I'm and really jealous. You know, you well, get all these beautiful perks. I know, I know. It's part of the benefits of being radio. I get the chance to co-host with a pretty lady on Saturday night and meet all these other beautiful ladies in the show business. I'm, in, I'm a the only, the only The only consolation I get is uh, I got to play happy birthday to Gloria That's McMillan, true. and you never got a chance. That's true. <laughs> but anyway, hey, I don't want to interrupt your show. You're doing a good job. We'll talk to you later. Talk to you. See if you made any money tonight. Let us know. Okay, bye-bye. Bye, bye-bye. Thank you, Ron. Bye, Ron. <laughs> he is such a sweetheart. Oh, my God. Glad he called in. Um, I'm going to, real quick, if I may, issue mm-hmm. a challenge, and then you can give the telephone number. But I would like to have someone from outside the United States call in for the first time and see what we can, you know, where we can get. 714-545-2071. time when we had Joe Stafford on uh, back in 2000, I think about 2000, we got a call right after she got from Brazil. There so you go. Anybody? We're heard right now in 114 countries. Hey, you know. There's somebody out there who wants to call us tonight, and honest to goodness, one of my trivia questions tonight is, for first-time callers to Walden's show and mine, first-time callers, all you have to do is say, hi, here's your name, and where are you from? If you call that. And you... let us know who was buried in Grant's tomb. Yeah. <laughs> Or brand new people don't even have to answer a question. Or if you're calling from South Africa, you can let us know what happened in the soccer tournament today. There you go. Yep, yep. All the <laughs> updates. Is, so. This is excellent. So, 714-545-2071. Here we are with Lynn. Lynn, we're talking about old-time radio. We're talking about you and Yesterday USA and Christmas. Which would you like to start with? Well, how about we'll start with how I know you so well and Walden. Cool. Yeah. Um, 
I'm going to tell a couple stories. You know, like I say, Walden, uh, I've known Walden since I got into old-time radio as far as the DJ, which is about five years ago. And I called Walden on a regular basis and said, ooh, what do I do next or how do I do it or whatever may. And Walden was so gracious to help me to get on the air and give me some guidance and that. So I haven't been able to talk to Walden a lot lately, but uh, by gosh, him and I, you know, we were very close back then. Uh-huh. We also change ideas, try to come up with a way to improve the station in terms of getting the word out. That's a big job. Marketing is a big, big job. And we had some good ideas. About oh, and that. I was going to say, we talked quite a while on the phone when we would do it. Yep. It's kind of interesting. But yep. Patricia, um, she, when my wife Linda passed away in 2006, and I had to go off the air for a while with my program at the time because of uh, taking care of her and that. And I know Patricia every now and would send an email or a card uh, to both of us and that. And then uh, it was interesting because at a, I guess, what was it, three years ago, Patricia, your birthday came about. Uh-huh. And I kind of emailed Patricia. I said, I've got a something for you on your birthday. So she gave me her phone number so I could call her. And at this point, I'm not going to say what it was because my son, Tony, hopefully is listening and I would like him to call in and he's going to do what I did to Patricia. <laughs> that doesn't and it's sound okay, good. it's clean. <laughs> yeah, because that doesn't sound good. But anyhow, <laughs> and I, I've got to share with you that after my wife passed away, Linda, Patricia and I sat on the telephone every night for at least an hour to an hour and a half. And I, what we talked about, God knows. Hello, Carl. You are on air with Lynn and Patricia. Hello, Patricia. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Patricia. Happy birthday to you. Yay. The child went wild. Uh, <laughs> so the old man asked me to call in and sing happy birthday to you. Yeah. Oh, that is so neat. Thank you so much. Hello, son. Hello, how you doing, Pop? Thank you for doing that. I mean, I, I could have done it, but it wouldn't have been anywhere near as good. Uh, folks, this is my son, Tony, and he he is the musician in the family. He's got all the talent. But he also has been a little bit helpful in uh, Yesterday USA. He made up some nice banners for us for at the conventions and stuff like that. So I want to thank him for that. Well, you're very welcome. It was my pleasure to do that. Yeah. And thank, and thank you for the birthday song. That is so cool. Thanks. Nobody ever sang it on the air to me. <laughs> well, there you go. That's a that's for year-round. It's for the next uh, – it's good for the next 50 <laughs> All right, years. Tony, I got a question for you. Yes. I want you to throw your dad under the bus. Tell me your favorite story about your dad. Oh, oh poor boy. <laughs> so many of them. Hey, you got your finger on the button, Walden? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the disconnect button. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Tell me your favorite story about your dad, a good story. A good story. A good story. That narrows it down, well, this right? this is tough, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's so many of them, I'll tell you. That <laughs> narrows it down. Yeah, I got one good story. That's about no. Um, I, you know, I, I gotta say, I probably the best one and the, one of the best memories, and, and since we're talking about Christmas uh, here, is uh, he has, you know, when we were children, we had Santa Claus come and visit us from time to time, and 
And yeah, so well, and we thought it was just great. So mom went ahead and took some pictures, and we had pictures in the albums, and we would open them up every now and again and take a look at, at through the pictures. Well, as we got older, of course, we would look at Santa Claus and go, you know, that looks like Dad's nose a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> through the beard and the eyes, kind of look, don't they look like Dad's? You know. <laughs> So as we went, that's one of my fondest memories, because I never knew, but we always wondered about that picture. We'd look at it and go, is that him there? Is that him? Well, of course, he would do it, you know, uh, and for the kids listening, it was just when Santa Claus couldn't make it out because he was busy. But <laughs> Dad would do it and dress up and, and come in and, and play Santa Claus. So, you know, he, he actually passed on the Santa Claus suit, you know, uh, to me, which was really probably one of my favorite things um, ever to have happen. But uh, and then I finally found out. I went, What? Dad was Santa Claus on that picture. Come on, you know. But that's that's got to be my favorite. I got to say he he's been, uh, you know, just what a great uh, a great dad to have, you know. Uh, son, keep talking. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of the. Well, they said a good story. Come on, now you want to hear a bad story? Oh, hold it, hold it. There's a lot of those. <laughs> no, that's got to be one of my fondest memories, though. I'm listening, Tony. Now you want the you want the dirt, don't you? Well. Golly, sure. <laughs> gonna be well, tough to hear. Into the <laughs> no, you know, Tony and I, because he lives in the area here. I mean, he's, he lives in Phoenix, and so we get together quite often and everything and uh, swap stories. And, boy, some of the stories are pretty doggone good, you know. So, <laughs> Yeah, we'll keep it at that. And, well, and just, I know Walden was waiting for something. He wants me to throw you under the bus oh, here. Oh, no, yeah. Well, I, figured, I figured it was your, it was your opportunity. Yeah, no. It was your opportunity, but I figured, I figured that's why I better just say a good story, you know? <laughs> all right, all right. Well, here it is. Uh, Dad forgets to close the window when he walks from the shower to the bedroom quite often. There you go. <gasps> is that true? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not talking. <laughs> I think he does it on purpose, really. Okay. You know? uh, well, I can see why Phoenix, when it's 106 at 10 o'clock in the morning, I can see why that could be the case. Yeah, I think it's statewide, actually. Everybody does that, you know? Yeah. yeah. People, are buying, people are buying their bus tickets. They'll be over tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. laugh, you, know? you are now on the tour route. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Everybody's got a very even tan. Let's put it that way, you know? Oh. Well, what's nice about it is, you know, where I'm living at here now with my my wonderful lady, Noni, is on some lakes and everything else. I mean, man-made lakes. They're actually reservoirs that they use for runoff of the water at rain time here. But it, we got boats on it and stuff. And uh, so people have to go buy in boats if they're going to, you know, see anything. And we don't have that in the daytime. another dot on my map i can i can send you a cd would do you like old-time radio shows you know i do i would love to be able to send some to you do you have a favorite show or do you or do you just trust me to send you some good christmas shows or what would you like oh, i trust you why don't you send me whatever you got and usually i listen to it when you know dad has it on all the time of course so uh -huh. but i love hearing it so yeah i'll trust in whatever you send me i will send you a great sampler then that would be great. Oh, that's super, and I get to put another dot on my map. Every time a new caller calls, I get to put a dot on my map. All right, well, dot away. You are what? now a dot, my son. You are now a dot. All right, I graduated from a smudge to a dot. You got it. <laughs> and, Patricia, I will let you know his address, Matt, if I may. Excellent. Thank that, you. that would be really great. Thank T you. Tell me, tell me a little bit about your music background. Was it always part of your 
in, inside of you as a kid, what when did you uh, come up with the uh, music side of your of your uh, human being, your part of yourself? <laughs> well, you know, I actually I, I always um, just loved music, and I think uh, Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons was one that I, I listened to constantly. I think yeah. Dad had all the records from those guys. Yeah. And I used to put them on and then just shriek as high as I could. And, um, you know, just sing along to it. And it was a lot of fun. And, and, you know, I didn't think much of it. It was just having a good time. And uh, as I got older, of course, then we, you know, I'd talk with my friends and, hey, we got to start a band and a group. And, you know, and we just did it mostly for the talk. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, then I, got, then I got a little bit older and started actually playing with people. I played guitar a little bit. And uh, mostly I, I play guitar just so I have something to sing to. <laughs> And strum along. I'm I'm not a great guitarist, but I but I love to play. And uh, then I got together with friends and, and actually started uh, working on it. I would actually record myself, and this might be interesting because I would sing a song and then I would listen back to it on my tape recorder. And uh, you know, I would actually point. I'd probably have two or three parts that actually sounded good. Right. Through the whole song, like notes. You know, I'd hit one note and I'd go, "Ooh, that was a good note." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hit one. All right. You know, and then I would go back and try to you know duplicate that on the next time I would record. So um, I, I knew I was getting somewhere when I'd actually listened back to it, and there was there was a few sour notes as opposed to a few good notes, you know. So I just I just worked hard at it, you know. But I, but I had a lot of fun, and then I got together, you know, eventually with a bunch of guys, and we ended up going out and doing some shows and and recording CDs and doing that for the last uh, well, it's been about 20 years of doing that, and uh, it's just been fun. Good. If I could if I could tell a story here real quick. Uh, Tony throw me under the bus now. I see how it goes. <laughs> no, no, this is a good one. <laughs> okay. Tony and his band won a contest uh, with Alice Cooper, and Alice Cooper puts on a show in Phoenix every year at Christmas time, and they won the contest, uh, beat out other bands, and that, and they got to play in front of what was it, Tony, about eight or nine thousand people in the crowd. Yeah, over at Dodge Theater. Yeah, and I remember sitting there in the audience, uh, scared to death, as in a, my Son's going to be on stage, and he's going to make a fool of himself. <laughs> and I didn't disappoint, Dad. Yeah, well, no, but he came out, and I want to tell you, he got the crowd going. They sang the song, and he got the crowd into it. You know, they turned up the house lights and everything. And by the way, it's on YouTube. Uh, it's just marvelous. It really is. And I mean, I was so proud. I, I'm surprised I wasn't beaming the only light in the audience, you know. <laughs> Uh, but my gosh, he did a wonderful job, very professional, got the crowd going and all that. And I mean, you know, you couldn't be prouder as a parent. You really couldn't. So, so okay, thank you very much. Yeah. And that was absolutely probably the best, uh, four minutes of, of stage time that I ever had. And, and being able to meet Alice Cooper and sticks and boy, the tubes was another band, uh, just some really big acts and people, uh, was, was the highlight of my career thus far, you know? And not to mention having my dad shining in the crowd. Yeah, yeah, you just, and that was the back of my head, you know, where the hair is gone <laughs> from the light. So. Off the spotlight, huh? No, I was so proud of you. I really was. And it was just marvelous to see you up there and everything, you know. And oh, I know you, you were so much. hard for I'm it. glad you made it out. And, and uh, yeah, boy, what fun. I, and you made it to a few of the shows. Yeah. You know, I made it a point to go out into the crowd and have people sing into the microphone. And, and my dad there is singing into the mic more than once, that's for sure. Yeah, now let me let me share with you though. My son is into pretty heavy metal music, which I don't like. Well, you know what? I do metal, and I've also I do some acoustic numbers. If you look on YouTube, you do and do a search. So yeah, I've done that. Well, you know what's scary? 
I listen to both you guys, to, I can I can pick up the similarity in your guys' vocal cords. Oh, and you ought to see well, then you, you know, yeah. see it side by side. Yeah, but I can just tell that you guys are related just by your, just, just in your vocal structure. Wonderful. That's pretty amazing. And if anybody could tell, well, did yeah, you? Yeah, I would, yeah. Yeah. And see, Pops, that's what I was saying. You should have sang the happy birthday. I'd love to hear you sing it. Oh, happy birthday to you. That's, that's what I'm talking about. That is that. It. <laughs> I'm not going to make a fool of myself, Tom. Thank you. Well, hey, if I can do it on stage, you can do it on the radio. What the heck, you know? <laughs> you got it. Hey, well, Don, thank you very much for having me on the show. Well, um, I was yeah, I was thank you so much for calling. And I was going to thank you, son, for calling in. I love you. I love you, too. And, you and it was great uh, talking to all you, Patricia and Walden. Thank you very much for listening and asking the questions. No problem, and I'll let you get on with the trivia and, and have some other people call, and I'll give them a chance. Sounds and good. thank you for the Christmas story. It was great. <laughs> well, you're very welcome. Thanks again for having me on, and Pops, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. Okay, son, I love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And you can give us a call at 714-545. No, no, not my cell phone. 714 714-545- <laughs> 2071, area code 714-545-2071. You can call and wish Patricia a happy birthday. This is her birthday weekend. And how about that? Hello, you are on the air with Patricia and Lynn. Hello, this is Jesse. I'm a first-time caller from Bowie, Texas. Oh, oh Jesse, hello. Hello. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you, Lynn. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You know who this is? Yes, I do. <laughs> to me, <laughs> you are Noni. You're you're Noni something. What? I don't I forget the relationship. Yes, I'm uh, I'm ex uh, brother-in-law. My, my. Well, no, you. There's never an ex. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's my sister, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, good to have you call in, my gosh. This is wonderful. Oh, I thought it would be a fun thing to do. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Patricia and, and Walden are fun people, and I just, I'm in the back of the bus here just laughing with them. Yes. Uh, well, I thought it was real interesting that my sister-in-law uh, met a guy by the, with an, almost the same name, Lynn, instead of Glenn. Yes, yes. That, and Noni's husband was uh, Glenn, and i got to be honest with you, in the past couple of days, she's called me Glenn about three times. I, I can believe that. I understand that, that, that very much. Perfect, yeah, and that is perfectly all right. I mean, you know, we've, we've made, I think what's been a blessing for us is we both lost our partners about the same time. Yes, yes, uh-huh. And so we're able to sit here and say it's okay. You know, you never forget the memory. You never forget who you loved and all that. And uh, it's a new chapter in our life. Well, I, th I think that's very healthy. I'm a psychologist, and that, that to me that's a very, very healthy thing for people to uh, celebrate the life they have when they have it and go on with life. Yes, and we've been very blessed to do that together and everything else. And by the way, we're waiting for you to come visit. Well, we're coming out that way in, in September, you know. Oh, good, good. Well, we're I, going I, to um, the, the wedding of Noni's boy. Oh, yes, right. And, uh, you know, that's going to be a, a wonderful thing to get uh, get to meet everybody. And uh, I think uh, uh, it'll, it'll be a, another good family time. Well, and I'm not sure I'm going to make it. I, I hope to, but, you know, with my health being what it is a little bit, I probably can't fly, and I'll have to see. But I, I've got hopes. I mean, I've got some good doctors helping me and everything. So, you know, I've got a positive outlook, and we'll see what happens. Well, if you don't get to go, maybe we'll stop by and see you in Phoenix or something. I'd like to meet you. That would be great. And I've got a, I've got a little house down here, just a small two-bedroom. You're more than welcome to stay in. That's our guest house. 
and I've had people stay there, and we got some of Noni's relatives coming in this week uh, to stay there. So please do, and you're you're more than welcome. That's for sure. Yes, well. Hey, I, I, I just, it's interesting to meet you this way, and Noni told us you were going to be on the radio tonight. So we... Well, I am so glad you joined us. And by the way, let me ask you a question. Do you, are you, have you listened to old-time radio much? Or? We, uh, when we, we have uh, uh, a, a car radio that uh, we listen to old-time radio whenever we go on the road. I mean, even if we're driving from Bowie to Wichita Falls, uh, which is an hour away or close to an hour away, we listen to the old-time radio programs. and really enjoy most of them well patricia here is going to give you a simple question and i say simple because i don't know them but if you can answer it if you can't you're a first-time caller she's going to give you some old-time radio programs well that's great jesse you already answered the two questions who are you and where are you calling from and that's our first-time caller question and that means I can send you a CD. Do you have a favorite show? Do you have favorite shows? Do you like Christmas shows? What are your preferences? Well, uh, we we really we really like uh, the funny ones, the comics. Me? <laughs> and but you know, so many of those. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to be 70 uh, next week, and I I remember so many of those when I was a child. So. Oh. Could I take a moment here? Happy birthday. No, I better not. He doesn't want that for his birthday. <laughs> yeah. You know, can I make a suggestion? How about Jack Benny? Who? Jack Benny. Uh, Jack, Jack Benny's good. I'd say my favorite probably is either uh, Gildersleeve or, or, or uh, William Bendex. <laughs> okay. And the Life of Riley. Okay, I've got um, Gildersleeve. I've got The Life of Riley. I've got Fibber McGee and Molly. Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, Gildersleeve's a good one. Gildersleeve is a good one. Okay, you've got it. Um, can you? Uh, do you? Uh, are you able to send Noni an email with your address, or does she have it? Uh, she has it. Then Lynn yeah, we'll, can help. We'll get that to you, Patricia. Lynn no can help me with that, and yeah. I will. I will get a CD to you. Okay. Well, thank you so very much. It's nice meeting your acquaintance, and uh, we'll we'll do this again sometime. And oh, it's you. our pleasure. Thank you, Jim. Yeah. Thank you for calling in. I really do appreciate this. And Noni's listening, by the way, in the in the kitchen there. I've got a remote speaker in there, so she's listening. So if you want to say hi to her, hi Noni. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> thank you for being the first time caller, and thank you for making the the evening great for us. Okay. Well, thank you. All righty. Have a happy Fourth of July as well. You there you and go. Merry Thank Christmas. You. Yeah, and Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there we go. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one is our number. We're wide open. You can call with Patricia. Happy birthday. Her birthday weekend. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Hello, Carl. You're on with Patricia Glenn. Yeah, I'm sorry to be a piss, but I can't let somebody out to me. I didn't know. Well, I didn't know that this was another special day. Um, <laughs> Hi, Ron. So here we go, here we go.
Oh, Ron, that was wonderful. Thank you. Well, is this really your birthday on July 3rd? July 2nd. It was yesterday. Oh, yesterday. Well, I should have played it backwards then. <laughs> <laughs> no, frontwards was very fine. Walden gets two weeks out of his birthday. I'm going to get a whole weekend out of mine, so you're just in time. That was beautiful, Ron. Thank you so much. For you, you're a special person. I mean... Between you and Gloria McMillan, I don't know what to do now, you know? Gee. Uh, well, we'll just have to share you. That's Well, hey, you take care now. I'll be listening. Right, well, oh, i got to go to work, but I'll be listening at the end. Sounds take care. Aloha. Aloha. <laughs> Thank you, Ron. Oh, real quick, while I could, if I could just say this, uh, you know, Jesse called in, and I wanted to say hi to Gwen, too, also, his, his partner, so... Uh, I, I'm sorry I didn't do that when he was on here, but go ahead. Let's give the number again. 714-545-2071 is our number. 714-545-2071. We've got standing room only here tonight. We may have to book you again for uh, an encore performance. Well, you, if you want a successful performance, you bring your own crowd, you know? <laughs> and it's great. But I also am still wanting to hear from somebody outside the uh, United States, if we outside could. Outside the United States. And if not, we'd love everybody that calls us within. So, I've said enough. Patricia, start asking me questions. First oh, question. What? Well, I think I was just going to finish saying, but you and I have met, and we talked, oh. like I say, an hour and a half, two hours every night, and she... She was the one I had uh, in the evenings and stuff, you know, so it was wonderful. And, I, Patricia, I thank you for everything. So you've been a, a wonderful friend, that's for sure. Now let's go forward. Enough of the munchy stuff. That's good stuff. Thank you. It isn't you. enough. It really that's, isn't enough. But go that ahead. Was, that was really nice. Yeah. Thank you, Lynn. We're back to old-time radio. How did you discover old-time radio? We'll start with that and then move to Yesterday USA. Sounds wonderful. First off, I discovered it way back when. I mean, I'm, I'm an old-timer, too, to be honest with you. And uh, I used to listen to Fibber McGee and Molly when I was going to bed at night in high school, believe it or not. And they did the 15-minute shows every night, five days a week. And I would listen every night. But what I find interesting looking back is I never listened to any other old-time radio programs other than that. And I don't know why, because it was still alive, you know, old-time radio at that time. This was in the <clears throat> late 50s. And uh, anyhow, that was my extent of old-time radio, and I didn't listen again for, gosh, all these years until about 20 years ago. And my dad, I had a place, my uh, a getaway place up in the mountain area here in North uh, North Carolina, hello, in <laughs> Arizona, and we put up a big satellite dish, my dad and I, he helped me put it up, well, we got it up and everything and, and tuning around, and lo and behold, I came across yesterday USA playing old-time radio, and it was marvelous, I mean, I was just, gosh, what entertainment, so that got me back into old-time radio, and uh, collecting it, I started uh, taping it off the air, and, of course, it was Bill Bragg back then that uh, was about the only DJ on Yesterday USA. He would come on all the time, I, you know, I mean, with the recorded announcements before doing programs. And, uh, I mean, it was just marvelous. And I fell in love with old-time radio at that time. And my son mentioned it. I, I go to bed with old-time radio. I've got it on in the house here. I've got the wireless speakers and everything. And I listen to it quite a lot. I mean, I really do love it. 
But that's kind of what introduced me not only to the uh, radio station yesterday, USA here, and Bill's been around with it for, what, 25 years, I believe now. And I've kind of listened to the station grow from the days when Bill was just doing it to regular full-time free disc jockeys. I mean, streaming, and it's all volunteer because we love old-time radio. And, of course, we got some added lineup on the weekends and everything, so... The station has grown just tremendously to be in the entertainment world of old-time radio and keep it alive. And Lynn, Lynn so, how many years ago was it that you discovered Yesterday USA? I think it was about 20. So you've been with this station for a very long time. We're going uh, to give you an old-timers award. <laughs> I used to sweep the floors, you know, when it first up. No, I'm just kidding. But. <laughs> but, but this is great because you have a perspective that almost no one else has. Well, I, maybe to an extent I do. I mean, you know, because I knew, like I say, I knew Bill on the air back when. This was a long time ago. And then I've met Bill a couple times here in Phoenix. He came by and called us and came by and stayed at the house, him and his family and stuff. In fact, one of the stories, hello, story, please forgive me. I've got, I'm on medications a little bit. You don't know when it's the medication or when it's me that's slurring, <laughs> so it's all right. But uh, it was kind of funny. The first visit, Bill came to the house, and we were sitting talking and that, and I made a comment to him. I said, you know what you need on the station as a guest DJ a new one every once a month or something like that. And he looked at me and he says, fine, you're it. And I'm going, what do you mean I'm it? You know, <laughs> that's one of those things you hate. I always hated at work to make uh, some kind of suggestion because you got stuck doing it, you know. Uh -huh. So um, I, he said that, and I'll be honest with you, I did nothing because I didn't have any equipment to do a show or anything. So it kind of died there. But I still often wonder if that isn't what got it started with having DJs and stuff, because he did start adding DJs, you know, a period after that. But uh, I joined the station about five years ago, and let me give you a little story on how that got started. As they said, my uh, program, and I have to apologize, I'm not on the air right now. I'm, I'm hoping to get back on very soon, but because of my health issue that I've got, I've kind of backed out, and Bill's been very kind to hold my slot open. But it's called the best, or the, the best of Yesterday USA. And how that came about was there was a gentleman in California, Cliff Kaplinger, that was the keeper of the archives, the best of Yesterday USA. And what that meant was Bill would make 16 tapes every two-week period. And maybe back then it might have been one week. I don't know when it went from one week to two. But he would make the tapes, put them on the air, and then he would send them to Cliff to put in the archives so that if, you know, they were ever needed or uh People wanted to use them in that. Well, God bless Cliff. He was really into old-time radio. Well, he passed away from cancer. And not long after he did, I remember contacting Bill and saying, what are you going to do with the archives? And he says, well, I don't know. And I said, well, I'd be willing to take it if it's all right, if you can arrange for it. You know, So Bill gave me the name of the people that were very close to Cliff who were watching or taking care of his estate and that. I made a call, made connection with them, and they were so kind to say we have no problem with that. So I made a trip eventually over to California with a pickup truck and loaded up 4,500 cassette tapes. Wow. And these are one-and-a-half-hour tapes from the shows uh, that have a lot of history of Yesterday USA. And I mean, live shows, interviews, 
so I brought those home and, uh, you know, looked for a place to, to put them in a corner or whatever. And I started using those tapes, and I called it the best of yesterday USA. And I used the tapes to give a flavor today what yesterday US what yeah, yesterday USA was ten to twelve years ago. And some of the DJs that were on then that are no longer with us, uh, that kind of that flavor of what the show is about. Now I have to say, in the last uh, year or so, before I got kind of illness here. I switched over to a comedy format, and that was because my time was limited, and it was easier for me to produce a show with comedy than to do the tapes at that time. So uh, I feel kind of bad. You know, I still carry the name of the best of yesterday, USA, but I hope my shows of comedy and that, you know, were well-received and everything. So, But that's how I got started broadcasting on Yesterday USA, and I became one of the 16 DJs. Again, along with good company like Ronnie Millsap, uh, country western singer, and he's a DJ on Yesterday USA. So we've got quite a family uh, here on Yesterday USA, and it's led by people like Walden and Patricia. I mean, they've they've made Saturday Night wonderful, and it's amazing how many listeners are falling into place and enjoying the show. Lynn, over the years, and thank you for that. That, that was really nice of you oh. to say that. And I didn't even pay you for that, did I? No, 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 no. This is all you wrote it down for me, but you didn't I'll get, pay me. I'll get the bill in the morning. I understand. You got it. Yeah. Lynn, I, you've got access now and have listened to, at least in part, 20 years' worth of tapes, at least. What are the most significant parts of years that are gone by that we don't have now, and what do we have now that um, is vacant in the earlier years? What kinds of changes have you seen? Well, I'm trying to think what really has. I mean, you're talking in the old-time radio world, is that correct, in, Patricia? In the old-time radio world, but, but particularly yesterday, USA. Oh, okay, yeah. That's so you've just, got that's the tapes that trace a history. That's a little easier. Yeah. Um, Yesterday USA, when I first got into it, like I said, Bill was the main voice of Yesterday USA. I mean, he, I don't know how he did it, but he was, and it was taped, of course, but he was a part of every program. He would introduce them and that type of thing. But the other part of it was kind of neat is Bill would do some live shots and everything. It wasn't always, uh, you know, at a set time, and he would talk to his mother and father uh, at the museum. There was a museum that Bill started of communications. And, you know, he talked to them and bring them on the air. It was kind of a, a down-home type um, programming and stuff, I mean, so to speak. And he would take live calls. I mean, I remember we call in and stuff. Uh, but it was very informal and not really structured like it is today. I mean, it's, it's, and I don't mean structured bad. It's nice that we have actual schedule now and programming and, you know, when your favorite mm-hmm. DJ's on and those kind of things. But... Um, that's really what I remember it starting out, and then, you know, it just kind of grew from there, and I think Bill started adding DJs, the volunteer ones, uh, DJs and stuff, and the station is just, it's got a good flavor to it, is all I can tell you. I mean, if you're, you like old-time radio, you know, you can tune this in, but what I was going to say, too, is back in those days, Bill transmitted over the satellite. I mean, there was no internet feed, internet feeds or anything. It was off of uh, the sub-carrier off of WGN, the station out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. 
he was very, very lucky that they would allow him to transmit his programming on there. And so if you had the big dish like I did, this is those 10-foot dishes in the backyard, you would pick up Bill off of WGN. There would be a picture on the TV of WGN, but the sound, the way you set it up, would be Yesterday USA. Got it. And they, they allowed him to do that for, I don't know how many years, but it was a very long time. Well, when TV started changing over to the digital mode, WGN did that, and they had to ask Bill... You know, they couldn't give him time anymore. So Bill started looking around, and, of course, he started the Internet feed, and then he also wound up on um, smaller dishes, and it was on a, a system called Free to Air, and it's, it's a digital system that most people aren't familiar with. But it allowed Bill to carry on uh, the station and stuff, and I think Walden helped me on this. Was he on a subcarrier of another one for a while uh -huh. on Big Dish? Yeah, um, eventually, maybe we should talk about this, how this came about. Um, Bill started the museum back in 1979, everybody, and he had access to video transfer that most people didn't have. Uh, in other words, if a TV network had TV films, they would call Bill and he would transfer it for him. He had the equipment. And there was a company called the Nostalgia Network, that called Bill, asked him to transfer the film, and he said, well, what, what, can, what can I get in exchange? And they offered him the audio subcarrier on the Nostalgia Channel. Yes. And Bill had to figure out, what is he going to do with this? And to give you an idea, folks, what that, what that is worth, um, and John Redman, a friend up in Illinois, would tell me this, because he used to work for local TV, that... Economically, uh, what a local station had, they could bill, they could bill at least a million dollars a month yep. for that, and they gave that to Bill for free. And so Bill came up with the idea of satellite. Then he moved to two, three other channels, and I don't remember uh, which one. But then he was on the Jewelry Network, the one you're mentioning after uh, WGN. But there you go. Yes, yeah. yes. And uh, you're right. I mean, I remember. Uh, talking to Bill one time, and he said, you know, the feeds were about a million dollars a month mm -hmm. for these big channels and stuff. So he was very blessed to be able to get that and carry on, and it, it helped the listenership to grow. And then since then, of course, Bill, is strict, and Bill and Yesterday USA were on the Internet, but by gosh, when you think about the worldwide web, as they call it, I mean, you know, this program right now is going across the world. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it's not costing anywhere near what it used to. So, yeah, it's a blessing. And yesterday, USA has grown tremendously. The, we get new callers all the time. It's kind of enjoyable. And we're waiting for new callers right now, <laughs> by the way. And the telephone number is? 714-545-2071. Very Seven good. 714-545-2071. It's your opportunity to talk with... Lynn Noyes, who is our Tape 15 DJ. It's a great opportunity because our DJs only appear on tape. And now you've got a real live person to talk with. And it's fun having you. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. This is great. I, mean, I am just I, I delighted. Love this stuff. Lynn, this is coming at you from left field, and I apologize. And hello there, Carl. You are on with Patricia and Lynn. 
Hi, I am a first-time caller, and I'm calling from the kitchen. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's kitchen, Arizona, or what? Uh, yeah. We not too far away from where Lynn is sitting right now. <laughs> know who this is. Hi, Noni. Hi, Patricia. How are you? It is good to talk to you. I'm so glad you called in. Do you have any secrets to tell us? Well, many, but I can't tell them on the air. So. La, 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 la. <laughs> By the way, let me, if I may, introduce. This is my lady right now in waiting, if you call it that, but it's my sweetheart, Noni. And I said to get on the air with us, and she's like, I don't think I could, but by gosh, she is, and she's a first-time caller. And it's only going to be for a few seconds here, but I just wanted to remind you then when you're done there, could you empty the garbage? Oh, yeah. oh yes, dear. yes, dear. I certainly, I'll tell you what, every time I think I'm in charge, I lose. <laughs> Even if I have to have someone call in from a bar, like in the kitchen. <laughs> hey, sweetie, thank you. This is wonderful. Okay, well, I just want to say hi to you all, and uh, you're doing a great show here, and I'll uh, let you go and get on with it. Well, wait a and minute, you're a first-time caller. Yes, you're yeah. a first-time caller, and I want everybody to know that Noni is a really neat person. <laughs> and you are. As a, well, thank you, Patricia. As a first-time, and I'll get, I'll, I'll send a bill for that in the morning, too. I'm getting Okay, thank you. <laughs> Serious question. When Lynn listens to old-time radio, are there some shows that you like that he doesn't have for you to listen to? Well, I, what doesn't he have? <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, I, he, he's got a good collection here. So um, I found some. I have not. I have not heard many Christmas things, though. Oh boy, do I have Christmas? Okay. Oh, so maybe something like that would be good. All right. I put together some Christmas folders. They are knock your socks off and all different, and I will send one to you. Okay. It sounds good, Patricia. Oh, thanks for calling, Noni. Okay. And all of you. <laughs> and I expect dinner when we're done, too. Oh, forget it. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that wouldn't work. <laughs> Love you, sweetie. Love you. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Oh, this is great. Another new dot on my map and top of everything else and being able to talk to a wonderful person. My goodness, what a night. Ow, Patricia, it hurts when you stick that pin in like that, the dot. Ow. Oh, oh, oh. I know. There's the dot right yeah. in the middle of Arizona. But this again, is great. Again, just real quick, Noni's been so wonderful. You know, we met uh, over a year ago. And we hit it off. One of one of the people mutual to us introduced us, and I mean it's been wonderful. And then of course here I am with some health problems, and Noni, you know, has stuck with me and been by me and everything. And I couldn't ask for any more. So God bless her. She's a sweetheart. She is a sweetheart, and you better be nice to her. I am going to be. Don't worry. I'm taking the garbage out when we're done. <laughs> so. Just make sure the door is open when you get back. <laughs> you got, yeah, exactly. Thanks, Patricia. Oh, that is too Ooh. cute. Lynn, we have talked about Christmas stories over the years, and I say over the years because we've talked for, what is it now, three years? Yes, three years. Yep. And you have shared some really fun Christmas stories about the kids, and you've got special stuff at Christmas time for your Christmas tree and your Christmas decorations. Talk a little bit about the um, the traditions that you have at Christmas time. Well, something we started uh, when my kids were still fairly young was 
swapping Christmas ornaments. And what we would do is we I'd buy one for the kids and sign it, put my name on it and stuff. And then they would give me one in return that we'd put their name on in the year. And this has gone on throughout time. And God bless them. What they're, I have to say one thing about it. They're more creative than I am. I would just give them a Christmas ornament. I mean, you know, it'd be kind of like, oh, this looks nice, and it would go. Well, they would give me Christmas ornaments that fit what I lived in in life. For an example, I've got one with a little telephone guy sitting up on a pole. Well, my career was with AT&T, you know, the telephone company, back in the old Bell days and stuff, you know, Bell system. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, so they would buy these special ones for me that have a theme to it. And one of them is a, a jukebox with music in it, you know, and it's Perry Como, and you push the button and these kind of things. Well, anyhow, what's marvelous about it, though, is it's grown so big in size, these ornaments, that when we put the tree up, that's about all there is is those ornaments on it. <laughs> but what's marvelous about it, and uh, Tony comes over with his family, and he'll stand there for probably a half hour just going through them and, and laughing because he remembers them. And I love them. I mean, they, they mean so much to me and everything. And uh, so that's been a wonderful Christmas time just to, to know that and we know that we're going to open one, and it's going to be there every year, and we enjoy it. My daughter, Christine, down in Texas, she sends me one. I send her one. So, you know, hers around the tree, and it, it's just a marvelous thing. And I don't know what made it start it, but it's really been a neat idea, and we're carrying it on now. And you this do this day. every year. You never miss a year. That is correct. We, we've done it every year. It's been marvelous. And uh, like I say, what a memory, because you can go back 20, 25, whatever it is, years, and see an ornament with a date on it and a name of one of the kids at my house. So, yes, I love it. And I... one more thing, Patricia. Uh-huh. The other thing I love is I, I wound up buying two trains after Christmas. You know, you get everything for half price. <laughs> right. But these things were like $250 trains or something like that. So I bought them. Well, one of them is a Christmas train, and it's the neatest thing. It's got Santa Claus on it and all the lights that flash and everything else. So I put that up under the tree, and we use that. My grandson comes over, and he's all excited. He gets it going and plays the whistles. But, I mean, it's got Santa Claus in it, that ho, 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 when you push the button. And I don't know. I'm like a little kid at Christmas. And, Patricia, I've played the or run the train for you, and i played the, the whistles and the bells, and you seem to get a kick out of it. It's just marvelous. Again, another another fun thing at Christmas, you know, so... I, I go kind of all out for Christmas. I mean, I don't, I used to decorate the outside and that. I don't do that much anymore, but I still love Christmas time. I really do. In my heart, it's, it's just the best time of the year. And Christmas in July, of course. You get Christmas twice a year, and I think you did a very good thing, Lynn. Well, it's, it's really a lot of fun, and it's, I mean, I, I really think my children enjoy it, so it's been mm. a, a blessing both ways. Well, two two Christmases in one year, I think, is a dynamite gift to everybody. I think it is marvelous. Thank you. It, it is. Lynn, you've talked a couple of times over time about Christmas when you were a kid. What do you remember? Well, there's a there's a, a number of things that stick out of my mind. Is and I, and I always tell this story. Uh, we were raised in a family that was very very poor. Now, I didn't know that until I got out in the working world, started earning money, and realized 
we were poor. I mean, we really were, but we were happy. I mean, it didn't bother me. I still had my fun with my friends and everything else. But a couple things I remember uh, when I was young, I I had a stepfather, uh, and he was not the happiest person sometimes. But by gosh, when Christmas came, he and my mom would always go to the local store. This back in the days before the big big stores. He would go into a uh, sporting goods store, but they had toys in there at Christmas. And they would always, and, and you could get credit at this store. You didn't have to have a MasterCard and a Visa. You would go in there, and they would set up an account for you. And they would always buy us kids something special. I remember one year it was an electric train. I mean, how marvelous, you know. It was the, what I wanted so bad. And I know, I think about it today, they had to pay for that probably for the rest of the year until the next Christmas came. And so, you know, there was memories of that. I remember we used to go out in the woods and cut down a Christmas tree. And when I say the woods, to be honest with you, behind us used to be an old nursery, and they had Christmas trees there, and it was abandoned. And we'd go haul a Christmas tree in, you know, live and put it up. And it was great. I mean, you know, it, it was part of the Christmas holiday. Well, of course, now we use artificial trees, and that's just as, just as nice, you know. But uh, the other one I remember real well was when I learned to ride a two-wheel bicycle. And it was a small two-wheeler. It was my neighbor's next door. And they would run behind me, hold the seat, and let go, and I'd fall. But I finally got where I could ride it really good. But, you know, I didn't have a bicycle. Was, it, I'd have to use theirs once in a blue moon. Well, Christmas morning, I woke up, and there was this bicycle there that was just a beautiful color of blue, I think it was, and everything else. And I recognized pretty soon it was the bicycle from next door. They bought it from those people and painted it, and it was used. But it was the most, one of the most marvelous gifts that I could have because now I could ride a bicycle anytime I wanted. And, I mean, you know, as a kid, that was marvelous. I mean, my gosh, it didn't matter it was used, and it didn't matter that uh, it was from the neighbor or whatever may. It was mine, and that was the important thing. So... You know, it's, it's stories like that and memories like that that I just think how wonderful Christmas was and still is to me to this day. It really is. It's a wonderful time just to enjoy getting together with people. And, and it, it seems like all of us are under stress, but we're happy at Christmas time. So there you go, Patricia. Well, that's a pretty cool story. I love the bicycle story. We've lost something along the way. Um, and what you're describing to me, I don't think was a one of a kind. I think there were probably a lot of people who felt the same way you did. It was a gift. It was yours. It was something that that nobody else could claim ownership of. You could share it if you wanted, but nobody else could claim ownership. And it didn't matter that it was refurbished. It didn't have to be brand new. No. And the other story I want to tell you, I think I talked to you, Patricia, one time about this was Back in those days, like I say, you didn't have the big stores like we have today. It was little mom and pops. And, but I remember there was a shoe store that we used to go in to buy shoes. And it was just a little store. And at Christmas time, Santa Claus was in the corner. And, I mean, he'd sit there lonely looking for kids to sit on his lap. And we would. But then we'd go from there to the drugstore. And I remember Santa Claus was sitting in the corner over there. <laughs> And we'd go in and sit on his lap, <laughs> and then we'd go to the sporting goods store, and there was Santa Claus. I mean, you know, and this is a little town, but 
you know, we knew that it was Santa's helpers. You know, we knew Santa couldn't be everywhere, so it was Santa's helpers. And by gosh, it was marvelous. You know, I mean, three times in one day, I get to sit on Santa's lap and tell him what I want every time. And he was always surprised. That's what's neat about it, you know. So, yeah, those are the things. The little towns, the the little magic that went on and everything. Uh, it was wonderful. But it, I'd like to do this. I'd like someone else, some other people, please call in and tell us about your Christmas times or what you remember about it. And the number is? 714-545-2071. And we're talking with Lynn Noyes, who is one of Yesterday USA's ever-so-special people. He is the person you hear on tape number 15, the best of Yesterday USA, and he is here in person with us tonight. You don't have to listen to a tape. You can hear him in real people tonight. Gosh, so I call like in it. and say hi. I love it when you say that, Patricia. It sounds like I'm so wonderful, you know? <laughs> well, you are. <laughs> and we are so lucky to have you at the station, Lynn. I mean, truly. And uh, people hear your voice on a tape, but they don't know, unless someone says it out loud, that you do other things for people. You are available to people. You have helped so many with the electronics part of broadcast and radio. People can pick up the phone and say, Lynn, I have a problem. And that doesn't happen on tape. You Hello. don't understand that or know that on tape. So. Hello, Carl. You're on with Patricia and Lynn. Hi, this is Nolan. How's everybody? Hello, Nolan. Oh, oh, oh Nolan. Christmas. Nolan Kenner, hello. Hey, Lynn, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. I'm kind of, you know, I'm in the same boat you are in a way, but I'm so fortunate to be where I'm at, and you feel the same way, I know. Good. Yes, I do. I uh, didn't mean to interrupt, but I had some a little news that I wanted to tell you about. I, I'm a little horse right now. Like like the Shetland Pony said, I'm a little horse. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, called about was, uh, I'm going to be in that chair next week. Absolutely. Where you are now, Lynn. That's right, and, and Patricia told me about that, and I am going to be listening. Well, I, I uh, had joked last week about Smiley Burnett, and I'm afraid that uh, Walton and Pat don't know, did not know who, they were, who he was, what a big deal he was. Oh, yeah. But, Lynn, I have an idea you know who he is. I do know who he is, yes. yes. Well, I wanted to get him to um, Smiley Jr. to do a promotional announcement for me that I was going to be on the show, and as it turned out, I got the man himself. Oh, wow. <laughs> wires together correctly. I want to play something for you. Go for oh, it, my. please. Here we go. We got a date with Nolan. Hooray, hooray, hooray. The floods will get controlling. I feel so good I can hold you tight. I'll close my eyes or I'll die of fright. We got a date with Nolan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a date with Nolan. We're gonna reach a goal and we're gonna be okay. Let's celebrate and divide the swag. Oh, Mr. Trouble can hold the bag. We got a date with Nolan. Hooray, hooray, hooray. We got a date with Nolan. Tomorrow is the day. Good fortune will start rolling. Ha, ha, ha. Goodbye to worry, goodbye to cares. For we're a couple of billionaires. We got a date with Nolan. Hooray, hooray. Isn't that, that is, wonderful? That is marvelous. Isn't that something? Oh, 
Yeah. Nolan, that is a keeper. And I, Walden, would you tell people a little bit about Nolan? And he's going to be with us next week, folks. Next week, um, Nolan Kinner will be our special guest. And we are having a lot of the, the family disc jockeys and personalities you've heard on the station for the last 27 years on. Nolan's uh, broadcast career reaches all the way back to his days in the... Uh, in the in the south to Armed Forces Radio to back to back there being a disc jockey, at least two different stints and being the uh, the, the qualified voice of this radio station. In fact, when I was talking to Bill, I guess you're gonna come back and do some work for him, no one. So you've been a part of this family for a long, long time, it's a, and it's gonna be fun to have you on next Saturday night. My gosh, having two of you on at the same time tonight is wow. Well, let me tell you my wow, if I could. You know, I've listened to the station for a long time. Of course, Nolan Kenner was a DJ on the station uh, for quite some time. And I remember the Flashback Express. Uh-huh. And I remember hearing his marvelous voice come on the air. I mean, it was just, you know, one of those that you just sat back and went, wow, professional is all get out. And, of course, you know, I sat there going, hello, this is Lynn Noyes. Oh, Lynn Noyes, you know, trying to think if I could have a voice like that, but it, <laughs> it would never happen. And, Nolan, by gosh, you've given so much to Yesterday USA over time. It's amazing. Nolan, are you there? Did we lose him? I think we accidentally lost him. Well, he's probably listening. Well, he'll I mean, call it back. 714. Flashback Express, which was Nolan Kenner's show on Yesterday USA, is available through podcast. You can get there through iTunes. If you put in Flashback uh, in the search for iTunes, you will get Nolan's show, and you can subscribe to it. So all of the shows that are available will pour right into your iTunes podcast. And, and you, I thought that was pretty neat. I discovered that all by myself. Yeah, and I was going to say, and you will not regret doing it, because his show was tremendous as far as, you know, like I say, his intro and everything was just marvelous, and his voice was outstanding for us. So if you get a chance to listen to it on the, the iPod, it'd be wonderful. It's a good treat. Lynn, tell me what, I don't know how to ask this and do it in a positive way. What have we lost over the years in the celebration of Christmas and the holidays that we could really use a good dose of today? You know, whoops, hold on just a second. Sure. Hello, the phone ringing. All right, no one's that you? Oh, uh, no, it's Fred. Oh, how you doing, Fred? Hello there. Oh, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Merry Christmas, Fred. Fred is our uh, one of our regular callers. He's up in Vermont. Would you please meet Lynn Noyes? Well, hello, Lynn. Hello, Fred. I'm nice to meet you, and, and welcome from Vermont. Well, thank you. How's the snow up there today? Right. Yeah, I was going to say where it's not 106, like Arizona. Uh, no, but we did hit 90 today. Uh -oh. okay. That's getting a little warm, yeah. Yeah, this is the kind of weather I like. Yeah. Well, you, have you got the humidity up there uh, in Vermont? Yeah, it gets pretty humid. Yeah, that's... But I don't care. I know. Well, well, after six months of winter, it can get as humid as it wants. <laughs> I, lo I love the summer. Ah, uh, good for you. So, 
Um, but I am calling to share a Christmas story. Hooray. Good, wonderful. Um, in that, uh, just to my mom and how amazing she was at Christmas time. And I love Christmas, and I think I got it from her. She was really, really into it. And one of the things that she would do that amazed me, she we had our stockings, and she would put them on our bedposts at night. And they weren't at the over the fireplace downstairs or anything. And the rule was, if you woke up in the morning, you could open up what was in your stocking, but you weren't allowed out of bed until everybody in the house was awake. <laughs> so, but I mean, what, what, the fact that it amazed me was she did this for the longest time, and it was three of us, and we were eight years apart. So for 20-some-odd years, there was always some young child in the house who was a big believer in the whole thing. And she never, and I don't know how, the stockings were right at the head of our bed. We never caught her once in 20 years stuffing our stockings. That's amazing. That is great. And that's kind of like the two. Fred, 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 don't you, Fred, doesn't that mean Santa really came to see you, though? I think it does. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, because. You know, you never caught Mom, so Santa must have come. He must have been there. Yep. Yep, what a great story, you know, it's, it, it's so true, and that was that was Santa Claus. And I love that story, Fred, that, that is, that's a good story, that one's a keeper. Well, thank you. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly, and you know, I mean, I'm, and I always remember back, Fred, I don't remember how Santa Claus got in the house and put the gifts under the tree without waking everybody up, you know. Well, I always wondered that, too, because our chimney goes right into our furnace, so I never got the chimney end of it. <laughs> you never never saw him hanging his feet out or anything. <laughs> well, I remember uh, Red Skelton, one of the little things Junior was said, he used to put the bear trap just to see if he could catch Santa in the chimney. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it never worked. Santa always outfoxed him, you know. Yeah, yeah those, were the, those were the memory days, you know, when we were kids, if you think about it. Wonderful things like that that will keep forever. That's for sure. Yeah. Kind of, it was a little magical at the time, and I, but I can see it. I don't have any kids, but my older brother, my younger brothers do, and it's it's being kept alive well. My parents did a good job because their kids are getting the same kind of stuff. So wonderful, yeah. Pass the tradition on. That is marvelous. Yeah, the thing that the thing that gets me now though, the kids, my little nephew gets to kick out a tracking Santa on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, let me tell you a quick story. Uh, when I worked for AT&T, and this was back in the 60s, we had this network set up within the company of teletype machines, and it would put out bulletins and emergency stuff and everything else. But one of the things I remember that was so marvelous was at Christmas time, the messages came out tracking Santa Claus, like you do on the Internet now. I'm not sure whoever did it. I mean, it had to be one of the offices somewhere in the United States, but they would put these messages out periodically saying Santa Claus was seen in Chicago. And, Santa, and I mean, it was amazing. Here we are adults, and we're standing there going, yeah, that's neat, you know. Yeah. So, again, I mean, and that was in the days before we got, and, and you know, Patricia, if, real quick, she was going to ask me what I thought, and Fred, maybe you can help me with this why Christmas has kind of changed. And, and I think it's a matter of uh, we've got the Internet, we've got television, we've got all that stuff, but we also have, like I say, the big stores where, you know, everything you want is at a Walmart or a Kmart or whatever. 
And I think, unfortunately, the commercialism and everything has taken away from the simple days, like you're talking about, Fred, you know, where we didn't expect big things. A stocking maybe had an orange and, uh, you know, an apple and a little toy or something in it, those kind of things. Um, and I think, I think a lot of it, too, is I think the problem is the commercialism extended it. I, I, I remember when I was a kid, Christmas, you really didn't even start thinking about Christmas until a week or so after Thanksgiving. Yes, yes. And you saw Santa Claus in the parade, but okay, um, and supposedly that kicked off the Christmas season. But, you know, you had, like, like I can remember everything was special, like uh, Rudolph, for example, was on the first Saturday in December. Ooh, ooh. You missed it. Yep. You missed it, you know. Now it's on 40 times a night. You know, you watch it. Uh, I'm not saying that's, I don't know if that's good or bad, but it, it's not, it's not special anymore when you can pop it in anytime you want and want to watch it or, like I can remember we used to get the Wish Book. That was the big, oh, I can remember spending nights. I, I would love the Christmas time along my Sears. Oh, yes. Yes. That was a, 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 a really neat thing. Um, and now, you know, there's, it, it's all over the place. Like you said, it's all over the internet, and it, it, there's no. It, it, and they start selling Christmas in the middle of November. I've got a neighbor that leaves his lights up year round. That way he doesn't have to put them up again. But that takes away from the magic, also. But yeah, you know, you know Fred, you're right. And and it's it's kind of I think sad when you can go in just after Halloween and the Christmas stuff is put on the shelves to sell in certain stores and everything. You know, and it's. Yeah. I mean, it's it's taken some of the magic away, like you said. But I wanted to add something, Fred. You mentioned about Rudolph. Um, when I was a kid on the local television station, they had these little, like, a three-minute uh, cartoons. And one of them was Susie Snowflake, Frosty the Snowman. And they would play these things two weeks before Christmas in between programs. And us kids would run to the TV like we'd never seen it before. Yeah. But it was the same thing over and over well, what's interesting, what's so neat to me is uh, on WGN, again, out of Chicago, was the Bozo the Clown show. And at Christmas time, believe it or not, up until the show quit, which was probably, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, he would play these same cartoons, Susie Snowflake. And he made a big thing out of it. I mean, you know, it's like, today we got, and I, I captured those on video. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's amazing because I, I can sit and watch those things like I was a little kid again because, again, the memory was so wonderful. Yeah. And, and that's the magic that has kind of gone. And, well, and it's kind of like television, what it's done to old-time radio. You know, old-time radio, we used to sit and our minds would run wild, and we could make it anything we wanted. TV has made it what it should be or what it is or however you want to say it. And so... TV has taken away some of the magic of things in life. It, it, you know, and I hate to admit it too, but I think not a lot of it, not all of it is due to the modern world. I think a lot of it's due to growing up because I can remember, I, I love baseball. And I love baseball to this day. Um, I sit here and I watch the Red Sox every night. But when I was a kid watching baseball, it was that same thing. There was something magical about the game. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel that anymore. Well, that's true. I, I was the same no. way. I mean, I go down and watch my Cleveland Indians. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, originally, and 
watch my Cleveland Indians play as a kid, and my gosh, I loved it. And I used to listen to them on the radio, and it was great. Yeah. I'm like you now. It seems like, boy, these games are long, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not quite the same, you know. It's, yeah. And, and, I still you know, like the game, and I still enjoy watching it, but it, that, that, that magical thing of it being on a little bit higher plane is it's just gone. Um, you know, something else, Fred, just in this vein a little bit of what you're talking is gone, is we used to sit there and use an old AM radio and try to get a station from a, as far away as we could, and that, now we, we sit here and watch TV and we see live action going on in Afghanistan and um, everywhere in the world. So, again, the world is so small now, where when we were kids, we were just little local kids having a good time, you know, so... Yeah, it's a little bit of everything, but you're right. I think it's growing up, you know. Uh, it, and our lives do evolve and change, and our likes and dislikes, of course, change. So that's a good part of it, Fred. You hit it on the head. Well, I got some good news. I have a little little uh, trick that I use all the time. If you really want to get some magic back into your life, I don't care how old you are or how where you've been or where you've gone, if you want to wonder, all you have to do is look up in the sky at night. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've got a home in Prescott, which is up in the mountains in Arizona here, and it is very dark, which is nice. Oh, that's perfect. And exactly what you're saying. I've, I've done that when I used to talk to Patricia on the phone as I was talking. I'd be out of my deck. And, I mean, I could see the uh, uh, the constellations and uh, the Milky Way is just beautiful. And I haven't seen that since I was a kid until I moved up there because I lived in the big city of Phoenix here with lights. So you're right. You look up there and you think, I wonder what's out there. I wonder yeah. how these were made. And every, I mean, it's, again, it brings back a lot of magic. You're right. The stuff that we can't answer yeah. logically, you know. That we can sure wonder about it, huh? We can certainly wonder and use our imagination, yep. Yep, well. Fred, before you go, I, w I have one question for you. Okay. What was in your stockings that your mom filled up? Oh, man, all kinds of goodies. Uh, baseball cards, um, usually had some candy and stuff, but there had to be a toy because there had to be something to keep us busy so we wouldn't go downstairs. Um, so we always had a toy or two, and there were large stockings. Um, she would, she usually put like two, three, four toys, some candy. Uh, I can remember getting baseball cards, little matchbox cards, uh, oh, what else did I get? All the little spinning tops, you know, yeah. Uh-huh. Sure, they spin. Yeah. You get miniature ones of those. those. Those are really neat things to remember, Fred. Ball and jacks. Oh, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Oh, it sounds great. I and know you, we've got a thousand people out there who are saying, oh, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, and we need some more people to call in and tell us more about the fun of Christmas time. By I'm going to get off the phone and listen to them. So. Well, Fred, thank you for calling. I mean, I, I feel honored of everybody that's calling in just because I'm sitting here. Well, it's not me. It's Patricia and Walden. But thank you for calling in anyhow. Well, I've heard you, heard you, heard you, so it's nice to be able to talk to you. Well, thank you, Fred, and it's a pleasure to talk to you also. Thank you very much. You guys have Merry a good night. Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, Fred. Merry Christmas. Same here, Fred. And the number is 714-545-2071. I have a note here that I am to remind you of something um, 
before we finish, I have to remind I you. Forgot. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> well, because I'll forget. Go ahead. Because you you told me I should remind you that you need a fan club card. Oh, yes, I got that. I wrote it down here also. I do need a fan club card, and I want to know what my number is. Uh-oh. But he had to answer a trivia question, though, Patricia. Oh, oh, go oh. for it. Go for it. Oh, that's right. And now, oh, gee, under just, hmm. understand something, Patricia Walden. You know, I'll listen to the show. I'll hear the questions, and I go, I know, I know, I know. And then you're going <laughs> to ask me what I'm going to, I don't know. All right. Well, you'll have a choice here. Do you want a Christmas show question or a Christmas song question christmas show question whoa you picked yeah. the hard ones let's go for the good let's stuff let's go for the good <laughs> stuff okay who was the comedian who made an annual ritual of buying the cheapest gifts he could find oh i can't answer that the phone's ringing i know hello carl you can help win out hello there you're with Wendy and patricia hey i'm back again hi nolan hi nolan we hi nolan welcome back we lost you I got so concerned about feeding that uh, little spot down the line that I have found out my own way to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I do that all the time, Nolan. Don't feel bad. <laughs> it was wonderful. My gosh, how did you how did how did you arrange the that spot? Before I go into that, let me ask you: Is the quality good coming that way? Oh yeah, yep. superb. It was, it was it was wonderful. Superb. That's what we're going to do next week, and I have a little gadget here that makes that possible that I saved over for one of my. Uh, radio stations over the years. Oh, boy. Um, I, have to, I have to put on my shoes for next week, Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting in the big that, time. Huh? We're in the big time here. Yeah, but that, that uh, smiley brunette thing, as silly as it can be, but I, a lot of times we'll go to sleep with the uh, TV on at a low level and uh, good old Western movie is perfect to put me to sleep because it's not exactly Shakespeare. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And... Um, I sat straight up in bed, and that that jingle was playing. I said, "What in the world is this?" And uh, it was smiling. And it had to do with the t uh, Senator Nolan, who they were trying to get out of Washington to help with the flooding in part of Texas. Uh, That'll perk your ears up, huh? <laughs> and it did. And so I, I made note of it, and then I got up the next morning and I found it in there, and I I played it for Sally, and she was uh, not very impressed. She <laughs> didn't know who Smiley was. <laughs> Uh, Nolan, I want to ask you a question just real quick, if I could, and this has to do with old-time radio, but something I found, and see if you agree with me, that old-time radio, the people that were in it that are still around and everything seems so approachable and so available to talk to and everything. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I've met several. I guess the pinnacle was Fred Foy. Where I got to spend the day with him. Yep, from the Lone Ranger. Yeah, yeah, and uh, got to participate in a recreation. And, um, you know, the, the, what I found both with uh, actors in the B-movies and the Westerns and the old radio shows, not so much radio, but the uh, movies, a lot of these guys had never seen their own pictures. It's never amazing, seen the movie all the way through. And you think about that, a serial, for example, would take, I think, eight weeks to make, 15 episodes. It was longer than Gone with the Wind if you played them back to back. But if they, if they were to see the, the movie, they would have to go see the rushes the next day, and I don't think the actors were much in, involved in that part of it, where they would, the directors and the producers would look to see how the scenes went and so forth. But several occasions I've had collectors tell me that they furnished either the radio tape or a uh, videotape of 
actor's work that he'd never seen before. And that, it's never happened to me, but that would be really rewarding, wouldn't it? It, it would. And you know what's funny is I, I, like Hal Stone, who, you know, played Jughead in the Archie Andrews old-time radio programs, I got to be good friends with him because he lived over the mountain from me. But the same thing, I'd ask him, do you have copies of your shows? It's like, no, I don't, you know. And, and, and it's amazing to me because, you know, they were, they were actors. But they didn't yeah. have, the, they don't remember, I mean, they didn't get copies of their shows back then or anything else. And, they, you know, it was a job to them to an extent. I think a lot of them, it was just a, I don't want to say just a job, it was a great job. Oh, they yeah. Did wonderful work. But some were interested in, uh, I always use the example of Laurel and Hardy for, for an example. The uh, brains of the outfit was Stan Laurel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at him, you know. But, uh, Oliver Hardy had just as soon, when they said the last words, get in the car and go to the golf course, play golf. Stanley huh. would stay and, you know, they would develop the film and re-edit and do all these things that they do. And, um, and uh, most of the comedy pairs, one guy was the, uh, the the person that liked the technical design, and he, he, but it was just a job. It was the acting part, he could not care less if he saw the himself again. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Jerry Lewis was an example too. He was a, he was the brains of that pair at the at the time and doing what they were doing. And then Dean Martin split off and went into their own fields, and they were excellent in both. But um, yeah, back to your original uh, statement there that these these people are just super nice. They're super nice and very approachable, and it's you know I mean it's you don't see that anymore with the popularity of stars and stuff like that, but. You're right, and I mean, I I was amazed at it when I got into the old time radio uh, arena here, and boy, it's it's just marvelous. Like Hal Stone, I mean, I don't mean to talk about it, but I just sent him an email and I said, Hal, you're my neighbor across the way, and I mean, my gosh, we connected and got to be good friends, go to dinner with his wife and Dorothy. I mean, him and Dorothy, and you know, I mean, it's just, I mean, but yep, he was he was. An actor, you know, and stuff. So yeah, I, I'm I'm amazed by it being a commoner. It's really wonderful, and I'm amazed by talking to you, Nolan. I mean, really, you you've been my little idol on Yesterday USA because you you put on such a wonderful show. Oh, thank you. And I mean every word of that. So, Nolan, did you were you able to hear while you were missing an action for a little bit that your shows will download in iTunes podcast? Um. Your Flashback Express. Somebody else told me that. Uh, really should be getting a lot of money for that. <laughs> yeah, the royalties are just rolling in, aren't they? Noah? They are just rolling in. Yeah. But I, I mentioned to listeners that if they type in the search, the iTunes search, just the word flashback, your show comes up, you can hit a subscription to it, and all of the shows that are available will automatically download into their podcast. Wow. I'll have to tell my children about that, and they'll think that's a big deal. Well, oh, it is yeah. a big deal. It is a big deal, yes. yes. The children are, are in their 30s, but maybe I can still impress them. Well, they're kids. I hope they still listen to Dad. <laughs> well, we're going to tape next week, and that's going to be for the grandchildren. I'm going to keep a, a copy of that. Uh, I think that's super. The, I was thinking as you said that, um, I made the, Fred Foy played the Lone Ranger one time in one episode, as you all know. Uh-huh, just that one time he got to play it. And uh, so I was talking to Fred about that, and, and he said, do you want, do you have a copy? And I said, no, I don't. He said, well, let, uh, I'll send you one. Oh. Man to his word. Days, we were uh, in uh, the radio, let's see, where was it? Cincinnati. That, the, 
club up there that has a convention every year. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he, he made it done. Sure enough, in the, in the uh, mail comes this cassette. Found out it was the only copy he had. The, the uh, Gasman brothers had made it for him and located it and sent it to him. Wow. He trusted me with that thing to, to, to put it on CD for him. Uh, Fred Foy, I'm, I just want to make sure that I mention this. Fred Foy is the most recognizable voice in the Lone Ranger's announcing repertoire. Fred Foy was the announcer for the Lone Ranger for quite a few years. Walden will be able to tell you how many years, but his is the voice you will recognize uh, introducing the Lone Ranger at the beginning of each show. Exactly. How long was he uh, announcing Walden? Do you think I know the answer? Of course you do. 1948 to 1954 live, and then, then he became part of the syndication package from uh, from the 50s, you know, till the early 60s until he moved, uh-huh. to, until he knew, moved to New York. Also his voice as the recorded opening of the television Lone Ranger series. That right. is Fred's voice. Each time you hear the Lone Ranger being introduced on a television rerun, it's Fred Foy's voice. And it is, like you say, a very recognizable voice. Oh, my it's, goodness. It's you, amazing. Talk, yeah. you talk about a voice that just rocks the earth. It is wonderful. Next time you listen to it, you know, you say that, and it does, but just it's effortless for him. I, I, yeah, I, I can't imagine that it can be effortless, but I, I know because it's part of him that, you know, he, he doesn't have to work to sound great. He just sounds great and still does. Well, Nolan, let me ask you a question, if I may. Do you still have that CD that you made or the copy that you made? What happened after that, I sent it to him, and uh, I sent him the tape back and a, and a CD. And we were talking on the phone, and he said, do you have the capability to do uh, TV also or video? Yeah, this is, it's a hobby with me, but I have that, and then I have the equipment from the radio station that I eventually sold. And yeah. The, uh, uh, so he said, I have some things that I've saved over the years. I wonder if I could prevail upon you to put those on CD for me and DVD. I said, it'd be an honor. I'd be glad to do it. And all of his memorabilia would fit in the size of two shoe boxes. You know, you would expect it to be grips and maybe he had other things, but these were the recordings of him doing On With The Wind, Crater, uh, Dr. Zhivago, and in a number of 30-second commercials that he had saved. Uh, had an appearance on, oh, he was the announcer for Dick Cabot. He had a lot of those episodes on a VHS tape. And I just, and he said, go make me a copy of those, and make yourself a copy of anything you want. And there's some rare stuff in there. Wow. Yeah, and that's what's nice about keeping that stuff going, you know, if we can do that. Well, I, I sent it um uh, I sent it all back and got a phone call and a letter, and then his daughter called. That the family has just been kind of renewing their knowledge of Dad's work. You know, we didn't have a convenient way to play it before, and now we do. And could I get another set? Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. And, yeah, uh, and that's why so I, I really go ahead. I'm sorry, no, I'm able to, to do that. I'm just uh, it's a real honor. Well, that's a marvelous story. I'm glad. I I I just glad to hear that because that keeps some of that stuff going also, you know, and available, and it's just it's just great. It really is. Yeah, one of the nicest people I've ever met, and we uh, 
We'll talk about that more next week. I'm impeding on your time now, and I need to get out of the way. No, that's all right. I mean, it's it's good stories, Norm. Don't worry about it. But we'll we've got you've got more stories. I'm sure you'll share with us next week. It's I'm gonna... really okay, Nolan, because I'm confident Lynn is going to call you next week. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> Which places? And Pat, I, I have some things coming to you. We've got the holiday in there, and uh, some little background material to. You did tell me that you were going to send some uh, goodies to me, and I will make sure I watch the mailbox. I don't get there every day, but I'll do it now. Okay. Uh, it'll, it'll be uh, just a, a few things that might. Give me some background and a little bit of information about you so I can ask some good questions. There you go. <laughs> go ahead of time what I'd like to cover, and we can talk about it beforehand. And I've got the uh, a few sound bites like we just played that uh -huh. I'll play from here. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm really looking Open. forward to talking with you next week, Nolan. Be my pleasure. We'll, we'll... You're all over my calendar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be glad to listen, Nolan. I will definitely uh, listen to it. If I, I may call in and just kind of take two minutes of your time. How's that? That'd be great. I'll wait to you. Well, it's, little, it's, it's my pleasure to talk to you. I've never really spent time with you, Nolan. It's wonderful. <laughs> Alden, good night. Good night. Thanks, no Nolan. Bye-bye. Talk to you next week. And Merry Christmas. You bet. And there's the one and only Nolan Kenner, 714-545-2071. We are just getting started. And this is the evening's young. You can give us a call, 714-545-2071. I'm hoping somebody in South America or somewhere would pick up the phone and call us. You can Canada call, would you can, be good. We Canada get a call from Canada good. occasionally. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's and if, I, if you want a call collect, I'll give you Lynn's number directly. <laughs> Thank you, Walden. <laughs> Walden has been my friend for nothing now. <laughs> you know, this is, this is really interesting. I had not thought about this until Lynn said something to me when we were talking about uh, his time with us tonight, that it's probably a very expensive phone call calling the states from another country. But if we have free calls to the other country, do we? I know well, I, I can do um, I can do Puerto Rico and you know a couple of other areas yeah. without charges. Yeah. Um, if, if on, you know, on my on my good phone, uh, I can I I don't have that capability. But if people send me an email, I can do ahead of time. I can do a penny a minute. Okay. Not happy. Well, and minute. a couple yeah. other things to add in is that Vonage is offering, you know, Vonage is an inter internet phone service, mm -hmm. but it, a VOIP, but it is offering uh, worldwide calling. Or you Skype. Yeah, people Skype is another one. Yeah, and then this Magic Skype. Jack yeah. is another one you can plug in and use. And so there are ways to get it. And, but like Walden said, there's so many countries now that are penny a minute or yeah. five cents a minute. Yeah. It's yeah. not like the old days where it was a dollar a minute. Well, you think, you think about so the, I guess the, the message is if you are in another country and you'd like to talk with us, send one of us an email. I'll give you the email addresses in just a second. Send one of us an email, and we will work to find a way that we can communicate by phone without um, supplying the world with our dollars and, and do it either free or inexpensively, if we can do it, that would be wonderful. And if we can't, it wouldn't be because we didn't try. Also, just sort of give me how many hours you think you're ahead of us. Oh, yes. Yes, or a day. 
ahead you, of us. You know, and that way, uh, that way, it'll determine if we call you early in the show or late in the show. That way, I don't wake you up as you're 18 hours ahead. You know. <laughs> this is true. This is true. We do work on different times. Yeah. So my email address for uh, for everybody, this is international, it is Florida, F-L-O-R-I-D-A, writer, W-R-I-T-E-R, Florida writer, all together, one word, at hotmail.com. Florida writer at hotmail.com. And Walden's address is... Walden? Do you think I have email? Yeah, I know you do. Oh, okay. You want to give it out? Not somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Walden Hughes at yesterdayusa.com. That's W-A-L-D-E-N-H-U-G-H-E-S at Y-E-S-T-E-R-D-A-Y-U-S-A.com. YesterdayUSA.com. And Patricia, if I may, I'll get in this acting. I'm going to give my email address only if someone would like to, you know, in the future uh, talk to me as mm-hmm. far not talk to me, I'm sorry, email me uh-huh. with some requests or something when I do my show or something like that. And it is the best of YUSA at Yahoo, Y-A-H-O-O.com. I want to make sure that I've got this in my ears correctly. It is the best of... No, just the best of Y-U-S-A. Now, uh, see, does it have T-H-E in front of it? It does, I Google. It does, okay, that's what I was asking. Help me with this, yes. Okay, (laughs) the best of Y-U-S-A. Yes, at Yahoo.com. Sounds easy enough. I was just—I I just wanted to clarify that T H E was actually at the beginning of the address there. Well, I thank you, and you're keeping me straight. I love it. Oh boy, it's oh, a job and a half. Boy. I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, and one more thing. I was talking—I was thinking when Walt or uh, Nolan was talking and everything about the word stuff. Uh-huh. He was sending you some stuff, and right. that word is so great. That you and Walden use and everything, it's just great. A lot it is of the stuff. best word in the whole wide world. And it covers everything. You know, it I got covers stuff. everything. Yeah. I've got stuff. What's yeah. in the closet? Stuff. stuff. What were you doing downtown? Stuff. stuff. Okay, we were in the middle of not letting you go without stuff. a fan club card. Well, I was just going to ask it. I never heard my number because the phone rang. Well, oh, that's right. That's right. You were going to ask him a truth. We're on Facebook, too, everybody. You need to look us up on Facebook. We're there, too. Go ahead, Patricia. We are there, too. And your question was, you have to answer. Who was the comedian who made an annual ritual of buying the cheapest gifts he could find? Gosh, this one's tough, but I think I got it. (laughs) Jack Benny. Yes, Jack Benny. My favorite. He is that is my favorite old-time radio show. I love others, you know, Gildersleeve and Deborah McGee and Molly, which Patricia loves. But Jack Benny, to me, is the ultimate uh, comedy show that I love. I mean, I really do. And, of course, you're right. He'd, he'd go out and buy the cheapest gifts for his people on the show. And, of course, you know, he'd drive the guy behind the counter nuts because he'd want it wrapped. And then he'd, oh, do I want to put a card in it? Or, oops, I want this. And Anyhow, I think, I think the- Great comedian. He was known for his cheapness, but you're right. Christmas really brought it out. Yep. He was known for his cheapness only as his stage performance. He was not a cheap individual as a real-life person. Right. 
way to make sure of that. So anyway, your fan club number is number 11. Ooh. Ooh. Is that a good number? That is a good one. I like that. I that mean, is a good number. We need to have more people in the fan club so we can be handed out like number 36. I, I agree. So. Lucille in New York started the fan club, which I just, I am getting such a kick out of this. She calls it the Walpat Fan Club. And people who call in and answer a question get a CD and a fan club card, which I think is just very cool. Lindsay, I have something that I think you might enjoy that I just found. And Walden is going to come out of his chair, I think. <laughs> I found Whatever Became Of. It is an interview show with people who were in old-time radio. It was done probably in the 1960s and 1970s. Walden, do you remember that show? I just had Richard and Parky on the air live about two months ago. And he did that show based out in New York starting in 1965, uh -huh. and he ran for nine years. He ran for nine years. Well, I found 56 of the shows. Wow. And they are wonderful. I spot-checked a couple. There are, there are a couple with some real sound challenges that, you know, you have to really pay attention to it. But most of them are good, and they're wonderful interviews. They're 39 minutes, not 39 minutes. They're a half an hour, 29 to 30 minutes. And I've got um, Whatever Became Of, Stella Dallas, Abe's Irish Rose, When a Girl Marries, Life Can Be Beautiful, Young Widder Brown, The Three Stooges. So I've got 56 of Wonderful. these, and I think that's probably something you don't have, Lynn. I do not have any whatsoever, and I would love to have them, Patricia. And I just knew I had something you would like. Well, there you go. If those of you who scratch your head, Richard Park is the one that wrote the book series, Whatever Became Of. He would profile 100 people. He would go around the country and around the world, sit down and do one-on-one -on -one interviews, and take pictures and show them what they look like then and now. And he wrote 12 books and uh, had almost a 30-year run doing that. That's not bad. I remember you're talking about the books, Walden. It just blew me away. And, uh, I mean, you said he, he thought he ran out of... <laughs> Ran yep. out of topics yep. to write about. Right out. So he's now sort of doing um, memories, in other words, of behind-the-scenes stories. Uh-huh. And our friend Ben Omar has published two of the books last year and is going to publish his new one next year. Oh, terrific. Yeah. Well, there's one in here with Jim Jordan, which I thought, uh, and unfortunately it's one of them that has a sound challenge. I mean, you can hear the recording, okay, but it's not a real crispy, clear... Um, recording to listen to so if you're a fibber mcgee and molly fan you're not going to mind sticking with it if you're just kind of casually going through you'll probably pass on to another one but um but these are really good we've got nero wolf uh buster crab um the shadow and Margot lane i mean it really is just a great collection and i could only find 56 but 56 is 56 better than what we had before. You got it, and I would be proud to own one of those. I really well, would. It, it will be my pleasure to drop them on a CD and send them to you. Well, the fan, good. And the fan club is courtesy of Lucille in New York, who did such a wonderful thing for us. And um, Lucille, we love you. Thank you for doing that. Yep, and I'm number 11, so there. And you are number 11. Well, well then, now... I, I want to, real quick, this can go on forever. I mean, you know, unfortunately, I am a talker, and, you know, Patricia, you're pretty good, too. I, I work on it. And Walden is so, 
he's just in the background, just kind of guiding this whole thing. So <laughs> he's going to pull the plug on us. Later. I know, but I would like to cover one thing quick, if we could, and it's uh-huh. it's kind of in the Christmas spirit, but yet it is and it isn't. But it's about the hundred dollar obligation. Uh huh. Can you tell us about it, Patricia? Sure. Please. I I didn't realize that you were going to be asking. I thought we got to the end here. Um, I, my Christmas story that I was talking with Lynn about the other day happened, oh, probably about 10 years ago. And a woman who was new to the area, she was a single parent, her mom was living with her. I mean, I mean she was working, she had a, a good job, but absolutely zero dollars. And it was Christmas, and, um, you know, she was not a complainer, <coughs> excuse me, but it was clear that there was not going to be a Christmas in that house. And it was at a time when I had a couple of extra dollars, not a whole lot, but a couple of extra dollars. And I, and I put $100 in an envelope. And, of course, it was no, 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 no. And I, and I said, you know, this, this is not a gift. This is an obligation that I am passing on to you that you use it now. And when you are able to, you put $100 in an envelope and find somebody who needs it and pass the obligation on to them. So it would be a single $100, but if everybody did what they were supposed to do, it's still circulating. So I I just thought that was a pretty neat thing to do, and it was – I I think you were the only person I talked about. (laughs) But, but, you know, it's fun to think that there might be a gift that really does keep on giving that's going on out there. Well, and I'll share one just in return, and I, I talked to Patricia about this. Number one, I think that was so sweet of you to do that. It really is, and it's it's one of those things that I know brings happiness to somebody, but at the same time, hopefully carried on, you know, so that it does spread throughout the world. Mm-hmm. But I've got a, a story not not quite as good as yours, but it's, it's kind of a fun one, and that is I started out kind of doing this here it is, pass it on thing. I went to lunch one day, and we were standing in line. There were two ladies there, and I chit-chatted with them a little bit. And then we went in, and they went their way, and I went my way. And it was a, a buffet serve-yourself type thing. So I don't know how many times I'd run into them in the line at the, you know, sitting up there, and I'd go, geez, you know, we keep seeing each other. And we laughed. When I got done, I went over to their table, and I said, how was the food? And they said, oh, it was great. You know, and I said, well, great. And I reached down and grabbed the check. And I remember they going, what are you doing? I said, oh, that's all right. Don't worry. It's, it's taken care of. And they said, well, you must own the place. And I said, no, I wouldn't eat here if I owned the place, you know. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, the point being is I went ahead and did that. And one of the ladies, all of a sudden, she says, I get it. And I said, what's that? She says, well, you're being nice to us. We're going to have to be nice to somebody. And I said, you know, you got it. You figured it out right away. And I really could tell they were going to do it. I mean, they were serious about it. And I've done that a few other times, but not to their face. This one happened to be right at the table. But I would ask the waiter or the waitress, you know, could you give me so-and-so's check over there, you know, the pair or something, a husband and wife or whoever. But it's amazing because I really think it's passed on many times. We don't Mm -hmm. know how many. Yeah, but, I told you about the expression that I not even not an expression. I I read uh, somebody trying to put the reach out and touch your neighbor into perspective, and said if one person did a nice thing, just one nice thing, for two people, we'd run out of people. Yes. 
And we would. We would. It would just multiply. You wouldn't believe. Uh-huh. And I want to add something here. And we're all patting each other on the back. And I mean, you know, this is good. My arm's getting sore from me patting me. But Patricia, the work that you do for this Saturday Night Live show, making these copies and the trivia and everything else, I mean, it's been a blessing for you to do all that. And you can tell by the number of listeners on the Saturday Night Live show how well it's received and everything. So, you know, it's it's things like this that just make Christmas wonderful in it July. Is, it is a fun thing to do. It's fun to do something um, like I just did with you. I've got something that you would want. <laughs> I've got it, and I'll share it. It really, I, this is a sharing hobby. If you don't share, you're not enjoying it as much as you should. Walden, do we have a couple more minutes? Well, I'm up, I'm going to be on until 2 o'clock in the morning, West Coast time, so you only got four and a half more hours. So. Okay, this is no problem. Yeah. I hope we don't run over. <laughs> I was just going to say, <laughs> if we could maybe have one more caller, please, to share a story about Christmas or do a trivia with Patricia, then I think my night would be complete. And this is, I consider and say this has been one of the best times of my life. And I'll remember it at Christmas time because it's Christmas. Well, we better have a caller then. It's 714-545-2071. You can call with a Christmas story, call with a Christmas question, or call to say, Merry Christmas. I've got Christmas trivia, really good stuff. I've got eight pages of Christmas trivia. Ask me another question in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go, everybody. we got a caller. Ooh. Hello there. You're on with Patricia and Lynn. Hello, this is uh, Gwen from Texas. Hi, and and I know who you are now. <laughs> I'm not going to yes. sit there and go, who who is this? Go ahead, Gwen. This is again, this is Noni's one of Noni's relatives, and I yes. really thank you so much for calling in. Well, she is she is my sister. She really is. Yes. I just wanted to tell you that I was born in Sweden. Well, I came to the United States when I was 14 years of age, so I had all my Christmases prior to that in Sweden. Uh-huh. And um, Christmas over there is a little bit different than here, but um, mainly the difference is is that uh, Santa comes on Christmas Eve. Oh. And um, he is not does not look like the Christmas, the Santa Claus of the United States. He comes as an elf. And he has a big bag on his on his shoulder, and he's got all his Christmas presents in there. And he knocks on the door, and it usually is an aunt, an uncle, or a relative of ours that um, that plays this. Of course, the kids kind of look around and see who's missing, you know. <laughs> but it, it was really really fun. And another thing that they do that is really fun that I remember is that um, one of the Sundays before um, before Christmas. They have a what they call a um, a window uh, showing uh, Christmas, like you would see the elves in the in the windows of the stores, uh-huh. and they they would pick up a display of the of the items that they sell in that store, and the the store would be closed, but you can walk by and you can look at the elves, and they would show different toasters and different. And as a child, I loved that part of Christmas. How marvelous. Yes. That's wonderful. Gwen, did, did you have lights the way um, America has always had lights? They put lights on trees. They put lights on their houses. Always. I mean, for for centuries. Did you have lights in Sweden? Yes. 
Yes, we have we have the Christmas side. Of course, I was a small child. We had the 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 real candles. Uh huh. You know, and of course, there are Christmas. Uh, yeah, we always had. Um, we did not have the colored lights. We had just the the regular lights. Uh huh. Oh. On our Christmas tree, and um, yes, that's what Where we did had. You get and the- also had a a, a parade, and oh. the Christmas, and we had the Lucia. The Yeah. And scary. Where did you get your Christmas tree? How did you get it? The way I remember is that my dad would go out into the forest and he would cut a tree. Uh-huh. Because we had you much we had so much forest around us always. Did any children go with their father or mother? Uh did the, was this a family thing or did the father always do it? No, the father just usually did it. That I that I remember anyway. And was that in snow, I assume, and everything? Yes. Yes, okay, because I did that, as I mentioned earlier, a few times as a kid. And I remember walking in snow up to my knees, and, you know, you just do it, and it was just a wonderful time to bring the yeah. tree back and everything, so. Yes, that is, that's exactly how I grew up. It was wonderful. I, I really enjoyed that whole, the whole segment of my life was just wonderful. Yeah, these are the memories that are just so wonderful. They are, they are, and uh, and the snow and the, and we would uh, we would actually go skiing after uh, school, and um, and the moon would be so bright that it was almost like sun, you know, almost oh. daylight, and um, and uh, it was it was a good time. Oh, how wonderful! And have you been back at all to Sweden for Christmas? Been over there twice. Okay. And I'm getting ready to go again really soon. Now, was it, was it at Christmas time you went back? Actually, we did. We went In 2000, we went there for Christmas. I wanted to see if Christmas had changed much since I left. And uh, it had changed a little bit, um, but not very much. So I was pleased that the food was still the same. And um, it was it was good. It was good. It was lots and lots of snow. Oh, yeah. When, what was a traditional food, or what is a traditional food at Christmas time? We have um, we have a lot of fish, and we also have um, uh, really good sausages that they have that I can find here. Um, I'm not sure if this is a blend of more pork and beef together or just what, but uh, they have a um, fish called lutefisk that is um, baked in the oven. It's a cod, and uh-huh. what really makes it special is that you uh, bake it in the oven and then you make a white sauce. And we sprinkle salt and pepper and allspice over it, Ooh. and you eat it oh. um, with uh, potatoes. And of course, we have the smorgasbord with all kinds of uh, cold cuts and uh, you know breads. And 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 to this day, my family has kept that tradition. All my children are doing it. Oh, marvelous! And Gwen, I'm part of your family now, whether you know you like it or not. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, they may take a little taste, you know. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, anyhow, um, well, that's great. Well, thanks. I'm, I'm so glad you shared that. And, you know, I want to say something. Thank you for hanging in here and listening to it. This is like a conference or a telephone call, you know, and everybody just kind of listens in. Yes, it's been, uh, been very, very interesting. And like uh, Jesse said, we listen to uh, the old-time favorites all the time. That's my. I have it on my radio on the car constantly. Oh, great. Well, 
if you if you keep this website, this station, and uh, you don't want to listen occasionally, there's old time radio on this an awful lot, you know. But I'm gonna do. I'm sure I'm gonna tune in. Yeah. Well, when, I'm looking forward. To, go ahead, Patricia. Gwen, I'm going to send Jesse some great Gildersleeve shows. What would you like? My favorite is Our Miss Brooks. You may have it. I do Ooh. have that show. Do you have it? Oh, that's great. I sure do, and I will make a CD for you with our Miss Brooks. Oh, that's great. I appreciate it so much, and I have really in, in, enjoyed listening tonight. It's been really, really good, and I feel like it, I have got to know Lynn a lot better. Oh, Gwen, thank you, and I want to thank you and Jesse for listening. I mean, hanging in here for the two hours it's been. This is marvelous, and uh, so many first-time callers, you know, because... Yes. Yes. Sent out tons of emails to everybody. So, no, but I really, I really appreciate you listening and everything. And Donnie's out in the kitchen listening right now. Okay. Well, just say hi, hi to her from me. There you go. And she, you heard, just said she, it. she just heard you say that. Oh, so. good. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. Well, thank you both and everything, and Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to you. And good yeah. And I'm, years. I'm looking forward to meeting you both, and I want to hear more about your, your younger years in Sweden, if I. Can. A lot, a lot to share them with you. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Gwen. Thank you for the Christmas stories. They were great. <laughs> okay. Have a wonderful weekend. Be safe. Okay. Thank you. Same okay. to you. Bye. 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 Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. You want to talk to one of the stalwarts of the station, Mister Illinois? You can give him a call. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Please call in, cause everybody that calls in, I get to bill in an extra five dollars per person. <laughs> the checks in the mail, Walden. <laughs> Hello, caller. You're on with Lynn and Patricia. Yeah. Hi. It's Ralph calling. Hello, Ralph. Ralph how well, you doing? hi, Ralph. Hello there. Hi. How you doing? We're doing great. I'm just, you know, we're all sitting back and relaxing and kicking back, so I hope you're doing the same. Oh, absolutely. Merry Wonderful. Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. I, I got my fan club uh, card. Oh, Ooh, good. What number are you, Ralph? Number four here. Oh, wow. I'll tell you what, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Ralph, I mean, we have 11 so far, so. <laughs> Ralph, do you know who got number two? No, I don't. Take a guess, and just one guess, and then I'll tell you. No. No, I don't know. I, I have no idea. <laughs> Walden is a member of his own fan club. Walden. Walden. Yep. Yep. Walden took number two. He's a member of his own fan club. That just cracked me up. Well, I, I guess that's all right. <laughs> well, we all need to have our own little fan club with ourselves. So. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, uh, you know, all, all the years that I've been around, uh, this is the first fan club I've ever been in. Oh, boy. I'm now, you know, Patricia, that means because I'm a member, you have to take one for yourself. No, you know, if you had said my mom wants to be a member of my fan club and she took number two, that would have been different. <laughs> but your mom said he took number two. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lucio said she would take number one and she wanted me to have, and so I just figured that with permission. I think, and I think you should take number 20, Patricia, or 21 when the next batch comes around. No, I'm I'm more reserved than that. <laughs> but Lucille got number one. She is the president of the fan club, and I do thank you, Lucille. That was so sweet of you to do that. And, Ralph, you are number four. Number four. And you okay. Know, you know something? I apologize. I never thought about it. These first-time callers calling in, we should ask them if they want to be a member of the fan club. Oh, I never well, thought about it. 
see, it's just an automatic thing. The first CD I send to a, a new person automatically gets a fan club card. Oh, there you go. Then it works so, okay. We're going to be running out pretty soon, Lucille. Yep. Now, now and, Ralph, have you got your card framed or anything? <laughs> oh, but I, I, I have it sitting here in front of me by my computer, and I'm trying to decide just where I should put it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> what I'm going to do with mine is frame it and have a little light shine on it, you know? <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with that. What number, what number are you? I'm number 11. You're number 11. Well, that's I'm a little late in life, so... <laughs> This but is yeah, too much fun. Yeah, this is a great fan club. Lucille, you need to send about another 20000 I think. That's going to take care of Yeah, I choice. hope so. Yeah. Uh, Lucille is in Staten Island, am I, am I correct? That is correct. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've got good memory. Yeah, well, I, I try and remember stuff. Well, yeah. <laughs> Ralph is one of our walking encyclopedias. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think Ralph I can ever duck you. Between Ralph and Walden, I mean, anything we want to know, there it is, huh? There it is. I yeah. have never stumped Ralph before, ever. I'm going to stump Walden later tonight, though. I hope you keep listening because I've got a question for him that's going to make him say, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to listen in. I'll, yeah, I'll it's, bet it's a nickel on this. Today. i got to hear that. Oh. Yeah. Do you have a Christmas story? Well, i got a, a couple of little Christmas stories. Uh, first one, uh, my brother, who was older than I, decided that there was no was no Santa Claus. Uh huh. And my father, he took his he had a mounted deer head hanging in the living room, and he took it down, and he got sleigh bells and hung it around his neck, and then climbed up on top of a two-story house and dangled it in front of my brother's window. <laughs> Oh my God! What a great story! What a great dad! Yeah, he, he was something else. I, I don't remember it. This is a family story, but my brother swears to God he saw, he saw the reindeer, and he believed in Santa Claus for quite a while after that. Wow! Now you said this is your older brother. My older brother, yeah. Older, by how, older by how many years? Thirteen. All right, so he he had a leg up on you there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, bless your father. What a great story. Yeah, it's true. You know, those sleigh bells, they hung in the basement for years after that. <laughs> I don't know what it became of them, but they were, they were large, about an inch and a quarter in diameter. Oh, they're big. And they really had a beautiful tone. So he shook this thing until it woke my brother up. And, you know, I don't know, how, how old was your brother at that time, Ralph? Oh, you know, I don't know. Uh, he was probably 12 or 13. It was probably around the time that I came along. I got you, yeah. Now, what I was wondering is because sometimes, uh, you know, right at that age, it's it's easy to click back into real. I, you know, I think when you start believing there isn't a Santa Claus, you hope there was. Yes, Absolutely. Yes, I mean, you know, it's like, I want to believe, I want to believe, but it's hard as a teenager to look at your friend and say, yeah, Santa Claus is coming tonight, you know, so. Yeah, yeah well, it's, uh, he always showed up at our house one way or another. Yeah, yeah, and it's, again, think that we got things like that to think about in life, you know, our memories with that, with the kids, or with the Santa Claus and family and all that, it's great. And, you know, it's a, it's kind of a worldwide tradition, it's not just here. It seems to be just about everywhere. 
Yes, and as uh, Gwen called in a little bit ago, it's it's a little different in each country, it seems, but it's still the marvelous same idea, you know. And, right. Uh, yeah, and so wonderful. Last year, uh, during Christmas time, uh, KNX, our local CBS affiliate in Los Angeles, ran a story. I guess there is a North Pole, I believe it's in Alaska, and they are the official home that answered all Santa's mail. And the citizens in the in the town actually break out in groups to answer the mail that I guess that the post office ships. And the local Lion Club raised the money to buy stamps to send it back to the kids. And I think they said it cost close to thirty five thousand dollars a year. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I thought it was pretty pretty amazing that there there is a North Pole town. We were in England uh, one year, and it wasn't quite Christmas, but it was almost Christmas. And uh, they were explaining about uh, the way they celebrate. They have a thing called Boxing Day. Mm-hmm. And I, I had never heard of that before. Yep. I've Boxing heard of it, but I'm not completely familiar with what it is or what they do. Yeah, I, you know what? It kind of escapes me, but I know it was a big part of their Christmas celebration. Yeah. And, There's um, some English people out there that, that, that could it. fill us in on it, because I... I I, I've lost the memory completely, but... I, I think it might be a way that they help the poor. Um, no, no. No? I'm going to double-check on this, but I think, um, and I think it's been a long time since I've uh, read anything about this, and somebody's going to hurt me, but... <laughs> well, I know one day thing... that the kids go house to house, like we do it on Halloween, but Boxing Day is, um, is the house to house, uh, not begging, but I guess begging. Let's, uh, have, let's uh, see how close we are. I, I know what they do in Europe, because um, my aunt and uncle, this is my, on my dad's side, they have Christmas tours through Europe that you take uh-huh. on the barges. So in other words, during Christmas time in December, you can take about a week to 10 days, and they visit every town that's on one of the main rivers in Europe, and they're all decorated for Christmas t- time. And you can actually do your own Christmas shopping in the different countries. Oh, how nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, it's amazing, though, how far it does go. It does. How many different countries have it. Yeah. yeah. That impresses me. And one more thing I want to, I'll add in here that's kind of a tradition here where Noni lives on these lakes is the, every, it's pontoon boats, you know, so it's not speed boats or anything else. But at Christmas time, they have their, uh, parade of the boats, and, and many, many people decorate their, their boats, you know, with yeah, uh-huh. lights, and some of them are fantastic. The one I, this is the first year I've been able to sit and enjoy it, but one of them had hot air balloon outlines with the lights, and then there were these arms moving up and down like they were actually floating around. I mean, it's amazing how much effort goes into it, but it is so gorgeous, and it's, again, a number, another memory for Christmas that I will always remember, and I'm looking forward to this Christmas see it again. Yeah, they, they do something um, in the Sacramento Delta. They have like a parade of boats up there. Yes. And I'm sure there's a lot of them throughout the United States that we're not aware of that that same type of thing. And of course, Christmas parades uh, where I live up in Prescott, they call themselves the Christmas City. And it's not so much the decorations, but they have like three parades, one at night with all the lights, and then one in the daytime with the kids and the fire trucks. And 
the square, they have a square there, but it's just like the old square when we were kids. I mean, it reminds you of old time. And they have lights all over it in the trees, and it's, it's a big ceremony to light the tree, lights and everything. And they have the governor come up and talk, Merry Christmas. I mean, it is. It's a special occasion, and I don't know how many times I stood out there and froze to death and enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Because it can get very cold up in Prescott. We're up at 5,000 feet up in the mountains. But it's it's still wonderful. And, I, and what I found is when it's really cold, people get a little closer together, you know. So you get to know more people that way and everything. It's, it's a really, again, a lot of fun, and that's what Christmas is about. I mean, it, it's a secondary thing. Of course, you know, the real meaning of Christmas is celebration of Jesus and all that stuff. But And I say all that stuff. I don't mean it bad, but... Uh, all the, the Christmas cheer and love that goes with it, it's marvelous. Yeah, and I hope we never lose that. I hope we don't either. It's just something that we got to cling on to and pass on. So, Super. Well, I, you know, it's really good talking to you. I appreciate you calling in. Oh, absolutely. Um, you got another story, Ralph? Oh, I, I, well, <laughs> when, uh, when my boys decided that they didn't believe in Santa Claus anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I got some cotton and I made myself a beard <laughs> and I laid down on the couch with the blanket up under my chin <laughs> and we took a picture and they absolutely were sold. Ah, This picture to school and they stay, I don't think that they've made up their minds yet whether it was me or Santa Claus. It was just a, just a spur-of-the-moment thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you, 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 you and your dad shared a streak, Ralph. Yeah. We did it more than one way, yeah. <laughs> and, you, know, you know, Ralph, you spurred on another thought here, and I don't know if any of you folks did it, but, of course, I, my mom would always make sure we left milk and cookies for Santa Claus. Mm. And, by gosh, the milk was always gone and the cookies were gone, and there was always a note from Santa Claus thanking us for the cookies and the milk. Not oh, yeah, yeah, that was kind of a tradition at our house, too. I was going to say, I don't know how many families did that, but I, I, mean, I remember ha- as a kid it was like, oh, boy. How, and, I mean, we were special then because he loved us for that, and I think... The poor guy must have had to stop at the restrooms quite often, all the stuff he drank. Well, I'm just and wondering, it, did he get any protein? Everybody gave him sugar and milk? Yes. Well, yeah. he um, he slept on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I was going to say, boy, you were paying, not paying back, but you were keeping the tradition going from your dad. That was marvelous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, good memories. Oh, it is. And, and, you know, I think that any time, I don't care what, month of the year we can sit and talk about Christmas and everybody just can join in and have a good time, you know. Oh, yes, yes. I I understand that uh, the Salvation Army has some sort of an animated thing now instead of having a guy dressed up like Santa ringing the bell. (laughs) No, I didn't know about that. Someone told me about it. I don't know if it's true or not. Uh, I don't know. I have to keep an eye out for it. An automatic Santa Claus, I haven't no, I heard that either. I heard something about that. I mean, it's it's silly, but I'm not sure what it is. It seems like, yeah, they had, it, they were having a hard time getting people, you know, Santa Clauses and the helpers ringing the bells. And I, I heard something about it, and I can't remember what it was. Maybe, again, somebody could call in and help us on that, Ralph, you know. <laughs> 
Well, you know, they had some of the raggediest looking Santa Clauses I ever seen in my life back in New York. Oh, yeah. 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 No, New York is different, Ralph. Oh, yes, yes. And, you know, you were talking about uh, going around and, and begging like uh, like you do on Halloween. Uh -huh. We used, In Queens, we used to go around on Thanksgiving and ask for, <laughs> ask for gifts. I, I heard that happened in various areas of the country, but I was never—I never lived in one where that happened. That yeah, well, uh, we'd go around and say anything for Thanksgiving, and we'd put, you know, burn cork on our faces or dress up like something else. But it, it seemed to me, uh, when I was a child, that it was almost bigger than Halloween. Mm -hmm. I'll be darned, and I've never heard of that, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it was, um, I guess it was a pain for a lot of people because we lived where there was a lot of apartment houses, mm -hmm. oh, six-story yeah. jobs, you know, and we, <laughs> we'd ring every bell. <laughs> well, you know, and it's interesting when you say about that in your area, and like I say, I've never heard of it, that kind of reminds me of Sweetest Day. Uh, no, I don't know about that. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know how many people have heard of that. In Ohio, it was a big thing. I mean, it was... It was like Valentine's Day, but it was Sweetest Day. It's a different, I can't remember even now because we don't celebrate it in Arizona. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spell that, Lynn. Can you? Uh, I'm sorry? Spell it. Oh, Sweetest Day, like a sweetheart. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it was a day where you had your sweetheart and, you, you know, Sweetest Day, and you give them a little candy or whatever. And we did it in Ohio, and when I moved out here, and everybody's like, what? <laughs> And it, I have not heard of it either. Yeah, and I've heard it advertised a little on TV, which I'm thinking, okay, it was probably brought up, I mean, started by the candy companies or card company or something like that, but it's very localized and that, but it's a very big day back in Ohio. So go figure, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, you talk about traditions, you know. Patricia, you'd probably remember this, but when we lived in New York and we went to someone's home, we always brought a cake. It was kind of a tradition. You'd bring a cake and they'd make coffee. Uh huh. So when we came to California, we were invited over someone's house and I brought a cake. And the woman says, Well, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> you're supposed to make coffee. <laughs> yeah, and you're right. And that's a tradition you were used to. And boy, all of a sudden everybody's going, What's this? I mean, what, what a nice courtesy, even if she were not accustomed to it. Yeah, it was. Would it, be, it, it was funny. You can come to my yeah, house. Yeah, you mean you don't bring a cake when you go to people's houses? Yeah. Well, you and Tony can come to my house anytime. Oh, we'd love to come to your house. What kind of cake will you bring? Oh, what do you like? We should bring that double, double job with the all of them. icing and the cherry in the middle. Oh, oh all of them. Oh. Sound good? Well, I tell you what, now we're hungry at this time of night. <laughs> now we're hungry. Ralph, do you want a Christmas question? No, I just called up to say hello tonight. Well, I'm glad you well, did. Thank you, you so much for great, doing that, yeah. You have some great stories. Uh, I, some, of them, uh, some of them are really true, and um, I guess others are uh, fabrications. Yeah, but, yeah, but they're, you know, good. They're, they're good things. <laughs> the ones I told you tonight, they're, tr they're really true. They're, yeah. they're really true. Well, we're going to be doing Christmas in July for the next four Saturdays. And, you know, we'll finish tonight. 
uh, in Christmas, uh, but the next four Saturdays will also be Christmas. So you have to save some stories for then. And then we're going to do four weeks in December when it's the real one and not just Christmas in July. So you've got eight weeks to help us fill, Ralph. So you keep thinking of the stories. Sure, I can think of something. Oh, you, uh, listen. Ralph? Any fa- anyone who had a dad who would hang an elk's head out the window. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Off the roof. Off the roof. Yeah, and I was going to say that story can be told again in December, and it'll be wonderful. Well, I'll try and do that. Yeah, that'd be great. And you know something, Ralph? I want to thank you. I mean, from my side, thank you for calling in because, um, unfortunately, us DJs do not hear from our listeners very often. We know they're out there and and that, but, boy, when you call in like this, I I feel wonderful. Thank you for doing it. Oh, yes. So which show do you host as a DJ? Well, right now I'm off the air because of a health problem, but I'm coming back. It's it's tape number 15. It's called The Best of Yesterday USA. Okay. And uh, I hope you'll listen in. And like I say, I mean, we don't hear from people a lot, but I, with the people calling in and everything, it's it's great to great to talk to you. It's great to talk to you. Maybe you need a fan club. Well, <laughs> no, I, I'm just going to hang on to my number eleven, and that's good enough. All right, number eleven, number four. <laughs> Ralph, good talking to number four. Merry Christmas to you. Good night. Good night to number two and the, the lady that has no number. Good night to you. No number, Patricia. We call her. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you much. It's, it's fun. Okay, folks. All right, Ralph. Christmas. Good night. Good night, Merry number Christmas. four. Yeah. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Number two, number eleven, and no number. All are here to take your call. No number. I love that one. No uh, number, Ralph. You coined it. She can be a member of the fan club with no number. Yeah. I yeah. am a no number. And you know what's sad? All of us with a number will be overshadowed. I know. Number, she, you she, know? She'll top us. Yeah, people will feel sorry for me, but not for you. I yeah, know. here's another one. I love it. Hello, Carl. You're on with Patricia and Lynn. Hi, this is number one. Hey. Oh, number one. We were waiting Hello, to hear from our Lucille. president, you know? <laughs> How is everyone? I'm fine. I'm having a wonderful time here, and um, I'm still getting such a kick out of Walden being a member of his own fan club. <laughs> I'm getting hungry thinking about the cake that Ralph would bring to Patricia's house. I'm getting ready to put up lights. Yeah. I mean, this is just marvelous, isn't it? <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, I'm just joking. (laughs) (laughs) Growing up in New Jersey, we did the same thing like New York. If we went to someone's home, we brought a cake. Uh, It was always a cake. It was not a pie or... It was always cake. Always a cake. Always had to bring a cake. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So, you know, and when when I came to and I married my husband, and we would go to someone's house, I said, okay, you gotta stop at the bakery. And he said, why do we have to stop at a bakery? And I said, we have to get a cake. You can't go empty-handed. And he says, I never heard tell of such a thing. And I said, well, in my family and where I grew up, you didn't go to someone's house empty-handed. You brought dessert. You saved the day and brought dessert. Wow. Yep. And, uh-huh. and that's that's. Sounds like more of a tradition back there, although I remember in Ohio, you know, we'd always bring something to someone's house when you go over. It didn't. It wasn't necessarily a cake, but it could be, you know, flowers or a pie even or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that was kind of neat. always brought something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. neat. Uh, are you in New Jersey, you say? 
I was born and raised in New Jersey. I'm in Staten Island, New York. Okay. I, I lived in, uh, if you know, Scotch Plains. Oh, absolutely. That's I, right outside of Linden, New Jersey. Right. My wife and I lived there for three months. Or three years. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, it was the longest three. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, we moved there with AT&T. Of course, our corporate headquarters were in New Jersey at the time. And she got a, quite a promotion. She worked actually in Short Hills, if you know where that's at. With yes. Uh, she was right across from the mall with all these big, gigantic, nice stores. Mm-hmm. She'd go there all the time shopping, of course, and that. But, you know, we I enjoyed being in New Jersey, but unfortunately we came from Arizona, and it's a different living out here with the sun and everything else, and we, we really kind of missed it. Well, what part of Arizona? Uh, I'm, well, now I'm in the Prescott area. Actually, I'm down in, in the Phoenix area. I'm sorry. I'm living with my my wonderful lady here who is helping me out through the health issue here. Mm-hmm. And we're just a suburb of Phoenix, Glendale, Arizona. Well, because my husband's daughter, she lived out in, um, oh, my goodness, uh, Gilbert, Arizona. Yes, yes, southeast of Phoenix. Yes, so uh, we loved, well, she's back in New Jersey now, but um, we enjoyed every year going out to visit because, well, we're desert people. We loved it. I don't know why I love the desert. I just do. But uh, we'd go out to Arizona and visit, and we'd go to, of course, the Arizona Zoo and do the whole trip through Arizona thing, you know. I've been out here since 1967, and and exactly what you said, the desert is something you love or you hate. I fell in love with it. I mean, to me, it's beautiful. Other people look at it and go, see, you know, so. Yeah, but you know what? my home in a way. I mean, I was born in Ohio, but I've been here so long, I really love it. Well, my husband wanted, when he retired, he wanted to sell the house and move out to Arizona. And I cried. I cried an ocean because I said, but I'm a Jersey girl. I love my ocean. (laughs) Yes, the shore. I moved, you know, from Ohio, we used to call it the beach. You know, we were on Lake Erie, and we'd go to the beach. And I remember in New Jersey, I said, well, where's the beach at? And they're going, what? Mm-hmm. The shore, the New Jersey shore. Yeah, it's called the shore. You don't call it yeah. the beach. It's called the shore. I learned that real quick, and then I was okay, you know. So, And I want to say something, too, if I could. And I, I always emphasize this. When I moved to New Jersey, you know, kind of a... If you don't live there, people like it, the people in New Jersey as not being friendly. But by gosh, I found out a lot of them were the most friendly, just the friendliest people you can meet. And they were out to help you if you needed and everything else. Yeah, that's the way we are. Yep, and I can't speak enough about how great the people were there that, you know, helped us and everything else. And when we moved, the, my wife got a, a buyout from AT&T at the time, so we had to move ourselves back. I mean, the company moved us there. And I don't know how many neighbors showed up. Maybe they were glad to get rid of us, but they showed up to help us <laughs> load the trucks and everything. Now that I think about it, maybe they didn't like us, you know. Just hang the flag out. <laughs> they had a party after we left. Oh, <laughs> I never understand that. <laughs> I have many relatives who work for AT&T still, and I have some that uh, took a buyout. So I do know what you mean when when you say, you know, AT&T, when they have the buyouts and all that. Yeah. I had a few relatives who worked for AT&T and some that still do. And they're, you know, they're mucky mucks and uh-huh. 
but uh, we won't talk about them. No, no. And I actually got a buyout back in 1989, and it was the best thing that happened to me. And not because I didn't like the company. I really loved the company, but the culture changed tremendously, like all companies have. And But I've been blessed because my buyout allowed me to have all my benefits, medical, dental, you name it, everything else, all these years for free. Yeah, absolutely. Just don't have that anymore. And they've been a wonderful company to me. I mean, I, I served them well, I think, and they've served me very well. So I talk highly about AT&T, but there's been some horror stories as time oh, has yeah. gone on, and it's sad, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, I wanted to tell you a thing that I raised my son. I have... Fortunately, I did end up having a child. I was I was very unfortunate in the child department, but I did. God was good to me. He did give me one. And growing up, I always taught him that you have to give back. And even though, well, my first husband and I owned a pizzeria. He still owns it. It's in down the Jersey Shore. And even though we owned a pizzeria and we made decent money and we were more fortunate than some, I still taught him the value of giving to others and I would get him and a group of his friends together and I kept Christmas caroling alive and we would go to the houses and and all the houses knew me and knew my son and knew that we had a pizzeria, but they also knew that I was teaching a lesson to children and I was giving anything that was given to us was being donated to bring gifts to the children who were in the hospital for Christmas. And what I would do every year, I would take him and some of his friends around and around and around and around <laughs> and would make money and we would go to the store and we would load up on gifts. We would find out from the local hospitals how many girls in what age groups, how many boys in what age groups would be remaining in the hospital for Christmas. And we would turn around and we would buy that amount of gifts for those age groups and we would go to the different hospitals and bring Christmas presents to those who were not going to be home for the holidays. Oh, that made it special to them. Yes. No doubt. And, and I'm sure they carried that forward. Yes. And great story. Lucille, did any of the kids pick it up and do it themselves when they got old enough to do it and, and their parents? There are three. Well, they're no longer children. They're in their late 30s, and they're doing this with their children. Children, yeah. When yeah. I said parents, I didn't attach it to the right part of the sentence. But <laughs> I meant when, when the children. kids that you were with grew up and were parents, and you're telling me, yes, they're doing it with their own kids. Yes, they're doing it with their children, teaching them, keeping it alive, that God is good enough to allow you to wake up in the next morning, that you should appreciate each day that's given to you. And no matter how much you have, no matter how little you have, you appreciate waking up the next day and being able to do something for someone else. And that is what a... I did for you, Pat. And that is a life lesson in and life. I club that... you, I give back. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that, please. What I said was, that's why with Patricia and Walden, I give back for everything they give to me for allowing me to um, be, I, how can I explain this? I don't know if you know my situation, but I have a lot of pain. And Patricia and Walden 
doing these shows, keeping me laughing or keeping my brain going in in mysteries or spookiness or Mm -hmm. questions. This is a way for me to give back to Patricia and Walden for what they do for others. So I created a little fan club because I thought that would be so cute. And I I will tell you, Patricia and Walden, come Monday, I will be sending you out another 50 cards. Fifty cards. Whoa, oh my goodness! I like that because we're. Future. <laughs> I'm now, working on the second half. Now, now, Lucille, we need to make one for Patricia with no number. So, <coughs> you know, we got to. Get, I am zero. I want to be zero. She's gonna have to be number zero. You can't be zero. You're gonna have to be a. A one. Could be just no number. I mean, could it be a card with no number on it? Yeah, we oh. could. We could put a circle. Think, yeah. Think well, that's something. True. I'll think of something to okay. put on Patricia's. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no red stripes, so I don't want. Star. I don't want. I don't want a circle with a red stripe. Okay. Yeah. Put a okay. star next to her name, though. Put Snoopy. There you on. go. You, you can put Snoopy yeah. on it. There you go. We could put a star on her. There you go. But I will. I'll send you out another fifty on Monday. Wonderful. Okay. Super. <laughs> Oh, well, that's great. I am great. You know, first off, I want to say I'm proud to meet the president of the fan club because I've heard so much about you. <laughs> Patricia has told me so much and everything. So and it was all know. good. Yeah, and I am proud that. to My I goodness. am I am proud to be number eleven. Well, let me tell you, I am so I I sit back and I'm listening to all this and I'm getting the biggest kick and I'm laying in bed giggling. And my husband's like, well, you got the headphones on? And I'm like, yeah. And <laughs> so he knows that I either I'm listening to a show and giggling or I'm listening to Patricia and Walden and they're cracking me up. Mm-hmm. But tomorrow when he wakes up, I'll tell him why I was giggling so hard. <laughs> well, you know what? And here's another thing so nice. And I, I want to say thank you to you and everybody so far. But this was going to be about an hour. We were going to talk a little bit. Well, you know, unfortunately... Give Patricia Walden and I together, and it keeps going and going. And gosh, have you had so many calls to keep us going? It's just wonderful. But it's a wonderful thing because it's become like I told Walden, and I think I told Patricia also, I consider them friends. And it's almost getting into like a family thing because we get to talk so often. We get to know each other and each other's little stories and everything that it's like getting together for the holidays with the relatives and everybody has so much to say, but no one actually gets everything in. (laughs) Yeah. You hang up and you go, oops, I wanted to say, or I forgot. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to say, uh, Patricia, before I was having a hard time, even on the computer, because I I went from the Wi-Fi radio over to the computer, because something was going on where yous were coming in and out, in and out, in and out, and all I could get was something on iTunes. If you typed this something into search, it would download everything. So would you please email me that information, because I I got lost in the soup. (laughs) Well, I'm, oh gosh, I'm sorry you got lost. Was it... Was it us who got you lost, or, um, I, I mean, was, was it a broadcast problem or a receiving problem? It was on both the computer and the Wi-Fi, so I'm a, I have to be safe in assuming that it was a broadcast problem. Did it, um, did it resolve itself? Yeah, it finally, finally, after about 20 minutes, I was, I was going from bedroom to music room, music room to bedroom, bedroom to music room. It's like, what is going on? Because this has never happened before. And I was 
so listening so diligently to the to the conversation, and then all of a sudden, it was like, it was like you get you get no royalties, and if you go to iTunes and type this into their search, you, up will come all these episodes, and you can download them. And I'm like, well, what? What did I miss? What did I miss? Well, um, you have to blame it on Walden because he's got all the switches. Yeah, he's got I don't, the switches. I've yeah. only got a telephone that I answer. That's that's the entire. Um, that's my my whole mess of equipment here. Is a fun, is a, <laughs> and has all of the buttons, so you have to blame him. But excuse me, <clears throat> what I was saying is that next week. Nolan Kenner, who has been with Yesterday USA doing various things for quite a few years, Mm -hmm. Nolan is going to be our guest, and the show he used to do is called Flashback Express. Mm -hmm. And if you go to iTunes, you have the search option in iTunes, and if you put in the word flashback in iTunes, his show will come up as one of the choices. Wow. And if you hit subscribe, all of his shows will show up in your iTunes podcast folder. Oh, wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. If people can do that, if anyone out there can do that, you'll have an idea of um, who Nolan is and why he's a special person before we even get to talk to Nolan next week. Well, I always said it. Your shows are very informative, and I always learn something every week. Do you know enough to want to answer a question? Oh, goodness gracious me. Oh, go ahead. Hit me with it if I know it. Fine, if I don't. I'm too young anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, I've got two sets of questions because we're into Christmas. So I've got two sets of questions. We've got... Christmas music, you know, Christmas carols and Christmas songs. Oh, cool. It, you, you want some Christmas music type stuff? Sure. Oh, sure. What the heck? We've got some pretty good stuff here. Okay. Um, in the song Jingle Bells, this one, is, mm. this one is good. This is for you. In the song <laughs> Jingle Bells, what kind of a sleigh is dashing through the snow? One horse open sleigh. You got it. <laughs> okay, now I got something for you. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Oh, well, um, it's not really spooky stuff, I don't think, anyway, but it's so unusual that I thought, ooh, I think somebody might like to have that. Well, first, um, whatever became of, are, are you interested? Did you hear me talking with Lynn about that earlier? Yes, I heard you speaking of that, and... Yes, I would be very interested in that. It's kind of a fun thing to listen to. It's very different from what I expect. I thought it was going to be a show, and it's not. It's interviews with the people who were involved with the old-time radio shows. So it's a a conversational perspective on them. Well, sort of like a today's version. It's a yesterday's version of today's version of where are they now. Yeah, I guess. Walden says yes. I can hear him in the background there. <laughs> he, for, he forgets to talk into his microphone. No, I'm, I just sit on the bed and let, let you guys ri- drive the bus. Ah, see? Uh, he, sometimes Walden falls over. <laughs> well, I don't blame me. He's on and the he bed goes there. to sleep. He really falls asleep. And, you know, he it, takes his 10-minute cat nap. So if he disappears, he... <laughs> there you go. Walden, have, you're supposed to say, bribe the dust. <laughs> All right. So here's what I found this week. And I don't think it's spooky, but it sounds like a fun show. There were only nine episodes, and it's called Murder for Christmas. 
Peggy? Well, you know that's right up my alley. But you know what I wanted to ask you about? Do you have, because next week I'll have to call in and <laughs> I'll have to try to get these. But if next week when I call in, if do you have any of the Blondie and Dagwood shows? Oh, I have them, sure. Because next week when I call in, I'll have to go for them. I loved it. I love, I love, I love, I love Blondie and Dagwood and the stories. You know what brought it up last night? Walden yeah. played uh, because of Tommy Cook. Walden played uh, the, oh. another interview, not the, not just the interview he had, but there was another interview, and it just cracked me up when Tommy Cook was telling the story about. How, is it Arthur Lake? Yep, Arthur Lake. When Arthur Lake would run down to the studio, get changed, and would, he, he couldn't find his ties, he'd use toilet paper, yep. and he'd get onto the stage just in time to, to scream, Blondie! That cracked me up. So it made me remember growing up watching The Little Rascals, Blondie and yeah. Dagwood on TV in black and white. And I was like, oh, next time I call in, I'll have to ask if they have any Blondie shows. Yes, we do. And as a matter of fact, because these files are relatively small, I can get all three of these on a single CD. Oh, fantastic. The, um, now, whatever, whatever the have... name of the Christmas Murder one and Blondie. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, Did my... you hear today that um, they found an episode of oh my goodness now i can't remember it an episode i'll have to re, have to research my sometimes i have to write things down excuse me because my brain is <laughs> we're right in there with you i'm gonna be welcome to our world <laughs> but they did a commercial today and there was an episode what show was it oh my goodness I can't remember. I will eventually remember. But there was an episode found that they forgot all about, and it, it was only aired the one time, and it was put away, and they just found it. And my goodness, I can't remember for the love of me which show it was. Well, let well me... didn't help us. Might be The Shadow. Might be Radio yes. Spirit. Yes, yeah. it was The Shadow, and yeah. it's an episode that only aired once on the air, and they just found it, and it's a spirit. What is that show, well, Walden? It's called spirit. Radio Spirits, and people can order at 1-800-RADIO-48, or go to their website, radiospirit.com, or oneradiowise.com, and they have been finding these shadow shows that not been heard, and that's what Lucio uh, was hearing about. And you can order the latest box set, and there's a couple... Holden. Hello, Jim. How are you? Fine. Hello, Glenn, and hello, Patricia. Merry Christmas. Hi, Jim. Jim. Merry Christmas, Jim. How are you doing? Merry Christmas, and Patricia, happy birthday. Thank you. It's kind of nice to have a birthday on on the 4th of July weekend. I remember how, when I was little, I used to hear about, I, I used to think as a child, of course, that if a person had a birthday on Christmas, they got double presents, double, and then I finally met a, uh, a person I went to school with and said, it's nothing like that. No. Jim, one group of presents only. 
Can I raise my hand if I could on this one? Sure. My birthday is December 6th, and I don't know how many times I was told, you'll get a bigger gift at Christmas, you know, and it never happened. <laughs> I mean, it was just like a hollow promise, but I fell for it every time. You know, it's in, for me, it's interesting is that my birth is just six months before Christmas Eve. So, you know, every half a year, you know, you have June 24th and then December 24th and 5th, you know, so it's like twice a year the celebration kind of comes, you know. There you go. And anything we can grab on to celebrate, it's great, you know. <laughs> so I enjoy, I enjoy your, when I'm able to hear it, your, be, your best of yesterday USA shows. I, I try to catch them when I can. Well, I hope they're coming back pretty quick. You know, Bill and Kim have been so great to let me keep my spot while I've got this problem a little bit with my health. But I'm getting settled. In fact, my, i got to share with you, my son called me today. He was in a it's a guitar shop, but they have microphones, you know, on that. And he, we're going to go together and buy me a good microphone because my voice is getting so bad. I need something good to make it better. So I'll be adding to my studio and that and building down here where I'm at now and everything. And I'm hoping to be back on the air very soon. Well, I know it must have been fun for you, you know, when you see that we were, you were talking about the videos of the old television shows. And it must have, you know, when you see the title U.S. Marshal, of course, you automatically think of a Western from the 1870s. Yeah. But it must have been somewhat of a shock to you to see a U.S. Marshal. Well, of course, there, we still have U.S. Marshals in the government, of course. Yeah. But it, 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 what always struck me as interesting about Gunsmoke was Matt Dillon was a U.S. Marshal and not a town marshal in Dodge City, and I guess that was somewhat of a dramatic license, you know, him being U.S. Marshal in a city which was not really under federal control. But yet that made the show more exciting. It, it, would been more, it was more exciting than if he'd just been a town marshal or a sheriff. Yes, yes, and you're right, there's little little liberties they take with the various shows like that and everything that are kind of neat. But, again, you know, I still say even back in the old days of the 50s, you know, black and white TV shows and stuff, they still were kind of used your mind a little bit with it and everything else. And, I, again, it brings back wonderful memories for me. But I found this one interesting because, like I said, they're driving around these 57 Plymouths with the big tail. And he drove, if I remember, and I haven't watched this in a little bit, but it was sitting out here, but... He drove a station wagon, like a Plymouth station wagon. So I don't know what the idea or what it was, but it was kind of a – it was a new one to me, but it was still very good. Well, you know, the, the show that took the most liberties, I'm told, and, I, and they did it on the radio, but on the television version of Tales of the Texas Rangers, they would – one week, Jason Pearson would be solving a case from modern Texas, and the next week he'd be in frontier Texas. Hmm. I don't know how they did that because he, he must have been—he must have sure have had a good case of uh, hell, good health or something to be <laughs> to be uh, like that. But on, but that's how they did it on television, anyway. Yes, that's that's interesting because that always amazed me in that show, what the radio show, was wherever the the crime was, he was always called upon to be there for it. Right, he'd be, he'd be called from Austin, and then usually. Uh, the Parley Bear generally played the town sheriff in a lot of those. Yes. And uh, Jace, of course, would assist him, and, and of course, uh, but 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 then again, it it always amazed me how Jace was so always so close because Texas is a big state. Yeah. And you know it's you know it's like 700 miles from Houston to Lubbock. And he'd be there in no time flat. <laughs> 
because now that's one of the magics of your imagination. You never think, and of course that's what's fun. You you never think about the logic of something. You just enjoy the stories for what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you it, just, but it, like you said, in your mind, it didn't matter how far apart the city, cities were or anything. You knew he traveled there, but you just assume it went quick, you know, so. Well, you know, the, the strangest thing I ever saw was on the old TV show, The FBI, that Ephraim Zimblis did. We were watching a pro, our family were watching a show over the Christmas season in 1967. And Marvin Miller was the narrator of the show, and I remember at the beginning of his narration, he was, in January of 1968, the FBI, and I think, hmm, it's December 67. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, like that. yeah, the Christmas, uh, that was fun to hear about, you know, Christmas in Sweden and all of that. That was very interesting from your caller. And you know what's nice about this? My girlfriend's sister, which I've not met yet. So I can't wait to meet her and her husband. They live in Texas, in fact. Well, one and, thing's for sure, is that there sure is, weather-wise, there sure is a big contrast between Texas and Sweden. Oh, definitely. Definitely, yes. So, <laughs> and, and I wouldn't doubt that Gwen is, is glad to be here and be out of that cold in a way. Yeah. So Texas can get pretty cold sometimes. Oh, yes. Yes, Austin especially, I think, gets a lot of snow and that type thing. So, but I remember when we lived in New when we lived in New Orleans, my parents. I was uh, I was away at school, but my parents went to the Mar Mardi Gras Tuesday in 1960, and it they said it was really cold that day. A cold like they never felt. You know, you think of cold in the east as being cold. Yes, cold down south. I guess it's so rare it really hits you hard. Well, you know, I've been in North Carolina and South Carolina and that when they get a rare cold ice storm. And, and I mean, they get cooled up in the mountains and everything, but, I mean, it's amazing because it almost paralyzes everything because they don't have the equipment to handle it, and it is cold. I don't know if it's because of the humidity or what, but it would cut right through you. And it would only be like 32, and I say only because, you know, of course, other cities back east in the Ohio where I'm from, it was you won't be below zero. You wouldn't think much of it other than it's cold, you know. But, yeah, it can be cold in the south, that's for sure. We think of it as being all for nice. And, and right. Arizona, I know, it must really get hot for you sometimes. Oh, yes. Like I was saying, last last Wednesday was 116 here. Are, I've talked to other people about this. Are you glad that in Arizona you don't have to go through the hassle of switching your crops every six, every year? You know something? I, I'm glad and sad. And, and let me tell you why I say it that way. Um, I've got a lot of family back east and everything, and normally it's two hours difference. Well, when when the time changes, we don't, so it's three hours. And I'll sit here at 8 o'clock at night and think I want to call somebody, and of course I can't because they're in bed. That's the downside of it. I lived here when the Arizona tried a daylight savings time for a year, and I liked it. But most people here didn't because of the heat. Is it mainly a heat issue? Because I know you probably tried it the year, I believe it was in the Nixon administration when they tried year-round daylight saving time, hoping it would save energy. You got it, exactly. About and they 74 allowed the, or so? Yes, and they allowed the states to try it or not try it. It wasn't mandated exactly. And Arizona tried it one year and voted it down, and we stayed on standard time ever since. Never changed the clock. 
Right now I'm on, I would call it on Walden's time over there in California. Yeah, your yeah, mountain standard, which is the same as Pacific Daylight. That is correct, exactly. Yeah. It's always sure. fun when I did, when my grandmother lived in Needles, California. And we, we, we got our, t because of the way the cable system, and when I say cable, I don't mean modern cable, but the cable by wire was set up in the 50s. Our television came from Phoenix in Needles. Oh, okay, yes. Which was like 300 miles. We, not from Vegas, but from Phoenix. And it was really weird because in the in the summer, in the winter time, getting our shows from Phoenix, we would get our prime time from six till let's see, was it? Yeah, six till nine Pacific time, Pacific Standard Time. Right. And in the winter, in the summer, since Arizona didn't change. We would watch our television, our prime time from seven till ten, California time. Yes, and you know that's something interesting too. When I was in Ohio, I grew up in Ohio as a kid. Of course, our news, like it does on the Pacific time, but our news would come on at eleven o'clock at night. Well, out here, our news is on at ten o'clock at night. So exactly what you're saying, you know, the prime time was earlier, and we cut off at. 10 o'clock at night, and I've gotten used to that. So people who say I watch the news at 11, go to bed at quarter to 12, I'm usually in bed by then. You know, I mean, we watch the news a little bit, and then we shut it off, and that's it. But I love it the way it is. I mean, I wouldn't want to go back to 11 o'clock news or anything like that. It just makes the evening too long. Well, I do know that, that of course, because of daylight time, they have to uh – Delay the programs one hour in Arizona to, so that so that your viewing habits won't be disturbed. Yes, and I can, you know I I used to hear Cool in Phoenix say when they would play a CBS program in the summer they would begin by saying on tape. Yes, right. They still say that. Well, they they don't anymore. But what's interesting is, of course, like you're saying, I could sit here and call somebody back east and see who is the top Dancing with the Stars before it's on here. So. You're right. Everything is taped, and we delay here all the programs from the network and everything, and we still do that. I mean, that's gone on forever. So uh, there are some live shows that they carry, uh, but very rarely. I mean, it's all even the award show that goes award shows and stuff. It's all taped and, and delayed here for broadcast. <coughs> but no, they don't. I was going to say to uh, Patricia also, by the way, before I forget, I, I got your package yesterday or Thursday. Uh-huh. And I and I heard the first three home fronts and I'm really enjoying them. Oh good. I was I did not have an opportunity to listen to all of them before I sent them, so I, I always hold my breath and hope that the sound is okay. It is, and I know it's an ac it's an excellent show and I would recommend if anyone ever wants a chance to hear a good overview of world of the sounds of World War Two, not just the political history, but the social the culture history, the music it was a very well-produced show. I believe originally it was syndicated, I think, in 80. I know it was syndicated in 83. It might have been syndicated earlier. But I know it had a 1983 airing in a lot of the country. Mm -hmm. And it's an eight-hour program that looks at the war, the, the sound, a sound portrait of World War II, and it was very well done. You know, Patricia, also, I want to say by you said, you know, she sent you those packages, and she brings a little sunshine into our lives, you know? Yes. I mean, really does, and I mean that sincerely. Uh, I don't know how many people have got these packages and go, how wonderful, you know, so. Patricia, thank you. My pleasure. Well, you know, I'm thinking about... Me too. I'm thinking about uh, one of my 
I get, I'm thinking about if you had a Christmas music question for me, I thought of one. I thought of one of my guilty pleasures that I might I might need as a uh, cure, Patricia, for a package. If you have a Christmas music question. And and what kind of a package would you like? Uh, I, I, one of my guilty pleasures. I know many o, OTR collectors don't like it. But I'm kind of a Mr. Keen fan. Oh, my goodness. Do uh, I have Mr. Keen or do I have Mr. Keen? I have loads of Mr. Keen. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those guilty pleasures like, oh, I don't know, it's like as a child you like to eat those, uh, you remember those candy Easter eggs you ate as a child and you realize you probably would, would want to eat more sophisticated candy, but it's one of those, because, it, again, you know what's going to happen in every episode, sort of. <laughs> You know what's going to be said. You might not know who the murderer or the criminal is, but you know the dialogue. You know the routine. It's one of those things that was the same every week, but yet it did, that's what made, gave the show its charm. I know, and there is a thread of campiness that goes through it that um, it makes the show special. I, I tell Walden periodically the show is such camp that it's good. It's so bad that it's fun to listen to. I mean, you, 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 know, you know you're going to hear the victim say, no, no, not me, no, every time. And then when he's investigating the case, he will, he will introduce himself to the uh, witnesses, and the witness will always say, Mr. Keene, the famous investigator? investigator. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Mr. Keene, and he says, allow me to introduce my partner, Mike Clancy. Hello, Mike, Mike Clancy. <laughs> Can Mike Clancy, I, I mean, it was just over and over and over. I think if we counted the numbers of times Mike Clancy's name is mentioned on the show, we would run out of fingers. Plus, saints preserve us. And saints preserve us. And, of course, the other thing that I always remember about the show is when the killer was apprehended, when Mr. King would apprehend the killer, the killer's tone of voice would always, he, would, he or she would always say something like, you'll have to prove it, King. That's a lie, King, or something. They would drop the mister. Yes, yes. Okay, so you want a Christmas music one, right? I'll do my best. Okay, do you have, um, I'm, I'm, oh, I get to pick, right? Yeah? Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, you do. Uh, all right, I get to pick. No hints here. Um, Bing Crosby sang White Christmas in a movie before he sang it in the 1943 Screen Guild Theater Holiday Inn. What was the movie he sang it in? Was it White Christmas, Holiday Inn, or The Bells of St. Mary? It was Holiday Inn, the movie. Because that uh -huh. was made in nineteen in the forties. I know he redid it in the nineteen fifty four film White Christmas with Rosemary Clooney. But you are right. Originally he did it in Holiday Inn in nineteen forty two. So that means you get Mr. Keene. Right. And you know the thing was is that it was it was a um, I understand when uh, was it was it Irving Berlin or was it Mel Torme that when they wrote their Christmas song it was a hundred degrees outside. That was that was uh well Mel Torme wrote his, uh, you know, the Christmas song by by the swimming pool because it's over 100 degrees, and Irving Berlin wrote uh, White Christmas when he was sitting inside of a hotel in Beverly Hills, California, was looking outside. Yeah, and I know there was an extra verse. Uh, there was a beginning verse to White Christmas yeah. he wrote that was never put on Bing's record. No. 
but I, I have it on different versions of it. You're, you're absolutely, and that's in that verse, that's where he talks about, I'm sitting here in Beverly, Beverly Hills, L.A., dreaming of a white Christmas. But when you think when you think that that song, so it's I think that song is still the most sold the most records of any song. I mean, some some say that that song that Elton did for Diana outsold it, but that was to me that was just a temporary, you know, just a minor temporary. Well, just think, one man wrote "White Christmas," "God Bless America," and "Easter Parade." Yes. Can you imagine the town and the legacy? He left America. Not to mention the hundreds of other yeah, songs yeah. that you've heard him do. Everything from Alexander's Ragtime Band yeah. to I Love a Piano to uh, Putting on the Ritz. Annie Get Your Gun stuff. The Annie Get Your Gun song, yeah. Dancing Cheek. Did he write Dancing Cheek to Cheek to Cheek? Yep, he wrote that in 1936. Okay, Dancing Cheek to Cheek. Mm -hmm. Just And many more that you can just... Uh, and plus all the holiday songs within Holiday Inn. Okay, so here's the trivia. Who was your favorite singer? I'll throw this out to all three of you. Who was Irving Berlin's favorite singer? Now you're throwing it out to all two of them. Yeah, all one of them. You know, I'll take a wild take guess. A I mean, I do, I, this isn't anything. I'm probably not even close. But I'm going with somebody like uh, Perry Como. Kate Smith. Bing Crosby. You all get another try. Oh, okay. Frank Frank Sinatra. That's not right. All right, Patricia and Lynn, come on. Ooh, let me think. Let me think. Who else? I'm, is that? I'm sorry. I thought Kate Smith would be the all-time winner. You know, I I just don't know Walden. Right, I mean, right, I, all right, all right. Here's the crew. He starred in Holiday Inn. Fred Astaire. Correct. That was okay. Irving Berlin's uh, favorite singer of all time. He wrote. Many songs just for him. There you go. Okay. Well, that's a. Did well, it? Wasn't it, Easter? I know Easter Parade was a movie in 1948, but the song was done long before that, right? I think he wrote it. I'm not quite sure. It how was in Holiday Inn, in. wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it was Holiday Inn, but they stuck it back in. Right. And you know, originally was for Judy Garland and Gene Kelly, but Gene Kelly broke his leg trying into second base, so Fred. Fred <laughs> But it still came out of retirement to help out. Yeah. To do that movie. Patricia. He certainly, uh, he certainly is. It certainly is a nice song. And when you think about. It's his loud man thing. Yeah. When you think about it hitting in 1942 and what a, what a comfort that song must have been for the serviceman and the people at home. Mm -hmm. I mean, the song must have been a real, you know, it was a sad time for the country, but yet that song brought a sense of hope and reassurance, I think. Absolutely. When it came out. Well, I know you all are getting ready, Glenn, for your evening, and I know Walden and Patricia are getting ready for to rehearse and yep. play the radio association, so mm -hmm. it is always a pleasure. Well, thank you for calling. I mean, I, I'm truly happy. We asked for one more caller, and you grabbed it right away. So Okay, then. Thank you much. Talk to you, Walden. Talk to you, Patricia. All right, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Have bye a bye. great night. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Christmas. Happy New Year, too. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. our hotline number to talk to Lynn. Everybody that calls in, Lynn owes me another $5. I'm doing well. I hate this. I hate Wait, this. I know, can't afford could, it. Could we do a time out here, please? Yes, my dear. What? Don't I get anything? 
Nope. Well, I'm going to score it. zero. I was going to score it. I deserved that. Thank you. You are zero, so I'm sorry. I am a cipher. <laughs> oh, oh, you topped her tonight. Okay. Oh, that's funny. Well, here's the thing, Patricia. We allow you to spend your money and send out all these everything else, so, you know, what more could you ask? Hello, Carl. You're on with Lynn and Patricia. Hey, Walden's Bob Bro. Hello, Bob. Hi, Bob. Hey, Bob Bro. I heard Lynn on here, and I just had to give a call. Well, Ruff, thank Ruff. you. I am here. And you know something? When I thought about tonight, and I thought, I wonder who'll be calling in, I thought of you. I really did. Oh, really? I'm glad you did. Yeah, I don't, you know, there's a couple of people. Well, no, there's millions of people that pop into my mind, but I really did. I thought of you, and I thought, you know, it'd be nice to be called in, so I'm glad you did. Well, yeah, it's good to hear your voice, Lynn. How you been? I, I I got on probably a little late, so I probably didn't hear your whole story. Your oh, health is... I've got some, yeah, I've got some health problems. Unfortunately, in October, it hit me. You know, I've been healthy all my life. And by God, this thing has hit me pretty heavy. Uh, I'm not where I want to be by any means, but I'll tell you what. I'm doing, I'm doing okay. I've got some good medical attention. And I do, I sit here and I think to myself, I mean, I, uh, let's be honest. I was in the hospital three times, and a, you know, a couple times it was very close, and I didn't realize that. I mean, I always laid there thinking, "Geez, I'm doing great," you know. But I know a couple of the doctors when they saw me, then you know, they said, "God, you're looking great." I said, "Well, that's because I hadn't showered in the hospital when you saw me," and they said, "No, really, you're looking so much better." And I've realized that I am slowly feeling better and coming along. I've still got a long ways to go. But I'm very positive. I mean, I, I've got wonderful people around me, and you know, my my girlfriend here is strong, so wonderful, and so yeah. I mean, a long story, and I'm, I'm I thank you for asking for me, and uh, I've had to back out of the show for this period of time, but I'm getting geared up to go back in again. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah, so, yeah. We miss your, we missed the hole there on the show. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate yeah. that, and I hope there. You know, I hope somebody did miss me. I always say that. You know, and. Uh, I'll be back. I'm like, I, like I haven't talked to Walden forever. Walden, how you doing? I'm fine. I'm finally catching up on a little sleep after producing the convention in Seattle last weekend. That was, you got uh, back when? Like... I came home Sunday night. With, so I, uh, it was a six-week thing of really in 24-hour crunch mode. So pretty much nobody that saw me around here except for doing the live show. So I'm pretty much back, back. Already planning who I'm gonna call up to ask him come back onto the show, you know. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy we got the convention done, and I'm happy that we're uh, up and running again. I can you had good attendance. Guests. Had really good attendance. Um, we had Norman Corwin fly up at age 100. Uh, we had 12 of the old-time radio stars. We had a ton of people walk in, and that's always a good sign. A lot of new faces. And that's that's very very good. The hobby's in very good health. I'm really pleased to say about that. So, so and now we're the hobby, I'm sorry, you said what? Well, the hobby, what? the hobby itself in really good shape, I think. So, yeah, I, I'm seeing a lot of new people, uh, a lot of younger people. Uh, the future of this hobby is very good, and I'm working on a couple of things behind the scenes. So we'll we'll see what happens. So. Very good. Yep. And, and Patricia's out cleaning oil off the beach. No, but she's heartbroken that other people have to do it. 
hasn't gotten near down. I guess it no, hasn't really gotten down the. Uh, it's strictly at the very uh, northern part of the state. Um, unfortunately, when people say Florida, it it it's a mental image. It's like radio. Everybody has a picture in a, an individual picture in his or her mind about what Florida is. And when they say the sands of Florida's beaches, they think it's the entire Gulf Coast, and it's not. It's it's just the very most northern part that tucks up underneath Alabama that is right now. But it's a beautiful part of Florida up in there. That's the sad part. And the, every every bit of Florida's beaches are are just beyond description. They are so beautiful, and uh, it's heartbreaking. Especially, yeah, up there around Pensacola and that's exactly and, uh, where it is. Panama Pensacola City and all Panama that City stuff, yeah. and. Uh, White sand, yeah. Yeah, it's sad. It really is. But uh, I, I mean, I hate to see this thing every day. It just seems like it's not going away. I mean, you know, as far as the disaster part, not the cleanup and everything. And it's like I don't know when it'll end. Yeah. The major concern, of course, at this time of the year, and we've already had just a tickle taste of it, is that we are full blown into hurricane season. So. Um, Everybody is keeping a watchful eye on depressions and weather disturbances and just hoping that this will be resolved before we get hit with a storm. So everyone's depressed about depressions. Yes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, this is a no pun intended. There's no doubt. This is a tragedy, and Florida is just, I mean, it's a part of it. You know, the other states down there are involved, the southern states, so. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of sad. That well, anyway, I didn't mean to bring the mood down. I just, uh, you can't. Well, you Bob, know, Merry Christmas. Like, like Patricia said, anytime you, you think of somebody in Florida, you think of, uh, now you think of the, of the oil spill. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's just, and it, it's a very small portion of Florida that is affected at this point, but um, but it's understandable. And people say California, oh, and everyone thinks of Disneyland. You know? oh. and, um, and Ralph, our regular caller, will be quick to remind people that there are woodlands and mountains and cold and hot places, and Walden will tell you too. But you say California, and people think of oranges and Disneyland. Yeah. We took a cruise one time out of Galveston, and it was very interesting. Of course, your cruises usually depart. At like five or six at night, and it's you know winter time when when we always go because who wants to go in the Caribbean in July, you know? <clears throat> so so the nights are already dark early. But as uh, we were talking to the captain on the, on an elevator, and he was explaining to us that there's l literally like a um, a channel that is marked out with buoys. That all shipping has to go, and and as we were going, leaving, you could see. Of course, all you could see were lights. I wish we could have been, you know, gone down there in the day, but it looked like it looked like hotels in Miami Beach, one right after another. These huge oil rigs, you know, in the coast, just just every mile or so for, mm -hmm. you know, it seemed like for an hour, hour and a half. You know, it was just really something to see. So, mm. You know, it's a wonder how they can uh, how they can keep security on all of those things from you know from people coming in and doing something terrible to them. But, you know, I don't want to feed anybody's imagination here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
That's no, right. That's good to hear y'all. Yeah, it's good, good to hear everybody. I just uh, I was just getting ready to go to bed, and I thought, now before I do, I've got to I've got to give a quick call. Uh, well, thank you, thank you, Bob, for doing yeah, that. Yeah, Bob, thank you. And by the way, yep. your show is wonderful. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, it really is. It's marvelous. Thank so. You. Thank you very much. We're we're trying to do all the I Love a Mystery as a tribute to Walden. Ah, uh, I yeah. Love a Mystery. We could be having our I Love a Mystery website up in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. Uh, That'd we'll be good. Getting some stuff prepared, and we're, we're going to be pretty close to getting some financial backing. So I'm pretty excited about, about the I Love a Mystery project. So... Now, what are you going to do with that? Uh, we're going to take the old scripts and bring in Hollywood actors and stars to do it, to redo them. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. So we got we got hopes and plans, and so hopefully we'll have something going here in the next couple of weeks. So will you? Oh, will, yeah. Well, you keep us abreast of that, yeah. Okay, okay Jay. Bob. Thanks again, and we'll uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Sounds Bye, great, bro. Bob. Thank you. Good yeah. talking to you. You betcha. Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye Bye. now. Merry Christmas. And there we go. 714-545-2071. Our number 714-545-2071. I'm waiting for the phone to ring. It's quiet. <laughs> <laughs> when and people would, have to go to bed sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I was going to say is this. We really didn't get our caller from outside the United States. And no, it would be we nice. didn't. But we'll find a way to do that. Yeah, and Canada would be fine because I know the cost of calling is not very expensive from there to here anymore. Well, occasionally one of our listeners in Canada does give us a call. So. But anyhow, one more call. How's this? We keep this going. It's kind of like the telethon, you know? But one more call to tell us about a Christmas time in their life or to solve one of Patricia's questions, and if not, then I'm going to bed. How's that? I've got a young lady that's climbing in bed here, because I, I'm doing this from my bedroom, by the way, our would bedroom. You, would, would you please clarify this? Yeah, I better, uh, whatever. But, Lynn, you got to put out the trash. I mean, this is not right. Did I start to... going off in the wrong direction here no. or what? I think you did. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm actually in the bedroom here. We've got a, a nice chair to sit on for me, sit in for me and everything else, and Noni just walked in and laid on the bed. She's a smart lady. Well, she's giving me signals, I think, but it's okay. I mean, but, boy, if we could have one more caller, how's that? 714-545-2071. And if we don't get a caller, as they say on PBS, we'll go back to our regular programming. Our regularly scheduled program. Right, which is Patricia and Walden carrying on forever. Forever. Lynn, it really was a good night. It it was fun talking with you and sharing Christmas stories with other people. I mean, really, this was a great night. And you are such a good sport for doing it with us. Well, and I want to folks for making... Oh. Hello there, Carl. You you save Lynn. (laughs) Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Hello there. Was I in time? You sure were. Well, this is number five. Uh oh. Number five. I have to go to my list. Who's number five? Richard in in uh, Richardson. Hi, Richard and Richardson. Yeah, Richard and Richardson. Hello. 
And um, my favorite Christmas song comes from that great uh, sample of Western literature, American literature, the Pogo comics. Oh, Pogo. Goodness mm. gracious, yes. We have met the enemy. <laughs> Deck us all with Boston Charlie. You familiar with that? I I'm don't not. know, Lynn. No, I'm not. No. Nope. Deck us all with Boston Charlie. Walla Walla Wash and Kalamazoo. Nora's freezing on the trolley. Swallow dollar cauliflower allegoroo. It goes on and on. What a memory. <laughs> <laughs> With words like that, you remember it. Very good. Well, I, I'm not uh, I'm not sure that that's the words, but that's the way I remember them anyway. Unfortunately, I learned how to spell from reading uh, Pogo. And uh, not good. <laughs> Labner and things like that. And uh, I've had over the years many, many editors that can testify that that ain't the way to do it. Mm. Anyway, I so enjoy your show and this and this uh, channel because I am learning so much. I don't think there's a day that I or a night that I listen to this. Uh, channel on my crusty little Wi-Fi radio that I don't learn something. And that's that really fascinates me. That, that's, that's the world good of stuff. And that's the world of the internet, which has made everything just wonderful, you know, as far as radio music and everything else. And I know there's been a lot of arguments over, you know, royalties and copyrights and all that. There, well there yeah, should be, but I mean I know how you get handle all of that, but well, it's, it's, I don't either, but, you know, Holy we get so much from the Internet. It's great. But, uh, and Patricia, I got a package from you today. Good. Only gotten to listen to one of the Hear It Now programs. I got 25 of those things on one CD. Uh-huh. And I think they're an hour apiece. I think you are right. And um, this one was from 1952 which was about when I was starting to be aware that there was something in the world outside of my neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> there was a world out there, huh? Yeah. Unfortunately, that was when we got our first television set. So I missed out on most of the really good stuff on radio. Mm -hmm. It was first around, although a lot of those shows... We're still going strong then. I was just a little kid wandering around barefooted and stupid. And <laughs> well, I don't know if you heard me tell the story earlier how I got to listen to old time radio, and that was the uh, back in the late fifties. Um, I'm sorry, was it Pibber McGee and Molly? What did I listen to, Patricia? You listened to. Fibber McGee and Molly. Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. My medicines kick in occasionally here, like I said. But anyhow, I'd listen to that every night, but, you know, I never tuned in any other show. And they were still going strong, a lot of them. And it's sad because I didn't realize there was anything other than that in the old-time radio until I got into it in later years. Now, one thing that I do remember hearing when I was a little kid, at least I don't think I'm... 
screaming it, was an Amos and Andy thing that was not their regular show, but it it was called Amos and Andy uh, Music Hall. And they would play music, and then there would be little skits, I guess, taken from their old shows. You got a good memory. That happened yep. from 1954 to 1960. I didn't make it up. Yep, you're absolutely right. It was, it was, there and diff- it, went, it was a long show. It was a half-hour show, I think, every night. It was a disc jockey show. And then it was even, it the same guys? Yep, it was Freeman Guys and Charles Carrell. Uh, they had to fulfill the contract of CBS. They sold Amos and Andy to CBS. And to fulfill their contract, they uh, stopped the Situation Comedy Show and wound up hosting the disc jockey show. Well, I remember, you know, going places... You know, back when you could go from one end of Texas to the other on two-lane blacktops and listen to that on the car radio, and uh, and I really enjoyed it. Oh yeah, I was not aware. I love the old Amos and Andy television show. Now, uh, I think, like most things, now I now believe the radio shows were better, but I was amazed. When people were upset about the way these folks talked. Right. Because my maternal grandmother talked just like that. She was, uh, her parents were from what's now the Czech Republic. Mm. She was born not long after they came to Texas. And, um, and Czech was her first language. And if she learned English as a kid, she lost it. Because when my older aunts and uncles started going to school, they got in trouble because they didn't speak English. So it was decided that Mama had to learn English. Now, why my grandfather didn't teach her, I don't know. I think maybe he just didn't have the patience. But she learned to speak English from a black farmhand on their farm. And supposedly, he taught him Czech. Czech language sounds like somebody choking, basically. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's terrible sounding. But, uh, so she said the I declares, and shown up, and mean to say, and all like that. So I never associated the way Amos and Andy talked with anything racial. I thought they just talked like country folks. Yeah, and I think, to be honest with you, I think most America looked that way. Even the, a lot of black culture looked at it that way. It was. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't. Uh, I didn't think that they were putting down black culture. No. They were, you know, uh, the Kingfish and 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 uh, Riley were. Two of a kind, always getting in trouble over something. Yeah, and you know that show was... People in that show that were attorneys and business people and everything, you know, like there were in real life. And the show was well-received in the black community. That's what was interesting about it. You know, there was some controversy, but it was generally received very well. Yeah. It was entertainment. So, and so I, 
I was uh, somewhat brokenhearted when when it was based off the air, being politically incorrect. Now, of course, you listen to a lot of these old shows, and there's some serious politically incorrectness in it because that's the way the world was then. And uh, we don't necessarily have to perpetuate that, but we shouldn't forget it. Right. And we got to remember our our country as well as the world had different time frames in it. That you're right. I mean, this program at sure. the time fit in okay, but you look back at it Can now. You guys uh, restart the I Love a Mystery. I'm sure it won't be like uh, I heard a show about cop cars in Los Angeles in 1934, and all the bad guys were described as being Mexican. You know, they just they wouldn't do that now. Right. And, uh, you know, so I'm sure y'all won't do that. You know. But we, and we, I, I'm also waiting for y'all to, you know, restart Monitor now. Ah, you, you got a taste of that, huh? Yeah, that, that was I, pretty good. I yeah. do remember that. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, I, in my email to Patricia, I called her Miss Monitor. Not <laughs> <laughs> that I mixed her up with people from the show. I didn't. I just think she should play Miss Monitor when y'all redo the monitor. I think that's a neat compliment. She has such a sexy, sultry voice. I don't I don't think people would accept me as that, Richard. <laughs> oh, Fence, you may have done that just a little bit, but I think you could pull it off now. Mm-hmm. Uh, really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, me. <laughs> You want the weather, That's Atlanta? Weather, yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I don't think I could. Funny, I don't remember Miss Monitor. You don't? I well, I didn't even know the show existed, Richard. I remember it. I remember it on TV. Monitor? Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember it on. I remember now. Am I right, Walden, on that? They go away with the host of the, of the Today Show, and yeah. he also was the host of a of, of monitor. Monitor, yeah. So that's okay. probably what you're thinking. Maybe that's it, yeah. But uh, And I, I never was a fan of it too much. It just seemed like it was on all the time. It was on 40 hours a weekend for 20, almost 20 years, and they yeah. cut it down, so it was on. It backed it up or, or backed off the hours over the years. But, I mean, what a production that was. My goodness. Yeah. Well, it was like this hear it now thing. I mean, this is a lot like um, 60 Minutes. Yes. Yeah, but something similar to that. I didn't count how many different stories they went through, but it was quite a few. And uh, uh, I just found it fascinating, and I've got two dozen more to go. <laughs> And well, well, if you share a Christmas story no. or answer a question, you can have another one. Oh, I'm going to regret this, but I'll give it a shot. <laughs> what, are you going to go for a question? Yeah, why not? You're gonna, yeah. Would you like uh, a question about old-time radio shows or Christmas music? Oh, I guess old-time radio shows. Oh, that's the hard stuff. Okay. Let me see here. You know what Christmas music I like. I mean, come on now. <laughs> Actually, I don't. <laughs> well, Deck us all with Boston Charlie. 
with Boston Charlie. Well, I'll tell you what I did with Christmas music, and I do have a whole bunch of Christmas CDs here. I have a pretty sizable collection, and I just divided the collection by 50, and I put 50 songs on each CD, and I've got 15 or 16 CDs. And I'm just going to put my hand in the pile and put it in an envelope to you and if jingle bells or whatever you want is on there. There's a lot of traditional music. There's some that is probably new to you and other people and new performances of familiar music. So somewhere in there is something that you're going to like. Oh, I know I will. But you have to answer a question answer first. You want to. Yeah. And uh, I'll just give it a shot. Oh, oh this one you've got to get. Rudolph doesn't count in this question. <clears throat> I want five names of reindeer, Santa's reindeer, just five of them. Donner and Comet, Blitzen. Wow, that's all of three, isn't it? Sid <laughs> and I already said Comet, didn't I? Mm-hmm. Okay, think of the song, if you could, you know, that was on at Christmas time. You know Donner and Prancer. Prancer! You gave yep. Donner. Oops, I'm sorry. Prancer. That's five. That's five. Yep, that's five. Give it to me. You better give me another one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll finish him off then. Oh, no, that's it. <laughs> okay, I'll give you another one. Three more, but... Um, let's see here. Lynn already... ...used to drive Jack Benny to do Christmas shopping in Jack Benny's car. What kind of a car did Jack Benny own? Maxwell. There you go. Ooh, good one. All right. I don't know, but it was a Maxwell. Yes, it was. It was a Maxwell. So you did okay. So I'll take I uh, recently read a, a magazine article about a um, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, Packard that Jack Benny owned. Really? Yeah. And then I think after that he went for like Buicks or something. But this this thing was maroon and it was like a limousine. Oh. Packards were such nice cars. Were they? Yeah, I know they, they really were big. Were. My 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 family owned one. Yeah, ours did too. And then there was a fad around where a lot of teenagers. When I say teenagers, I'm talking you know probably 18 or so had Packards. That was the they were power cars and they were you know plush and everything else. It was a, a great car in its time, that's for sure. Yeah, we had one. Well, actually, we had two from the early 50s that were identical. And I was an only kid, so I got this enormous back seat, and I could sit in the back seat and put my feet out straight. Oh, yeah. Touch the back of the front seat. Well, wow. the other part was when you drove it, you had about... It seemed like 80 yards of car in front of you. Oh, yeah. Engines were so big in them, you know, and and they were just long stretch out. My mom had a Lincoln at one time, I remember, and the same thing. The hood was so big, I don't know how you saw the road, you know. 
But, uh, yeah, those were one these cars. One of these things, we were coming back home from someplace at nighttime, and there was this horrible noise, and smoke started coming out. And my dad looked out, and he said, it's thrown a piston rod through the crankcase mm-hmm. and knocked off the generator. Yep. The engine still ran. It had a straight-eight engine, and we got home in that thing. I'll be darned. Didn't have much lights. <laughs> of course, the engine, well, the engine was ruined anyway. But it actually got us home, and it must have been 20 more miles. Wow. But you're right, those straight eights were... They were tanks. Huge, yeah. Huge engines, you know. So, but, uh, yeah, those were those were great cars, the Packers and the Lincolns. Well, I never rode in a Maxwell, but... <laughs> oh, no, no. I don't want to after what Jack Benny went through. Or <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> You know. <laughs> Oh, Richard, do you really want Christmas music, or would you like shows, or tell me what you'd like? Oh, anything's okay. It's it's, it's such a treat. You know, I'm wondering, are y'all familiar with, uh, and this isn't really old-time radio, Gene Shepard when he did his shows from... I've got oodles of Gene Shepard. Oh, I would dearly love that. Well, you've got him, then. hear them except little bitty bits, and... Um, Speaking of Christmas, in in our family, um, the the movie The Christmas Christmas Story, mm-hmm. he wrote uh, and narrated. Oh yeah, with the BB gun. Family, the family show. Because when that came out on cable, my son looked just like the little kid Ralphie in this show. Uh huh. And he also wanted a BB gun, just like the kid in the show. Yeah. Uh, now, Beaumont, Texas was a little bit different from home in Indiana, but, you know, my little boy never had to go home in the snow, but uh, that really, was a great movie. We loved it. Yeah, and, and I love the book that that's from, and... Uh, it was called In uh, God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. Right. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Equal to it was called Wanda Hickey's Night of Golden Memories. Never heard of that. <laughs> and Ralphie gets to be a teenager. Oh, okay. These were um, from short stories that he wrote for Playboy, of all things. And uh, he would win their humor award year after year after year. And... uh uh, just wonderful, wonderful stories about Americana, and he has such a wonderful had such a wonderful voice. Agreed. Very yeah. easy to listen to. Amazing that he could talk for the entire length of a show and never miss a beat. Yeah, and I always wondered if he had that crafted out ahead of time. Uh huh. You know, word, know, word, or if he if he did like Garrison Keillor, I don't think he does. I think a lot of that's just off the top of his head. Uh, Garrison Keillor, yes, a lot is off the top of his head, but I don't know. I never, I never even gave it a consideration about Gene Shepard. I've always thought that it was extemporaneous. He came in with a subject. Yeah, I think a lot of it People was. He's talking. I don't know that for sure, though. Well, I happen to. Um, 
get to meet Charles Corralt one time. Really? At a uh, press club picnic in Beaumont, huh? Texas. And he could just talk. He sounded just like he did on On the Road. And just listening to him talk was such a treat. He had a wonderful voice. You are absolutely right. Stuff would just flow out of him. Very easy to listen to. It just kind of rolled. It, it had round sounds. There was nothing harsh in his voice or his speech. And, and a memory. He just remembered all of these people and all of these stories. You could mention anything to him, and he could come up with a story. And he also, part of my job that day was to keep him in beer, and he drank <laughs> It never seemed to show it, and so then when a couple of years later he was busted for DWI, none of us who had been there were surprised one little bit, you know. Oh, my goodness. Because he drove off. <laughs> 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 go to behind the scenes, <laughs> huh? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Pretty long, you know, maybe an hour or two, but I don't know how many of these things he went through, but it's a good thing. Of course, it was a warm day. What a, you know, what a wonderful mastery of the language these people have. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Envious. I get envious sometimes when I listen to them, and it's a fluid conversation with themselves. They don't even need another person in the room with them. They can have a conversation. I do that all the time, Patricia. Yeah, I know, but... But I, I like in radio. <laughs> you have an excuse. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Like, you know, like right now, it's like there's four of us sitting around a table. Uh-huh. That's right. Yep. And, and um, my favorite radio, I mean, this isn't... I mean, you know, the, the productions, of course... But but when it's something that's with a DJ or one person, it's as if they're talking just to you. Uh-huh. And it's them on one end of the circuit and you on the other end. And it feels like there's just the two of you. Right. Now, there may be 7 million other people who all feel like it's one at a time. And when... When I write things, uh, I write them to one person. Mm-hmm. That part I understand. You know, and, and it may be read by several million people, but I write it, well, it was when I was in the newspaper game. Uh, but it's just, it's one, like, mythical person in my mind. That I'm talking to. I guess it's the same way with most writers. It's not, and it should be. The ones you appreciate and enjoy reading write the way you do. You write for a person who's going to pick it up and read it and enjoy it. When you start writing for the masses, it comes out cookie-cutter and stilted. Well, I do enjoy y'all's shows. Well, I do enjoy that you gave us a call, and I'm very happy to be able to send I'll you have a shepherd. You can never tell I'm from Texas when I say y'all. 
I think y'all really enjoy doing it. <laughs> well, I do thank you, sir. Yeah. And, and uh, thank you for the call. I really appreciate it. I do agree that uh, Florida has gorgeous, gorgeous beaches. Yeah, we do. The main reason I've gotten to go to Florida in my lifetime has been for hurricanes, and they do that very well. We, we do. <laughs> we do hurricanes well. well. Is one of my favorite places in the whole wide world, and of course I'm in mourning about that. Yeah, we the are. The that y'all talking about? That's they're wonderful places to go fishing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, as the fish congregate around there. Yeah. Fortunately, I get very seasick. My son's a captain of a boat in the Gulf of Mexico, but I get seasick. You're not much of an advertisement for him. <laughs> well, and he sails out of Louisiana, and um, you know that oil slick isn't one piece. It's a lot of little pieces. I know, and, and, and of course, well, we could spend probably the next 12 years talking about this, but they used copious amounts of a disbursement, which simply broke it up into globules. Yeah. Of course, now it, you know, it's coming in in waves as well, wow. but the globules are just there. They're suspended in the water. Yeah, there's been a lot of things going on with this that I just, I, I, I don't agree with. But uh, well, we'll, we'll you, take it apart off the air one night. We'll fix it. Well, <laughs> uh, we will recover from this. Yep. We uh, are very resilient people. There's been uh, drilling in the Gulf of Mexico for 60 years now. Amazing, thousands of wells. And the amazing thing is that nothing like this has happened before. Uh, it makes me sick that it's happened now, and uh, I think some people are deserving of some real blame for it because I don't think it needed to happen. But, uh, I hope we have learned from it. And by golly, I also agree with uh, Arizona. I don't like changing the time things. Now, I prefer what we have now, which is daylight saving time. And if we have daylight saving time for seven or eight months a year, isn't that the standard time? There you go. <laughs> that other Pretty good. I like that. Yep. That other stuff, daylight wasting time. Yeah. Well, you know what I wish, living in Arizona here in Hawaii, my wish would be is just the opposite of the country, and that's have daylight savings time in the winter. Because the evenings come so early now, it would be nice to have that later in the evening, you know, for people to work and stuff. But yeah, what that is, of course, is going to be. Yeah, I've never minded getting up in the dark. That makes yep. me feel very virtuous. But, but I remember, I, I remember it all. off work and it's dark already. <laughs> I remember in Ohio going to work when it was dark and coming home when it was dark in the winter. I mean, you know, you just accepted that. That's the way it was. But yeah, see, that's another reason why I don't think I'd make a very good Yankee. I, up here in North Dallas County, Texas. It's the furthest north I've ever lived. And I got snowed on five times last winter. And that's, you know, yeah, more than four times too many. 
Huh? That was four times too many. It's four times more than I ever got snowed on in one year, or maybe one decade. I don't know, but uh, no, it's fine. It, I, I really was a little frightened of the winter, but uh, it, it went okay. It's fine. And uh, so now this week has been unusual because it's been rainy, so it's it's not been very warm. But, you know, we've already had our 100-degree days. Mm-hmm. We're not by Arizona standards, but <laughs> now, <laughs> I remember, and I will share this, that, that I don't know if people are aware of it, but in Phoenix here, the hottest it's ever been was 122. <laughs> and I want to tell you something. I was here for it, of course. And I was, I hate to say it, a smoker at the time, and we had to go outside the building to smoke. And I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I mean, it was hot. You know, they give you this dry heat stuff. Well, when you get to that, it doesn't matter. And my wife, Linda, at the time was up in Denver, and she couldn't fly into Phoenix. They wouldn't, they wouldn't allow any planes to come in. <laughs> and, and you hear all kinds of stories why, you know, the asphalt was this and that. But from what I truly understand is the planes were never tested at that temperature. <laughs> which, which is crazy, yeah. So anyhow, she didn't get in until almost 3 in the morning because of the delay, because of the heat. But it was hot. In fact, it just that day was just brought up on the TV, you know, the hottest in uh, history this date, and it was just about a week and a half ago. So, But, I mean, that was hot. I don't care what anybody says. So, Well, at least y'all had enough sense to air condition your baseball stadium. Yes, yes. That we have we, stadium up here. Yeah, it doesn't have a top on it. Now they finally built the football stadium with a top on it. It's too much. You know, and in Houston they've had they're now on their second baseball stadium with with a roof and air conditioning, but not here. I know it's amazing. The good old oh. Texas Rangers are in first place of their division and bankrupt at the same. Oh. Yeah. You know what's interesting? You talk about that. Uh, being from Cleveland, you know, we had the uh, stadium right on Lake Erie. Uh-huh. froze to death. So what they do? They tore it down and rebuild another one with no roof, and you freeze to death. I don't get it. <laughs> you know, and these, these times when you should have roofs on in certain area, you know, I'd say roofs, that's from Ohio. But, yeah, in Arizona, we got both stadiums, the Cardinals and the uh, Diamondbacks. They're indoors. They can you know, play in any kind of weather, uh, and the Diamondbacks can open their roof if they want. You know, it's, it, it's a modern marvel, and it's wonderful. But, you know, exactly what you said, different stadiums, you wonder sometimes why they don't do it. So, Well, I remember in Houston, when they first got a uh, major league team, they built a temporary stadium that is still in existence in Mexico. When they opened up the Astrodome, they they dismantled this thing and sent it to Mexico. And I sold soda pop out there. And it wasn't so much selling as just getting it up to the people because it was so hot in there. And back in those days, they played a lot of day games. And uh, so the Houston Astros were the first team, major league team, to have night games on Sunday because it was just too hot to have games on 
the middle of the summer. Wow, yeah. Outdoors, but they still do it here. Well, the minor league team in Phoenix here played in an outdoor stadium, you know, forever. Yeah. And it was hotter than you can think, but, boy, people would show up. It's amazing. Well, it's it's fun. Yeah. Hey, Patricia, is this the S word? I beg your pardon? Is this the S word? Yes, it is. Well, okay. Oh, Patricia doesn't care for sports. No. She, she doesn't talk S words, you know, so sports. What? <laughs> I'm not that much into it either. <laughs> I'm not either, but, you know, it, it does have little memories that pop up, that's for sure. I, I did realize this horn that everybody's upset about people tooting at the World Cup. I had one of those things about 15 years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, we just called it a horn. Uh, but I never saw more than one at a time. So I didn't know what 30,000 of them would be. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, when you listen to it, I mean, it's it's like, how do they stand it? But it's, I guess it's interesting because there were some complaints and the World Cup decided to keep them going. It didn't matter. I mean, they weren't going to outlaw them or outrule it or... Outlawed at a lot of places. Man. Yeah, but boy, they're still doing it at the World Cup, so <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, Patricia, if you could send me some, um, some. Um... Gene Shepard, I'm working on him right now, sir. Do I need to send you my address again, or? No, <laughs> I have it. I'm very good about that. If somebody gets a. I I really was surprised to see the little card, the membership of the. Patricia and Walton, Walden uh, uh, fan club. Isn't that adorable? Lucille in New York made those cards. And there's, there's something Treasure about that. Really You're one of a few. The, you know, double O or O O five. You're number five. Yep. Uh, number five. I do believe. Wasn't yeah, that, you're number five. Isn't that the name of the? Uh, the robot in a couple of those movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You're stretching now. I don't know. <laughs> it was the robot. Heaven help me. <laughs> I know I two D two, but that's a came to it. life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's Bobby funny. Funny five. Yeah. Well, I am deeply honored. Well. We are just so happy that you've joined the family, and I'm twice as happy that I've got Gene Shepard for you. I would have found him, but I didn't have to go look. I've got him. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And Boy, am I good or what? You are so good, Patricia, yeah. I would give anything to, to see how you have the, where you keep all of this stuff. <laughs> well... <laughs> <laughs> Don't answer, Patricia. <laughs> yeah, well, I can do that. The Gene Shepard files are so big that I've dropped them onto CDs and just keep them aside until somebody asks for them. Of course, I, I hear, hear uh, Bill, um, um, the, whole, the, the guy that runs this network, talking about having to replace his high-speed tape duplicator. Uh-huh. And I went, ah. I don't have anything that plays tapes anymore. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I have to go out and buy something to play a tape. Uh-huh. <laughs> they're hard, and they're hard to find. You know, I mean, if you look for a tape player now or anything, they go, what? 
stores. They don't have any idea, you know. So, well, I did see a cell phone for people my age, and it it had a rotary dial on it. I love it. Yeah. Are you yep. serious? You found one of them? Uh, it was photoshopped. I'm sure. Oh, Patricia. I thought you had one in your hand. Oh, boy, Patricia, you fell for that one. I, you know, <laughs> there it goes right over my head again. Yeah, but I it, am the whoosh of yesterday, USA. But you're a fun whoosh. I'm a fun whoosh, yes. Yeah, so. Well, you know the um, mission control at NASA in Houston still had rotary telephones at their consoles years after most people stopped using rotary phones. Because E.T. had a phone home. Well, they worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, eventually they they changed them, but I don't know if it improved anything. But, uh, no, these are the kind of things you bring this up, and it's kind of funny because you look at the kids that today, they have no idea what rotary phones are. None whatsoever. Got us to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing some of that old technology. It's yeah. amazing, um, you know, some of that technology in old radio stations and stuff, too. Yes, and, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I don't know if you heard me, but I, I worked for AT&T since the mid-'60s. And, you know, a lot of that stuff, I think about it, was so antiquated, but, by gosh, it was a modern marvel at the time. And I evolved with the AT&T from the rotary dial days up to digital communications. I mean, the network was switching to digital and everything else. So it was amazing. I mean, you know, but you're right. The rotary dial worked every time. I wanted to do a story about a small independent phone company that is headquartered in the town of Brazoria, Texas. And it covers two or three small towns and you know, the territory in between. And um, it's run by the guy. He, it's either his parents or his grandparents put this company together in the 40s by buying even smaller companies. And he never would let me do it. And I think it's because it's probably controlled and run by something that looks like a desktop computer. Hmm. Well, or maybe a rack of computers or something. Because, you know, it's, it's like a big, an overgrown company phone system. Yes. You know, but it's all modern and everything, and they have computer feeds and everything. Uh, I'll share a story with you, and, you know, I hope that you enjoy this, but part of my career, I worked for Ohio Bell in uh, engineering back in Cleveland for three years. And we had an independent company out in a town called Ashtabula, Ohio. And I remember you would call to let them know you're putting in a circuit. It was a special circuit or whatever. And the secretary would answer. She, well, I'll have the owner call you. And he would call you from a telephone pole because he was out installing phones in that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's how small it was. And he'd look and he'd say, tell me what I need to order. And you give him what do you need to order, and he'd order it. You know, and it was marvelous. It worked well. <laughs> but yeah, it always saved me when he called in off of a pole, and here's the owner of the company, you know, so. 
My mother worked for one of those small companies, you know, back in World War II. And when I was um, a teenager, a uh, radio station had a contest where they would have the sound of coins going in a payphone. You had to tell them how much money that was. Okay. She and I could be, she could be driving me to school. We could be carrying on a conversation. That would go, and she would say, well, that's $1.45. It'd be $1.45. And I went, how can you do that? And she said, that's how we could tell how much money people put in the phone when they were making long-distance calls. Mm-hmm. Each coin made a different sound. She was so used to she just would keep a running total in her in her head. And how and I could never get her to call up the radio station to win whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, another quick story about that. During the strike my uncle worked for the company and he was an operator and he always tells the story about somebody calling him from a pay phone. I want to make a long distance call. Okay, go ahead and put in three dollars and fifty cents and that well the call would end and my uncle would hit a button and bingo and the guy called back in another long distance call. Well my uncle was doing was returning all his money after each call. So this guy just kept calling, you know, having a good time until somebody told my uncle, You're hitting the wrong button there. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's what happens when you get management doing the, the non management's jobs. Everything happens wrong, you know, so well, then when everything started going tones, remember there was one guy who discovered that a whistle that was given out in Captain Crunch cereal would set off, uh, would allow them to start getting into the inner workings of, yes, it was AT&T. Yes, probably was. And uh, then they could uh, use their little black boxes to get, from there to, you know, call the Pope or whatever they wanted to do, make all their free phone calls. Yes, yes, and it it happened an awful lot, that's for sure. I mean, you know, because back then it was all audio tones that they used yeah. in the network, and that was easy to go ahead and duplicate and everything. In fact, one of them was we had these units. Gosh, I'm sorry, we're talking telephonies. I hope people don't mind a little bit, but... Uh, Get some radio in there, and it'll be great. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you about that, too. But we used to, uh, I mean, there's a tone on the, the circuits going back and forth, and that's how it would signal back and forth. you cut the tone off, and that would let the other end know that a call was starting. And I mean, it was all automated and everything else, but that tone is what these people would uh, come up with a lot of times, and they'd be able to talk while this tone was on, which meant it wasn't being charged for the call. So, you know, that was something that went on for quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, anything that's out there, somebody will figure a way around it, I think. You know, it's it's just going to happen. But, Patricia, you brought up about radio. And in Cleveland, there was a regular big, large position we had. And it was manned by us technicians that was all the network going through Cleveland in and out. And we would actually set up, you know, different switches and different programs because some of it was originated out of Cleveland and the other was coming into Cleveland and, of course, baseball games and, um, you know, and it was all done manually and set up these connections and everything just to keep the radio networks going. Now, that is something that I have learned since uh, 
listening to you guys, that I guess I just assume that all of the network shows either originated in uh, California or New York City. But now I learn that uh, uh, the Lone Ranger was out of Detroit, of all places. And, mm -hmm. and uh, I guess there were quite a few shows like that. That's amazing to me. Yeah, we didn't have much out of Cleveland that I was aware of. I mean, as far as origination, we did occasionally, but not much. But, yeah. Well, y'all gave the world Drew Carey. Oh, yeah. Parma, Ohio. Love it. <laughs> yeah, I always, you know, I, one of these days I want to go on the, well, what's the show he's on in the morning now? Uh, oh, gosh, you know, the game show. The Price is Right. The Price is Right. Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, anyhow, I want to go on there, and I want to wear a Parma shirt, because I, I was, of course, on the east side of Cleveland, and he was on the west side. So, yeah, marvelous. <laughs> That's our big claim to fame. I love it. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, of course, you know. Well, the only time I went to Cleveland, it was uh, to go to, I don't know, some little town up uh, east of there on the lake and uh, Lake Geneva or some place. Oh, Geneva on the lake, yes. And uh, to interview somebody. But I remember looking at the skyline of Cleveland and hearing that song about Cleveland rocks, Cleveland, and wishing that I had enough time to go see a ball game and go to the go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, the, the, and I'll share another story with you on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right next door to it is a boat dock, and it holds. It has a boat that's a thousand passengers on it. Take tours up the river and out on the lake, and that is on the money side of my family. My cousin owns and runs that. I'm on the poor side, so I get to ride on it for free. But yeah, it's it's neat because it's right next. Cuyahoga River. Yep, you got it. The river that burned. Well, Randy Newman's great song about that. Yes. Yeah. Well, then of course. Speaking of radio, WKRP in Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Ohio, yes. <laughs> so uh, reminds me more of more radio stations that I've been in than a lot of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I'll share. Here we go with this. What's different today versus the olden days? And Patricia, you keep asking that. When I was a kid, we'd take the bus to downtown Cleveland, and we would go to what then was WTAM, it still is, 50,000 watts of power, and these wonderful DJs, and you go in there, I mean, as a scruffy kid, to the front desk, and you say, I'd like to go in and see a DJ, and they would actually escort you back into the studio, and you would sit with the DJ while he does his show, and they put you on the air and stuff, you know. Today, you can't even get that station. I mean, you know, and it's automated, so it doesn't much matter in most cases. But, you know, I mean, you think about how marvelous that was back then. It's just amazing they, they'd be so open like that, and they welcome you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we don't have that anymore, so. Yeah, and I've done that, you know. Oh, yeah. So, well, over the years. Yeah, now they're so automated. There was a little station in Beaumont that I used to go listen to because they had a a DJ that I liked, Gordon Baxter. He's a wild man. He did um, a column in Flying Magazine. So 
most of the world knew him as this guy that wrote about grass airstrip barefoot flying. And then uh, everybody in that part of the Beaumont part of the world knew him as this really bad man that was on the radio. And uh, now when I go to that station, there must be a dozen radio stations in that building. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't know which one you're going. And, you know, it's since since one company can own all of these stations. We have that same thing here in Phoenix, and you drive by the building, and it's got 12 different call signs on it. Yeah. Yeah, and you go, gosh, you know, but that's, that's clear channel. It's, of course, a lot of them anymore, so. But now I also have a friend on the other end of the spectrum who hand-built his own FM station in Jasper, Texas, in his one-car garage. It eventually took over his whole house. But it's automated. Um, most of the entertainment comes with satellite, and it can sound like there's 50 people down there, and you go down there and there's three people sitting around. Mm-hmm. And doing, well, now he's, he's getting a bigger staff now, but... They also elected him mayor of the town. <laughs> but every Friday afternoon, he does an old-time rock and roll show, and it's one of those things where you you know who's talking on the other end, and it's one person talking to you. Yep. You yep. go around that little town, and every business has that station on then, too, waiting to see what old Mike is going to say. Yeah, that's keeping the old-time radio alive. And when I say old-time radio, I'm not talking the stories, but just the, the setting and the atmosphere. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Where they would sometimes say some pretty outrageous things. I could quote some of them, but ah, I don't think Patricia would care for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she Patricia is. has your CD in an envelope, and it is ready to mail out. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, you know, wonderful. we're having Christmas in July. For the entire month, Richard. I so you just bone up on your Christmas shows and your Christmas music, because those are the only questions. My, my late wife, my first wife, had um, her birthday was in January, January 11th. Uh-huh. And it was always the thing of getting this one present for both of them. Still, even in January? Oh, yeah. wow. Well, January 11th, everybody is just partied and celebrated out. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. One time we had a very small surprise birthday party for her in June or July. Yeah. She enjoyed that's that. That's nice. Yeah. So I, I, <laughs> for Lynn, Lynn's birthday is in December, so we probably should be having a birthday in July for him. That would be nice and send gifts. And send presents. Yeah. Send, send 1995 too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. I gotta send money to Bill to pay for this tape duplicator. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Well, Richard, you bone up, please, on your um, Christmas music. You didn't do so well with Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donder, Blitzen. Ooh. Run through it. Time. You didn't do a good job on that one. So uh, you're going to have to bone up. 
Well, he can call in next week and get another one, by gosh, and it'll be well, all set. And that's what I am suggesting, that he's got to bone up yes. and do some homework and be ready for next week, and you get to pick another show next week. Now, you guys are about to do a live drama. Is that oh, We were going to. I don't know if we're oh, I think so. Brian hasn't gone to sleep. I'll talk to him to break. But, yeah, we are planning to do the uh, Red Skelton and the Mean Little Kid tonight. All right. So we're going to do that in a little while. I'll shut up and listen. Well, I was going to say, and I'm going to bow out here pretty quick because my little Bluetooth headset's going to die on me. <laughs> this has been a long hour. But it's been marvelous for me. Well, it has been our pleasure. Richard, you will call in next week? Yes, ma'am. Adios. Okay, Richard. Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas, Richard. Happy birthday to everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Good night, Richard. Well, I want to thank both of you. Pardon me, I'm talking. It's my me- you know what's funny? Let me just quick. When this medicine was given to me, he says, you're going to have a short memory. And I thought, well, I always do. And you're going to this. And boy, he's turning out right. I mean, it's, it's, but it's okay. It's one of those mar- modern marbles that keeps me going, you know. So, But I want to thank both of you for giving me this share of your time. I mean, it's been longer than I think we expected. And certainly longer than I expected, but by gosh, it's been fun and all the callers and everything. First time callers, it's been great. And I got a happy birthday from Tony. Yes, yes. I think that's wonderful. And I, I hope, really enjoyed that. Now, that you fun. said, it, it, Walden, do you record these shows? Well, I've been known to. Okay, I just wonder if you did. I'd like a copy of it. Oh, I think there's a possibility. I, th- I think, in fact, the guy actually running mp3s of it too so one way or another i run it on the old-fashioned way cassette tapes okay and but uh i am in the process of transferring everything into digital format once i do it i'll make sure you get it i would love that because my daughter was going to call as i said and i said i would go ahead and record the show and of course you know what happened zoom so oh sure well i i know i know a few of the people are recording it anyway but uh uh, it's my goal to get it all transferred into digital format. Once I do, I'll send it off to you. Wonderful. Thank you, Walden. No I problem. appreciate it. So I'm going to bow out, let you get folks go. I know, Walden, you got a commitment to put on a show from uh-huh. Colorado. Yep. There, yeah. There's the one-hour program, and Patricia and I will be back. But we want to wish you a Merry Christmas, Lynn. Well, Merry Christmas to both of you and everything, and I hope you have a Happy New Year. I really do. <laughs> We'll be working on that one next. <laughs> right, Merry Matthew. Christmas, Lynn. Thanks for spending time with us. And I've got something for you, Patricia. Good night, my friend. I love you. Good night, my friend. You behave. And Walden, you take care of my All right, pal. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. 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 Do, 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 and do, that do. was Lynn Noise. Lynn is one of our DJs. He is on tape number 15, the best of yesterday USA, and um, he, we have been playing reruns. We, I get so possessive. Bill has been doing some reruns of Lynn's tapes. He has not had um, the best of health in the last couple of months, but he's doing better. And uh, if you want to listen to his tape, it's good stuff. Tape number 15, watch for that one, the best of yesterday USA. Good. You, there he is. You, I thought you left me. No, <laughs> no I'm just waiting to step on you, Patricia. I get these spaces every once in a while, and I think my phone is down again. <laughs> 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 no, it is not. So 
What's next on the list, kid? We're going to play the, the monthly show for Rail Historical Association of Colorado. Mm-hmm. That way, I will call Brian just to make sure we're still on doing that. So you just hang there for a second, Patricia. Okay. And, uh, but we should, be, Patricia and I will be back for the second half of the show. We only got four and a half hours done, and we got more to come. We have more to come. So, Patricia, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, folks, we'll be back in a little while. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for OTR from the Rockies. From the foot of the Rockies in Denver, Colorado, here is a program capturing the drama and fun of the golden days of broadcasting. Old-time radio from the Rockies. This is Fred Hobbs. I'm speaking to you from the radio studios of RHAC, the Radio Historical Association of Colorado. And we're here to bring you interviews, historical information, book reviews, events, and fun for all on old-time radio, especially related to the Rocky Mountain region because that's where we're located. This time, the focus is on an icon of old-time radio, not usually a performer, but noted for his excellent writing for radio. That's an art and a craft so essential to quality and lasting examples of this communication medium. And here to reveal this person's name and also set our scene is my colleague from the Radio Historical Association of Colorado, Bill McCracken. Well, Fred is talking about Norman Corwin, who just recently... Uh celebrated his centenary, and we'll also be pairing him with John Dunning, one of the local icons here in Denver, who also, like Corwin, was a writer. So for today's broadcast, we're going to be doing a portion of a John Dunning interview with Mr. Corwin from 1982, and then we'll follow up after all this with the program that Norman Corwin wrote. Just briefly, um, there was a huge volume of work. When somebody writes you know, several books, we talk about that, but what about writing radio scripts? Well, apparently Mr. Corwin had the knack for it. He started out, as you will hear in the Dunning interview, uh, as a uh, member of the staff of WBZ in Boston, Massachusetts, because he was from that area. And uh, this was in 1932. So he cut his uh, teeth there, and six years later he was in New York at WQXR when one of uh, Fred Allen's favorite people, a corporate vice president, Mm -hmm. got uh, and discovered uh, Corwin and invited him to come to work for CBS, where he stayed for a decade or longer. And he pretty much had the freedom to do almost what he wanted to do. And a little bit later we're going to hear one of the prime examples of his uh, scripts in the radio show that uh, shows that he uh, wrote, correct? Yes, we'll be actually hearing a program from a series known as 26 by Corwin. But first, let's hear John Dunning as he converses with Norman Corwin of CBS. The Old Time Radio Show continues now on 71K News. Here's John Dunning. Well, thank you, Ed, and... Uh... 
I hate to even call this the old time radio show when we uh, when we when we talk to Norman Corwin because so much of the stuff that he did for radio is so timeless and powerful even today. Um, Columbia Presents Corwin was a marvelous series running you know, on CBS in 1944. We had been preceded by uh, another series called 26 by Corwin. Um, the plot to overthrow Christmas, the undecided molecule. Esther Sondergaard and Louis Van Ruten. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. One of 26 radio programs written by the famed writer Norman Corwin and featured on CBS Radio back in 1941. And of course, it's all on OTR from the Rockies. And um, I'm Fred, and we're going to bring back Bill, Bill McCracken, that is. Uh, with a few more uh, uh, bits of information about this outstanding writer and the work that he did. Well, let's just look at the production of what you just heard. Uh, this is a very complicated live uh, program here from 1941. Um, if you really think about this from a technical standpoint, there was a lot of elements here, a lot of sound effects, uh, some... Uh, obviously singing groups, uh, eight different actors doing all kinds of intercuts, and, and as Fred uh, will admit here, uh, a whole lot of voiceovers where you've got two people talking at the same time and creating a, a really good effect from it. So there is that technical element to today's what we just heard. And imagine rehearsing for that. I wonder how much rehearsing they had to do to pull that off uh, in a live show. I would guess probably not too much, frankly, because that's a program to me anyway that needs a little spontaneity to it. Uh, and besides, most of the people you heard in the credits were veteran radio performers. And if, think about today's radio and contrast of what you hear on the radio today. What, what What's your comment on that? Well, there's probably no comparison, really, between the two elements, but uh, uh, partly because of all of the technical abilities of today's radio versus something from 70 years ago. And real quickly, you pointed out in there that when they talk about the letter O, what did that mean? Well, as you heard there, Orson Welles is what the O stood for. And he was it in 1941. A very big radio person in 1941. Okay, Bill, uh, we're not through uh, with this series of programs. We're going to be back again. And when we come back uh, with our listeners next time, what do we bring with us? Well, to start our fifth year of doing this program, because that's what it will be, we're going to switch to uh, some straight comedy from the early 40s. Uh, we plan to bring a Henry Aldrich uh, program, along with a 15-minute uh, juvenile adventure program called Captain Midnight. So it's the Aldrich family, which is actually what it was called, right, the program? Right. And uh, Captain Midnight. And I think you mentioned, too, that we might do for the next... Uh, few programs, we might have a juvenile adventure series featured in them, so if people are into that, they can keep listening, right? Yes, I think uh, we'll be featuring programs like Little Orphan Annie and uh, who knows what else uh, over the next few broadcasts. On old-time radio from the Rockies. And as always, thanks to Bill Bragg and Walden Hughes, who make it possible for old-time radio from the Rockies Well, we're going to get Patricia and Brian on the line, so take a little bit of sipper while we're getting ready.
radio stations have birthdays like everybody else. And today we are celebrating ours, the 40th anniversary of broadcasting, entertainment, news, sports, and information to the people of the Pacific Coast from San Francisco. It was in 1922 that KNBC, then known as KPL, began program service. Many famous entertainers and many historic events were beamed out over the airways during our 40 years of broadcasting. In 1951, when the NBC radio network was celebrating its 25th anniversary, the then popular comedy team of Fibber McGee and Molly did a special broadcast that eavesdropped on some of the great shows of radio. Since then, Molly Jordan has passed on and Fibber is living in retirement in Encino, California. Twelve years have slipped by since Silver McGee and Molly's 25th anniversary salute to NBC, and that broadcast is in itself a collector's item. Tonight, as one of the highlights of KNBC's 40th anniversary celebration, we will revive that famous broadcast of Silver McGee and Molly, during which you will hear the voices of Joe Penner, Fred Allen, Ben Burney, W.C. Fields, Edgar Bergen, and Charlie McCarthy, and many, many other favorites from out of the past, starring Silver McGee and Molly. Our Silver Jubilee, the 25th birthday of the National Broadcasting Company. Like any birthday, the birthday of NBC is a time for reflection and recollection. Were you listening to Ed Wynn at 9.30 on a Tuesday night in 1932? At 7 o'clock on a Wednesday evening in 1929, were you listening to Amos and Andy? Or were you listening to Rudy Valley's Great Variety Show at 8 o'clock on a Thursday evening in 1934? Ah, these were great moments in the history of NBC, and ordinarily it would be impossible to relive them. But we are fortunate in having had with us for the past 20 years a man to whom nothing is impossible. I refer, of course, to the resident of 79 Wistful Vista, Molly's husband, Fibber McGee. As we look in on the McGee's, Fibber is tinkering with his old 1926 super heterodyne radio set. He is, in fact, known as the biggest tinker in radio. Mrs. McGee makes a fairly safe statement. She says... It'll never work, McGee. What do you mean, it'll never work? My gosh, Molly. Let me get this straight again. Huh? You claim that you can fix this radio set so it'll tune in programs that were broadcast 20 years ago? 25 years ago, even. I'm rewiring it so I can tune it to different years instead of different stations, you see? No, I don't. Well, look, Tootsie. According to the McGee theory of radio Dianetics, which I'm the guy that thought it up, I claim that when you hear a broadcast once, that ain't necessarily the end of it, see? It don't just disappear. In other words, old radio programs never die. <laughs> I know one that dies every Tuesday night. Well, that ain't what I mean. I mean that they're still out there, bouncing around in the air, waiting for somebody to tune them in again. And I'm the guy that can do it. What's our congressman's phone number? Why? Well, if there isn't a law against that, I'll help him write one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'll change your mind when I get this baby working, Molly. We'll make a few more adjustments here. Get the king bolt tightened up a little bit. I'll be ready to try it. And... You want to buy a duck? No, I'm not interested in any poultry, bud. I'm trying to... Hey, who said that? Why, I don't know, McGee. There's nobody here but us. I'm going to turn off the radio, will you, Molly, while I work on this? Radio. Hey, the radio. It's working. You hear it, Molly? It works. Hush, listen. My goodness, it sounds like New Year's Eve, McGee. I wonder where that... Boy, is. oh, boy, I told you I could make it work, and... You know, McGee! That's, that's Joe Penner. Why, he used to be one of... Elsa. Remember him? Ben Burney? Oh, yes. I used to love him. March of time! Everybody wants to get into the action. My God. 
Tony Wan. <laughs> oh, McGee, that's Jimmy Durante. Oh, yeah, Jimmy Durante. Boy, this is wonderful. Gee whiz, I can tune in any program I want. Hush a minute, hush. Let's listen to this one first. What year now are we listening to? I can't tell yet. The dates are all scrambled up on the dial here, but I can fix that. And my name, darling, is Lula Bankhead. Did you hear that? I got Congress, Senator Bankhead. No, no, that got is... got a deep voice on him, hasn't he? No, McGee, that was... Shh. My goodness, this is exciting, McGee. Can you tune in just any program you want to hear? Anything back to 1926. That's when the first big network started. NBC in 1926. Oh? That's when we bought this old super heterodyne, remember? Oh, do I remember. Yeah. You lugged this thing home, strung about 200 feet of aerial around the roof, plugged it in, turned it on, and blew out fuses that we didn't even know we had. Yeah, but remember the first program we ever heard on it? There was a, a band out, out in Kansas City. Oh, yes, the Nighthawk. Yeah, that's it. Yes. Coon Sanders and their Kansas City Nighthawk. Yeah. Wait till I tune this. The year 1926. There. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Pat Kelly greeting you from Kansas City, where NBC is presenting the Coon Sanders Nighthawks Orchestra. Oh, that's it, McGee. That's them. Relax and enjoy yourselves now while the Coon Sanders Nighthawks go to work on some of these days. I told you this baby would work, kiddo. <laughs> boy, oh boy, is this ever jazzy. Wonderful. Isn't this nostalgic, McGee? Yeah. Brings back a lot of memories, too. 
Remember the night we put this radio out on the front porch and threw a block party for the neighbors? Oh, wasn't that fun? <laughs> we put up ropes and danced in the street. You did a pretty sharp Charleston, too. Yeah, I'd have done even better if the street had been paved. Gravel kept getting in my shoes. I had a new dress for that night, remember? <laughs> it was trimmed with monkey fur and had a hemline just below my knees. That must have been around uh, 1928, wasn't it? Yeah, that's when it was, around election time. Big argument broke out about Al Smith and Hoover. Yes, and you tried to explain to me which one would make the best president. Only you weren't sure yourself, and... Wait, listen. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Amos and Andy would like to say a few words to their listeners. Listen, Amos, you don't know politics like I do. Uh, tell me this, though. Uh, why can't they have a Democrat and a Republican president at the same time? Let Hoover be president for one week and Al Smith be president for next week, you see. Ain't no use to have no hard feelings. Amos, the president of the country, don't have nothing to do now. The trouble with that is the Republican would get everything messed up for the Democrats and vice versa. And we're going to turn down Amos and Andy. And Patricia, you're still awake. I am still here. Could you tick me up just one little notch? Here, hot out. Oh my goodness! You know you're you're off in a distance tonight. I, I mean, you were fine before, but now where did you go? Uh oh. Oh, there we go. I I turned mine way up. Man's gonna blow my brains out, right? I'm scared. You need, you need me to fix this? Oh, poor I'm baby. scared. I'm scared. <laughs> Happy no, birthday to Patricia. Happy birthday to Patricia. Happy birthday to Patricia. Happy birthday to you and many more. Right. Well, thank yeah. you. You really were listening, weren't you? It's your birthday. It's your it's... birthday. And also, happy Christmas in July. Merry right. Christmas. Thank you. And trimming the tree all night and wrapping packages. And now, officially on the West Coast, as well the East, happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July. Celebration time, Independence Day, and uh, a really important time in our history. It is. I... It's Patricia's birthday. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Historic times just happen by the buckets, don't they? The, the trifecta of celebrations, and a Christmas Whoa. in July... A uh, 4th of July celebration and a birthday celebration. Boy, it doesn't get any much better than that. Wow, you can be any kind of tree you like. There you go. Are we on yet? We are. We're here. My goodness. Wait there, everybody. Say hi to hey, the people. everybody. Hi. Anyway, this is Walden and Patricia, and we have our, uh, our uh, good friend, Brian Henderson. Say hi to everybody, Brian. Hi, everybody. Thanks for staying up late or getting up early. That's right. Yeah, this is the, happens occasionally. <laughs> this, is the, this is the Henderson Art Players. We ripped it off from Fred Allen, you know, the Allen Art Player, but we're going to call this the Henderson Player, and we're back by popular demand, because we just done it once, which will be now. Some of us didn't do it at all. Oh, well, that's good. Well, An inaugural run here through the... the what we wanted to do... Get here? Yes, what we wanted to do, we wanted to showcase Brian's talents, which are many, many. And as you recall, last week, two weeks ago, we asked Brian to do a couple of pieces and said, I'm still practicing. I'm still practicing for reps. Got no excuses now. That's right. No excuses. So he came back. Oh, I'm available for children's parties. I can play <laughs> the piano and then emergency move it. 
1995. <laughs> I'm on that kick tonight. Pueblo, so. Colorado. Yes. And Brian said, okay, hey, when when he and I got on the phone Sunday night, after uh, cooperating about reps, and what a great time we had. We'll share some stories through the Oh, day. that was so much fun. We'll have some stories here for you throughout the uh, next 45 hours that we're on together. That, uh, well, maybe not, because Patricia has a dinner party, she tells me, in about 20 hours. <laughs> I'm having dinner with a friend, and I asked Walden if he thought I would make it. <laughs> <laughs> what time are you having dinner? About 5.30. In the morning? P.M. P.M. Oh, oh, okay, so you have plenty of time. Yeah, I think yeah. so. We, we just might make it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If not, yeah. if not, bring them on. There you, there you go. Um, we, we can... Well, what's happening is that Brian performed in a red skeleton, skeleton mean little kid skit at the Reps Convention, the uh, radio enthusiasts of Puget Sound. That's some, sometimes a little hard to get out. And he said that he would repeat the skit tonight. However, uh, there is a grandmom role in here, and I have been appointed the role of grandmom. So uh, this is my maiden voyage. I have never done anything except type up radio scripts so I know what they look like. But um, Walden is also in here. He gets to play the police officer who uh, talks with Junior. So there we are. There we are. And then after that, we're going to have Brian do his Danny Kay. We'll talk about that oh, showcase. Oh, boy, yeah. I can't wait for that one. Yeah. So that's Hi. all. Hi. Aww. I'm going to try. <laughs> okay. It's going to be yeah. And you know, if if we if if you're uncomfortable with the grandma role, I can always let you try junior. I can take grandma. Uh, Walden can do the police officer, or maybe we switch it up even more. No, well, I I mean it doesn't make any difference what you give me. I mean I I can be just the crash, and I'll be very happy <laughs> 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 the crash. <laughs> but this is cool. I mean. Sound effects by Patricia. <laughs> We're going. Pardon. Sound effects by Patricia. Oh, right, right. So um, Grandma is going, or Patricia is going to be Grandma in the role of um, <laughs> Junior's grandmother. And um, I've never done this before, so we're going to get some laughs out of this. Oh, I know. I Hopefully we'll make it to the end of the script. <laughs> I, told, I told Walden there is one spot in this particular script, and I lose it every time I hear it. So we're <laughs> I'll I'll try to do a good job, Brian. Well, it's it's just fun. It's fun, you know. This this is a Red Skelton had all kinds of different great great characters. Uh, Junior Junior was just the one that was just I think the most out of control and for me the most fun. But I loved each and every one of his characters. So this, <laughs> we're doing nothing more tonight than uh, saluting the the comic genius of Red Skelton. He's no uh -huh. longer with us, but uh, in spirit he definitely is. His comedy will live on forever and uh, make people live uh, last forever. And I, I think. Uh, as one of America's greatest clowns, uh, I, I think uh, I think he should be really proud and happy of that. I agree. It's interesting. His expression, the mean little kid, has survived generations who have never even heard of Red Skelton. We've got kids and parents today who have never heard Red Skelton. They might know who he is, but they haven't heard anything, and they haven't seen anything on television. But when you say the mean widow kid, it's something they're familiar with. Yeah, it's a great Which character. Is, it's a character that uh, the comedy still stands up because it's not really time-related. It's, it, no. it's, it's stuff that's still funny today because, I mean, there's 
where there's always going to be mean little kids as long as there's people on earth. And uh, we've all probably run into a few of them. And, uh-huh. uh, and Junior Junior is probably the, the greatest. In the writing business, it's called evergreen, meaning a writer can put together an article and it can stay on the shelf for three years and it will still work. Or and 30 or 300 or 3,000. Or 300 or 3,000, as long as people can still read in 300 years. That's a tenuous <laughs> okay, let's go. Alright, who's going to do the opening narration here? Patricia, will you will I'm you, well, sure, I can will you set it up? I'm playing the role of Red Skelton here. All children should be taught to live clean and healthful lives and respect law and order. This goes for Junior, the mean widow kid. Junior, where are you? What are you doing? I'm sliding down the banister. Did you remove my vase from the bottom step? <laughs> yes, I did. Junior, now you're going to get a whipping. Oh, no, 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 no. Not after I've been sliding down the banister. Come on, give me time to get cool off, kiddo. <laughs> Junior, what am I going to do with you? Why? I don't know. I don't know. Why don't you play outside with that rubber ball you found yesterday? No, no. I might run into it with a boy I found it from. Junior, you mean that ball belongs to another boy? Well, sort of. Get the hairbrush so I can spank you? Oh, I don't know where it is, but my hair, here. You can throw this rock at me. <laughs> oh, there, there. Pick it up. Here. Hit me with it now. Hit me with it now. Junior. No, no, I'm a bad boy. Go ahead, go ahead. I wouldn't do that. I should be punished. Go ahead, throw that lock at me. <laughs> it's wicked anyhow. I'm the worst little boy in the whole world. You're not, Junior, no. Oh, yes, I is, yes, I is, yes, I is. You're really a very nice boy. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Oh, bless his little heart. No, 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 don't bless me, little heart. No, no, I'm bad. That's all. That's all. No, you're very nice, Junior. Well, if you insist. Junior. Hmm? I'm going to take a walk. Do you want to go with me? Well, why are you always taking walks? Because walking helps you take off weight. Take off weight? Goodness. I is puny now. <laughs> My wigs are so bony, but there were no dogs following me around. You know, we get the bottles, you know. <laughs> Let's go, Junior. Who knows? You might find and meet some nice little boys along the way. Well, in that case, I better wear me brass knuckles, eh? <laughs> That's enough, young man. Come on. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, my, isn't it a beautiful day? Yes, it is. But I do wish the city would clean up those gutters. Why? Didn't Grandpa come home last night? Junior, your grandfather got home very early. Oh, that's funny I didn't hear him come in. <laughs> Look, young man. They sirens this time, did they? Look, young man, you're getting too big for your britches. Oh, yes, I know. You know, every time I bend over, the buttons grab on for dear life, you know. It's, it's really embarrassing. Hey, has I grown up much since you perceived me? Oh, yes, I'll never forget when you were born. Really, Grandma? Did you remember it? Yes, it haunts me day and night. Yeah, mm-hmm. Oh, 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 look, look down in the corner there. Look, look at the kids playing policemen. Down there. Down there. 
They're not playing junior. They are policemen. Really? I read in the paper where they are organizing the junior police force. Oh, you mean you're out to get me, huh? No, Junior. You see, our town is following the lead of Phoenix, Arizona, and many other cities are forming a junior police force. Oh! These children stand on the street corners and guide other children across the street on the way to school. Oh, that, that's why I'm going to join that, too. Oh, you can't join, Junior, until you start school. Start to school? You mean carry books and pencils? Yes. And study and learn to read and write? Yes. And bring the teacher an apple? Yes. And play with the other kids at recess? Yes, that's right. You couldn't get me to do that with a straight jacket on. Well, if you're anxious to join the, pol the junior police, you'll have to promise to do all you can to make your home and your town a safe place to live in. Oh, well, I was getting tired of me chemistry set anyway, <laughs> you know. Oh, who's that driving up? <gasps> it's the cops. I knew he finally tracked me down. Get me out of here. Let's check it on the lamb. <laughs> Jigs up, kiddo. <laughs> oh, no. Junior, come back here. <laughs> I'll meet you in the brochure. I know a doctor that can change me face. Oh, that child. Good afternoon, madam. What is it you want, officer? I came to see your little boy. What's he done? Well, I don't think, I don't think he's done anything. You must be a stranger in town. Well, I just thought I wanted to meet the little fellow and see if he wanted to join the junior police force. Oh, he'd love to. Won't you come in, officer? Ah, uh, thank you, madam. <coughs> junior, where are you? Junior, I see you under the sofa. Stroll, pigeon. Come out from there. Oh, right now, you need a mob, eh? Did you hear me? Come out from under there. Oh, yeah. Hello, little fella. Oh, how are you? Oh, just, just wanted to see if you wanted to join the junior police force. Well, well, I, I may, I may, I'm... But I'm feeling kind of terrible. I've been I've been in bed two days with three day measles, and it's catching too. I'm sick some among us. I will. I will. Don't be so fresh. Well, he's the one that's fresh. He spoke to me, and I don't even know him. Well, no, Sonny. I just really look like you're a really nice little fellow. Well, you better take another look, bud. <laughs> hey. Yes, and you will wear a red uniform and a badge and blow a police whistle if you join the force. Oh, I do believe I've died and gone to heaven. Hmm. And, and what about that? Well, I got news for you. You're a really windy old bird, ain't you? <laughs> oh, wait, boy. I can't wait to be a junior policeman. I, I see some guy driving by, and, and I stop him and just, just let me get my hands on him. Just let me get my hands on him. You seem a little young for this, but really we want to have all of them join before they start school. Well, I tell you what, I would, if I was pulling some over, I, I would pull them over and I'd say, well, why don't you drive over to Schroer and, and see our city? Or would you rather drive faster and see our jail? Or would you rather see some, some little kid get killed because of your carelessness? 
you see, Mr. Driver, you have to protect us little kids because I mean, we've been taught that no one really wants to hurt us. And, and that's why sometimes we went out in the street. We, we, we just don't think. And if you don't stop, you're, you're crazy driving. You might hit a man, woman, or child, or, or even a little animal. Regardless of what it is, if, if you carelessly take a sight, you'll be responsible for that lonely feeling that's left in a home when that loved one never returns. And the memory of a, of a lifeless widow body won't be worth the five minutes that you try to save by speeding. <laughs> now, now, don't get mad, Mr. Driver, when I, when I give you this ticket, because it's merely a memo of safety and not a punishment. I'm proud of that, Junior. You are? Well, okay. But, but when I get to be a policeman... There can be no more spanking, you know, because because when you arrest an officer, you'll take him along with your own hands. And I'll send you so far up the river, kid, oh boy, it would take Eskimos to deliver the mail to you. Well, starting right now, you must try to be a good little boy so that the junior police will take you in. That's what I'm going to do. And right now, I'm going to go upstairs and take that bear trap and that five-inch firecracker out of Grandpa's bed. <laughs> oh, no! It's too late! Oh! <laughs> you are so good, Brian! Oh, you're a good grandma! You Walden? are a mean widow kid! Walden, don't take at me. Uh, you, you're very convincing. Well, you know, I, 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 I screwed up a couple lines, but hey, we pulled it off. Hey, we, we, I, you know, I, we all, I, I think I screwed up a couple. I think Patricia was the ace here. Oh, she was awesome. Oh, uh, no, you were on the spot. So that, that concludes the inaugural skit, the comedy skit on Walden's show. Oh, that's right. Right, and my oh, inaugural um, appearance, oh, it's the inaugural show, it's my premiere, right? Yeah, wow, yeah. your premiere. You know what, cracks me up and still cracks me up every time I hear it. And I'm so proud of myself when he's hiding behind the sofa and she says, I see you. And he says, stool pigeon. <laughs> 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 it, just, it just cracks me up. I was listening to this show a couple of minutes ago. I listened to it three times. And every time he gets to the stool pigeon, it just cracks me up. Great, was, great comedy writing, fantastic comedy writing that uh, that uh, st is still funny this day. And your, the star will be placed on your dressing room door tomorrow, Patricia. Well, I, thank you. A half a star anyway, maybe a half moon. Um, did Red Skelton ad-lib any of his lines? Yeah. Many, many, many lines. In fact, you know, a lot of the times those would be the, the funniest lines that he would just kind of throw in there. He could And uh, I was reading that he, you know, he wanted to write everything. It was pretty much the sponsors, the, the network pretty much got him writers uh, to, to relieve the burden and the stress and the pressure from having to produce, you know, a, a half-hour comedy show every week all on his own. But, but he, uh, he... He was doing his own writing? No, his wife was. Oh, yeah. She, well, was she, like, one of the folks that kind of picked up? Because at the beginning, I heard it was all him. And, uh, and well, he was kind of like a, a perfectionist, and, and uh, it was, he had to be convinced to... Yeah. Uh, Actually, oh, well, actually, he could not read and write, so you had he probably came up with the dialogue and memorized it, because Troy Mitchell and others who worked with them said he couldn't read and write. So he just basically he, he just the script was for everybody else then. Yeah. Wow, what a what a comedy for genius. everybody else. But uh, he, you know, growing up and surviving in an adult world, 
without being able to read or write for whatever the reason, takes an incredible development of other skills in order to pull this off. Well, that's why, partly, it probably explains why he had an after show. Because that's when he got through the radio show and spent the next half hour entertaining the audience with his pantomime routine. Mm-hmm. He probably was so relieved that he got through the radio broadcast that he just held everybody over yeah. and did his routine. It makes it very understandable why he would balk at turning over the production of storylines to writers. Yeah. He he knew his characters. He lived his characters. He knew what they were going to say. No matter what else went on around him, he would have a line for it. But you can't do that when other people are writing the lines for you. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. And he was such a marvelous artist. He, he was, did. he was. You know, I think one of the wonderful things, too, is that there's so many of his shows that survive. A lot mm-hmm. of programs, uh, like, for instance, I Love a Mystery. You know, a tremendous amount of those programs are just gone forever. But uh, the amount of skeleton shows that uh, are available on the Internet uh, is just phenomenal. And it's just wonderful because, uh, you know, you get so much, so many skits. You get so much of the Mean Little Kid. You get so many Red Skeleton performances. And actually, uh, all the shows were preserved. Uh, I know the people did the transfer work. Uh, and I know his second wife, who is uh, Lothian, and I'm just a little disappointed, but uh, the Rail Spirits hasn't released all of them yet. But they, they all of them do survive. That's that good. is amazing. How, did, how and why did that happen for the Red Skelton show and not for some of the others? You know, I think this is just my theory. I think in Hollywood they did a better job preserving all the nighttime premiere comedy shows. You think about it, Jack Benny, Fred McGee Molly, The Great Joe's Leave, Red Skelton, Bob Hope, all those shows were pretty much preserved intact. We don't see, we, it hasn't leaked into the uh, collector's hands yet, but all those, Lux Radio Theater, all of them were all pretty much, stuff out of Chicago, very little was saved. Stuff in New York, in terms of overall percentages, not as much was saved. So it's hmm. luck. Luck, luck plays a part. Ah, uh, yes. I suppose that's that's true. Um, you know, so many. I I listen to Frank Brzee, and hear the stories that he tells, and some of the others, um, Gloria McMillan and Shirley Mitchell. Occasionally, we'll talk about the scripts just being tossed. We get to the end of the show, and out they go, um, and transcriptions and recordings that were used, you know, a second time, they, they were run through a second time, and it, it's just astounding that as many, uh, how, I mean, how many how many thousands are out there that people have unearthed in garages and um, old stores and collections of people who have died? How many thousands are out there? Well, right now, we think 200,000 shows have survived. And to think about it, in the mid-60s, in the general circulation of the hobby, about 200 shows were out there. So just think, from in 40 years, almost, what, 45 years, think of huh? from 200 to 200,000 shows. And you know that more are going to... Show up. Uh, I mean, every day yeah. is a potential discovery for shows that are out there. It's just astounding with the practices and the, the 
and I can't fault them. I mean, it's a casual attitude. You finish with something, you say, okay, let's move on to the next. Who knew at that time that there would be such, uh, such an attitude that these are treasures? Nobody knew then. Nobody. Frankly, he knew. I've heard a couple of people tell me that the uh, United States military has a, a warehouse somewhere full of uh, AR, uh, AFRS disks. In Germany, they, ha- they kept one million uh, recordings. That's amazing. Yeah. And I-, I imagine all one million of those recordings have not been transcribed. Uh, correct. Eventually, they moved to the Library of Congress, and not all of them have been transcribed. Well, Nolan, Kenner is, Nolan Kenner is going to be talking with us next weekend on Saturday, and Nolan spent time in Germany and has some thoughts and some information about the uh, the shows that are warehoused over there. Really? Wow. I, I spent two years over there, too, in Air Force, so I, uh, I, I had no idea. If I'd known, I might have tried to sneak in and uh, grab a couple of this. <laughs> it's funny. Um, Nolan was in entertainment and recording, and uh, he was out interviewing people and broadcasting. So it's going to be really an interesting chat with him next week. I'm really looking forward to it. But uh, please call in and ask him some questions about shows that might have survived over there, and I'm confident he'll have some information. And also maybe any news on maybe if someday this uh, this treasure trove will uh, make its way to the ears of uh, old-time radio fans all over the world. Could be. Mm-hmm. Could be. Which would be wonderful. Well, Agreed. Now, I had a question in my head for you. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it, and it ran away while I had my mouth going. <laughs> well, Brian, can I have you – can I ask you to do your Danny Kay routine? You have oh, that script yes. handy? You know, it's not so much a routine as it is just a simple uh, uh, listing of a number of uh, of, of uh, mus- uh, composers. Gosh, you think you, you think you can brush it off and show it to us now? Uh, you know, let's, let's see. There, uh, how many were there? There was maybe fifty of them. I I think I read fifty one. Do you remember any of them at all? Or? Tchaikovsky. No, Tchaikovsky. There's uh, Malachowski, Rubinstein, Ravinsky, and Tchaikovsky. Sepelnikov, Dmitriev, Shrepnik, Krasinovsky, Gadowski, Artis, Brustev, Von Yusko, Akimenko, Soloviev, Prokofiev, Theopenko, Rosheko, Rosgoyton, Wittner, Bortniansky, Rebekah, Valinsky, Emetner, Balakirov, Zora, Toro, Venkujinsky, and Sokolov, and Kopolov, Dukowski, and Kronovsky, and Shostakovich, Borodin, Gliari, Nowakowski, there's Lyodov, and Karaganov, Markevich, Penchenko, and Zorgomisky, Shabakovsky, Yavin, Vasilinko, Savinsky, Dimsi, Korsakov, Mososki, and Gretchenov, and Glazano, and Sezaku, Kalinikov, Akmanov, Sorovinsky, and Gretchenov, Vemshinsky, and Akmanov. I really ought to stop the subject has been dwelt upon enough. Stravinsky, Gretchenov, Sorovinsky, Gretchenov. I really ought to stop it. We all have gone there, gone enough. I... Woo! I think I got them all. Did I miss any? You did it, Brian! Yay! Amazing. All right, now I've got a whole bunch of questions. And I'll, I'll, rem- I'll remember the one later. Who, who wrote that? How did you listen to it um, in order to be able to <laughs> memorize this and, and pronounce all of these names? Did you have a script to work from? And what kind of recordings were you listening to um, of Danny Kay? And were you repeating as, how did you do this? That's a good question. Um, gosh, I wish I knew the answer. Oh, oh, uh, I guess I do know the answer. Um, I, I actually, 
in order, I, I came up with the idea, what would I have to do with reps that would be really fun? And it was like, oh, I love that bit. But it's like, where in the world can you come up with the, the list of the name of Russian composers? And then I went off to the internet, and of course, you know, there's a, there was a link out there to that particular skit. I'm going to try and find it now. And it had information about the, it was originally, I guess, a poem somebody had written. And let me see if I can find it here. I'm going to go Danny Kay. And also his, Russian his wife, Susan. Yeah, Cynthia Fine, they, they, she, they collaborated quite a bit in the early days. I don't know if she wrote, helped write this part. Um, there we go. This is actually Tchaikovsky's song under Wikipedia. There we go. Oh, I love the information. Uh, it's a patter, a patter song with lyrics by, get this, Ira Gershwin. Wow. Really? And uh, Danny Kaye first performed it in 1941 in the Broadway musical Lady in the Dark. And in, in his lyrics, Gershwin used the alternate spelling Tchaikovsky in place of the more widely expected modern translation. Uh, so, wonderful, wonderful thing is I went to, um, I saw this on the internet, and I saw a little link at the bottom that said, lyrics at wiki, wiki, uh, lyrics wiki. Uh -huh. And I popped it up, and there was all those difficult to name Russian names wow. in the original kind of uh, poem form. Uh -huh. So I just cut and pasted that, and then listened to the original performance and went, oh my gosh. This is going to be tough. So I just started practicing it over and over and over and over and over and trying to um, try and, you know, say the names and kind of the way that he did it uh, because it's very musical. It's, it's, very, uh -huh. it's very, I think it's very beautiful. I think it's a, a beautiful performance. And I, I don't even do it half as well as Danny Kaye did. But uh, according to Wikipedia, it's, it's the first bit he learned, and he just kept doing it over and over through his entire career. Trying to, it got to the point where he just tried, would try to best his last time. And the very first. In, in terms of the amount of time, the number of seconds. Uh, yeah, yeah. In fact, the, uh, one or two uh, seconds, he'd be thrilled. Yeah, and I was able to locate uh, his very first radio program, Danny Kay's uh, program, show number one, which is up on uh, archive.org. They have a number of the Danny Kay shows, and I highly uh -huh. recommend you go in to listen to them because they're all great. Uh, but he did it on that show with uh, Eve Arden, introduced him in, I think it was 38 seconds. And um, that's the one I started practicing with, and oh my gosh, that was just that was just crazy. And then I, I went out to YouTube, and there's a different version of him doing it at a much slower pace. And that's the one that I I started practicing with because mm -hmm. it was it was somewhat humanly possible to try and keep up with that <laughs> one. And uh, so that's the one I practiced over and over and over. And I, I think it was like two weeks before the convention that I really that I actually got these lyrics and started practicing and. Uh, it was like four days before the convention, and I still hadn't got it down. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I am just not going to be able to do this one. I'm going to have to come up with some way to, to gracefully bow out. But the, uh, for the last four days, I just kept, kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. And then I went to the rehearsal and uh, gave it a shot and was able to make it through. And, um, and then during the performance, I, I lucked out again and was able to make it through again. And Ed Silverman's wife came to me afterwards and said, you know what? Ed was at the rehearsal. And, and you know what he said to me? He said, there's no way he's going to be able to do that again. No way. So uh, when I was able to pull it off, it made me happy because uh, there's a smile on Ed Silverman's face because uh, wow. I, think I, I think I surprised him being able to pull it off two times in a row. But uh, And now it's getting to the point where, you know, I'm, I'm, I think my next challenge is I'm going to try and be able to memorize this and not actually have, a, have to look at a script or a piece of paper to run through it. And then once I do that, then I'm going to take on Danny Kaye's uh, challenge and I'm going to, See, I'm going to time myself and uh, see if I can uh, improve the speed on it to maybe, maybe, maybe someday 
get to uh, 38 seconds. Wow. I had at one time, until it finally kicked up its little pedals and died, I had a tape transcriber that had a foot pedal. And you put um, a, a cassette tape and a tape recorder, hook this thing up, and I could actually slow down or speed up the tape depending on where I put my foot on this on this pedal. It was just something that sat underneath the desk. So I could slow down a tape sufficiently that I could keep up and accurately type. And, you know, it was just a little bit slower. And honestly, I thought that's what you had done, that you had found a way to slow down a tape and, you know, practice it at a much slower pace and then start picking it up from there. You are absolutely amazing. I, I just, I, I can't imagine doing that, Brian. I cannot imagine being able to accomplish what you just did. Well, thank you. Uh, and you know what? I, I think, I think, you know, I've listened to him. He, he is such a great artist. You know, I'm an amateur. And, and when he did this, not only did he rattle off those names, but he sang it in a way that was just musically beautiful. And he sang with maybe, an orchestra. Maybe someday I can get there, but uh, for me right actually, now, just to try and make a few of these names, my goodness gracious. And yeah, he, did, he, he actually performed it. With an orchestra. It wasn't a matter of just standing there and saying this and then developing a musical tone. He actually performed while he was saying that. Yeah, in, in, in kind of a, a kind of a Russian musical number, you know, it, uh, mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's, you know, it, I, I honestly think it's one of the greatest comedy bits ever. And uh, and it was it was just my way of uh, trying to to bring bring that piece you know back to, to people's ears and make them laugh and and we got some good laughs on that one too. It was Chuck McCann and I. Chuck was doing uh, Bob Hope, and uh, I kind of you know came in on a it was on a War Bonds uh, skit we were doing. Did the uh, the Danny Kaye bit and we got a, we got a good hand. So it was it was a thrill for me not only to do the Danny Kaye bit but. I was on stage with Chuck McCann doing comedy. It was like, wow, talk about dream come true. Talk about way cool experience. Uh, yeah, so it was uh, It was definitely, uh, you know, something I'll never forget as long as I live, just being able to uh, have that experience. And, you know, it was all because Ira Gershwin spent the time to, to write a great poem, a funny poem. You know, Danny Kaye uh -huh. then, you know, took it and made it his own and, uh, and, and gave, me, gave me something that I could copy. Um, uh, a, a great a bit of comedy that uh, that that needs to be uh, that needs to be shared with folks. You know, it, yeah. you can still put smiles on people's faces. So, indeed, I have a question for you. Did you? I enjoy don't know if I have an answer. Did you enjoy the convention? and just just beaming with what went on and how the performances went. What was your favorite performance? Oh, boy. You know, once in a lifetime, uh, something amazing happens. And being able to be sit in the audience and watch Norman Corwin direct a radio play. Whoa. It's like in the 21st century, 2010, Mr. Norman Corwin is directing a radio show that um, is as as valid and as important and as as essential and as meaningful today as it was the day it was written in the 20th century. That was like that was a that was a wild experience to uh, see him talk 
see him uh, do an interview and, and then see him, you know, actually direct a show. Oh, my goodness gracious. We've got, um, we've got people listening. Would you give, um, <laughs> if it's possible, uh, a brief rundown on who Norman Corwin is and what he directed? I think we need the Encyclopedia of Radio to step in and give us accurate information on uh, one of one of the giants, one of the the greatest writers of the 20th century. Uh, that says it all. Walden. Who, the who giant. me? Who me? Yeah, give us give us give us um, a brief uh, Walden Hughes encyclopedic uh, rundown in um, 40 words or less of Norman Corwin. Norman Corwin, one of the most legendary. Writers, directors of old-time radio, to just celebrate his 100th birthday, went up to reps, and uh, what they decided to do, they did the play called Untitled, which is um, it's sort of a appropriate story to find out uh, a gentleman who served the country, did a narration, and all the people he affected in his life, from his, his mom, his sweetheart, his teachers, his, his buddies in the service, uh, a look back, and he's doing a narration, and you hear these people drop in, and you find out at, at the end that the guy who was doing the narration, the soldier, was killed in battle, and he was sort of reflecting what his life was like, what kind of impact he had, and so that's when you found out he was the guy that everybody was talking about. Sort of a very strong feeling what uh, war was like in a personal realm back in World War II and, and how affected it is today. Uh -huh. our, our friends and guys who serve and fight for us in Afghanistan and Iraq today um, one... You know, one, one of the things that was so different and it's easy to forget uh, in World War II is that we didn't have the communication systems that we have today. Right. Everybody knows what's going on in Iraq. Everybody knows what's going on, or, or at least we have available, uh, and it's up to people to take advantage of the information and the news and the videos that we have. But that wasn't available in World War II. It was very easy to feel uh, it was almost surreal. Well, that's why I think so far away. It was it was in countries nobody had ever visited, and this brought it home. Yeah. Everybody could identify with this person who was reflecting. And everybody. That's probably explain why Ernie Pyle was such a beloved figure. Took, Both, took, the, took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. yeah. What a what an amazing American. Yeah. I mean, I've read I've read books in order to uh, compile his 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 articles in his life, mm -hmm. and there there was somebody who, the GIs related to, because he was in, the, he swept with them, he fought with them, he he was in the uh, foxhole. And, and he, he stepped in front of a microphone and he, and he told America what was going on. Yeah, and he wrote those famous articles and sent them back to America, and he was killed in action. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, he, he died six days after Roosevelt. And it was, he was so important that Truman decided to announce his death pro, uh, to the public. He didn't let the normal channels do it. Yeah. And to think about it, because World War II, you had that. As Patricia pointed out, the communication factor um, wasn't instantaneously like we see today. 
And what you had was at a significant delay. Mm-hmm. It it was on even uh, we'll talk about the George Hicks. I mean that was a marvel that they had something in 24 hours. Right. It it was a miracle. I mean it was just mind boggling to people at that time to have that kind of information and recording available to them in such a short period of time. We get it as it's happening. Right. So I think I and every single person that made it to uh, that reps um, convention that was there for that, that Corwin um, production will never forget it as long as you live. And, you know, that was worth the price of the whole weekend right there. But, you know, on top of that, you know, there was Chuck McCann. There was the great Bob Hastings. Uh, treat of all treats to be able to uh, see Robert Easton oh, uh, perform. And I got, I was lucky enough to actually act with him uh, on three occasions. And he did uh, Tex Barton, uh, dead on spot on, fantastic, you know, Tex, Tex Barton. You know, he created the role. Uh, then he played uh, the, the lead role in The Twilight Zone that was originally portrayed by uh, Burgess Meredith in the TV show with uh, Jan Merlin playing the, uh, the chancellor. He played Romney Wordsworth, uh, Robert Easton did. And then he did um, a Greek accent playing uh, the character of Sir Galahad in the Spence episode, The Ten Grand, which was originally uh, a Lucille Ball vehicle. And uh, um, uh, Heather Woodruff Perry uh, took over the, uh, the Lucille Ball role. So seeing those two together, um, performing together, was, was very, very special. It was very magical. It was, it was, uh, it was you know, it was one of those ones you get the tingles because it's just so, so amazing. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the Bond show, you know, all these, these great, different recreations one after another to see um a great gildersleeve recreation with uh, the great the great uh, shirley mitchell uh doing the role she created as wow. Leela ransom mm-hmm. yep um then of course there was the great our miss brooks recreation where you had not only robert easton who was on that show um but you also had gloria mcmillan and uh the stretch uh snodgrass which is oh I, his name uh excuse me Lenny smith Leonard Smith, who um, was making his first appearance in front of a microphone at an old-time radio recreation in ever, I guess. Do. I did not know that. How, um, what is he doing today? What or a weekend. Do? What a weekend. After? Oh, my gosh, Patricia, what a weekend. Oh. <laughs> well, we've, people have been looking for him. Radio lovers, Evan. Yeah, but, no, I was, I was asking about Leonard Smith, that if this, was his first participation in reenactments. Where has he been between the end of Our Miss Brooks and today? People didn't know. And he, on Christmas card, Christmas Eve, Roy McMillan called me and said, Walden, I got a Christmas card from Wendell Smith. And she, you know, Gloria loves what we do. And she said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to sell him on coming to Seattle. And when I got on the phone with her and I said, you know, you've been the most asked person for Seattle for years. No, nobody. <laughs> yes. And That's cute. Yeah. That's and so what he wound up doing after our Miss Brooks, uh, he uh, went ahead and worked in the newspaper business for LA Times. Mm-hmm. He wrote TV scripts. And then he uh, started to do... Um, uh, worked for uh, the Brothers of the Holy Cross, I believe, the uh, Catholic Society, the, and helped them out, and then he got married, 
And for 26 years, he wound up being <clears throat> an English slash drama teacher in high school. Wow. <laughs> oh, Miss Brooks. Yes. So oh, poor Stretch wound up being an English teacher, I guess. Oh, my goodness. You know, that somebody has to write about that. Yeah. So we had four original cast members on stage from Goya. Stuffy played some little kid parts in during the book show. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Remember, I don't know if you ever heard the show where Miss Brooks get stuck with babysitting two little boys. Oh, yes. It's, because it was one the older yeah. one bailed out. And uh-huh. He later found out his mother had had a baby yep. she, and she was in the hospital. Stuffy won, Stuffy won little kids in that. Oh, gosh. That was, that was a good one. Boy, yeah. those kids were good. Oh, yeah. and then They were brats. And then Tech, and then uh, our Robert Eaton had his original role, Tech Barton, and so we wrote that in. So uh-huh. we had four original cast members up on stage at the same time, doing, you know, being part of the show. Wow! They all nailed it, each and every one. And I got lucky enough to do the the uh, Gail Gordon role of uh, Osgood Conklin. Do me a little well, bit. Give me, me a line from Osgood Conklin. Uh, let me take a look. Do I have the script handy? Let me see. Pretend. Uh, where's where is the script, Alan Miss Brooks? Patricia got the Brilliantly put, Miss Brooks. Because <laughs> 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 that goes like that. Just do it. Le- Leonard, Leonard was nice enough to say, hey, that was a great conklet. Oh, oh, I was like, wow, if anybody's going to compliment me on that, you you actually worked with Gail Gordon. So and I was like, yes, thank you. I did a good job. <laughs> but um, yeah, without a doubt, uh, dream come true stuff for an old time radio fan like myself. Without a doubt, uh, Brian didn't work for... to be there, but be up there uh, with those those tremendously talented and amazing artists. Brian only did five shows this weekend. The weekend before, I put him in nine, but you know, you know, I figured Brian wanted to jo- impress everybody. Brian arranged for some friends. Uh, a, the one to help us on tech, and B. You help arrange for a camera person to be there to videotape the whole convention for us. Yeah, you know, my, the friend of mine who um, uh, ended up doing the audio work, he, he said, wow, he says, boy, this is really cool. He got uh, to be involved with the, uh, the Norman Corwin uh, production. So I actually talked to him because I was in another room, and he says, wow, wow. I go, why? He says, the first run-through, uh, he said, I was like thinking, boy, uh, this isn't very good. And he says, then they went through it a second time. Then they went through it a third time. And he says, when we did the performance, he says, I got chills. He said, he said it was amazing to watch this, this process mm-hmm. where these amazing, uh, talented artists take that script, work it uh, to the point where it, it's a fantastic performance. He was, uh, he was just blown away at being able to not only you know, see that process, but actually you know, help participate. And this was the first radio convention he's ever been to. We, just, we needed yeah. somebody, and he flew from Omaha on Thursday night. Friday morning, he walked into the Seattle, and there he's helping us, and he got blown away. Because he wasn't, you know, never, never been exposed to radio like this. No, no, and uh, but uh, he was thrilled and just, uh, just had an amazing time, and uh, and wants, and is now a fan. Now hey. an old time, an old time radio fan was born. And then uh, we had actually three, three digital video cameras we brought in, and a lot of times my friend John, who he had two of the cameras, he would be working sound, and I would be like in rehearsals. So a third friend of mine, Alina Polishuk, she actually came out and volunteered to uh, run the cameras. And she was great. She, uh, she not only recorded, you know, the actual performances, but she went into the table reads, uh, you know, actually documented, you know, on, on video that, that process of, 
the, the table read with Robert Easton and Jan Merlin for the Twilight Zone and, and also for the suspense episode. And then she, you know, actually taped some of the tech rehearsals and then the actual performances themselves. Um, she was there for the uh, tribute. She caught my captured and also John, John and her both with two cameras. Um, they captured the tribute uh, for uh, Robert Easton. And then uh, after everyone had uh, abandoned the room, she sat and she did like a like a 30-minute interview with Robert, uh, talking about his career and working with people like Al Pacino. So all this footage we now have, we've got like about 30, 30 hours of footage that we're going to load onto a terabyte drive and start editing down. And, and hopefully it'll be something that reps can distribute for, you know, to uh, reps members. Uh, so it's great, great, a great reason to join reps. If you haven't joined reps already, go to the website, repsonline.org, join up, um, because I'm sure at some point in the future um, that uh, the documentary that we kind of distill from all those hours of footage will be made available for folks to uh, to enjoy. And it's it's going to be an amazing 90 to 120 minutes uh, of uh, of some fantastic stuff that we were able, to, we were lucky enough to capture. Uh, and not just the veterans, too, some, some, uh, some of the folks that are up and coming folks, like is Kate McKnight. Yep. She, oh my goodness! Remember, a star is born. A star is born. Kate. Uh, Kate was. My goodness. Kate is remember 19, that name. Kate is nineteen. Everybody. Uh, last year she performed at the. Uh, uh, she was our Dorothy in Wizard of Oz, and she performed at Carnegie Hall, with her choir group, and this year Greg Oppenheimer. Uh, his, his dad wrote the very first Screen Girl show, January 8th, 1939. Wanted a couple of writers on that, starring Jack Benny, uh, Judy Garland, and Joan Crawford. Chuck McCann played the Jack Benny role. It was their tribute to Eddie Carroll. We did a spur back, back in 2007. You saw this, Patricia. You, my, this was the second recreation. Uh-huh. And Greg added a new element into this. He had Kate play the Judy Garland role and had Kate sing the song that Judy Garland did to Clark Gable. And, uh, let's see, what was the title? Remember, Brian, let's see, t- I'll t- tell you, Mr. Gable. Um, I'm trying to think of the, I have to pull out the recording. But anyway, she did a, such a bang-up job. You made me love you. You yeah. made me, and she sang it just like Judy Garland. Just like Judy Garland did in 1934, and that would have been when Judy would have been about 13. And Kate... And if, if you had told me that anyone could sing that song as powerfully and, and in such a fantastic manner as Judy, I would have said, yeah, yeah, right, it could happen. But boy, she did it. She nailed it. Not, she had a home run, I mean... Holy moly! It was amazing. I mean, it was it was truly a fantastic uh, experience to see her sing that because, man, she uh, what happened? She sung it just as good as Judy did. And what happened? She went up to the green room. My mom and dad ran the green room this year, and uh, so a lot of the actors enjoyed hanging out there just to talk. And Robert Easton and Chuck McCann were enjoying their Friday afternoon up there swapping. And Kate came in and they asked Kate. To sing that song a cappella to them in the green room. Whoa! Then, then Patricia, that Friday night, and I'll have Brian describe what happened. Uh, Chuck sort of introduced the part and mentioned that he lost his good friend Eddie Carroll. And a few months before that, he lost his son. Oh, I did not know that. No, when he we, uh, we didn't know that until he mentioned that. 
and yeah, so it was it was a kind of an emotional uh, moment and beginning to the show, without a doubt. And describe Brian what was happening when Kate was singing live in front of the uh, the performers. I mean, well, before you know, the audience. That that event, we lost our camera first, and so I went and I grabbed the camera and and I wanted to to capture it. So I was just filming Kate as she went up there, and for some reason, the shot I had it was just Kate and Chuck in the back. It was just like a two shot. And then she went into that song, and it was so powerful and so heartfelt and so amazing that um, I looked in the back, and, and Chuck had started to cry. She, um, she, the song was so beautifully done. You know, it was just, it just broke his heart. And uh, he just had to take off his glasses and, uh, and, and wipe the tears from his eyes for quite a bit. And uh, I think... Um, Afterwards, Kate said that after the performance, you know, he came up to her and told her what just a, a fantastic job she did, and uh, she had no idea that how much she had she had touched his heart. And I told her, you know, you brought you you, you made Chuck cry. You did such a great job. And she says, what? She says, oh my gosh. She goes, if you have the footage, please share it with me because I'd love to see that because I had no idea. I had no idea. So that's definitely something that. Uh, that uh, we're going to get to Kate and, uh, and and should be on the DVD that we uh, we ship out. It, it truly was a, a it, it was a magical moment, um, and you know it made me cry too. You know it did it, it was uh, it choked everybody up, and uh, just one of many 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 amazing uh, experiences and moments at uh, at the Reps uh, Showcase. So uh, is so the Wizard it, still up on YouTube? Can people see Kate? Uh, they can go. They can go to um, repshowcase.org. Let's see, repshowcase.com. Click on YouTube. You'll hear her do the Wizard of Oz. There's a ten-minute version. But you won't actually see her. It's actually no. the images are all uh, like stills from the actual film, and it's okay. It's only it's only a ten-minute excerpt. That, you know, I the rep should really make that available. They should. Uh, In fact, I can, way, shape, it was form. available. I saw it last year after the convention. Which is how I knew how fabulous the performance was. And I still have, I found, I came across my version of Wizard of Oz today, so we're going to need to sneak that in here sometime this year. And as, as I say, it was up on YouTube. Yeah. And there's the 10 minute version still up there, but I don't think, I don't think it's a cast video, it's just the audio, I think. On YouTube, yeah, just, I saw the video. Okay. Oh, really? Well, I'm going to have to go searching. I'm Maybe somebody else posted it. Yeah, could be. Hmm. Maybe maybe you're telling me I didn't see something that I thought <laughs> I saw, uh, which is entirely possible. I mean, I'm not. Um, so all the I, wonderful folks out there, listen. If you love old time radio, uh, June of 2012. Um, make sure you're at the Rep Showcase. Don't miss it. There's going to be something amazing that happens. That oh, you'll be so sorry you missed. Two oh, I'm going to do this next year. You, it's in two years. Oh wait, oh, I, I'm uh, I'm a year ahead of myself. 2011. Yep. Yeah, it is, yeah. It make it plans is. for 2011 okay. and 2012 and 2013 <clears throat> and 2014. Okay. Just, you might as well do it right now. You might get a, like a, make, make yeah, like maybe a, a bargain get, deal on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put it on your calendar and um, get season tickets for the next 10 years <laughs> and you'll get a break. This is good. This is good. Now, my question, what is Kate doing when she's not at reps? She's going to school. Uh-huh. Uh, she really wants to be an actress. So she's been taking drama, uh, th th theater in Seattle, 
and she just loves Gloria McMillan. Every Gloria always encouraged her. Uh, we, last year we had Gloria direct the Wizard of Oz with Kate and Brian in it. And then I think they gave each other a big hug, I think. I, at least I, Gloria was giving at least I a hug. I mean, I know how nervous she was, how the rehearsal wasn't always this smooth, and we didn't have enough time. But somehow, Brian, you and Kate pulled that thing off. I think everybody, Bob Hastings is the wizard, yeah. Dave Selvig is the Tin Man, Ron Cocking as the, the Scarecrow, no, was that uh, as the Scarecrow, um, uh, uh, or was it Jean Olivier de Toto, I yep. mean, right on the money, it was it was a blast. And of course, Heather Wood of Perry as the, as the Good Witch, Yep. Um, we had the Wicked Witch was, oh my gosh. Elizabeth Ripley. Oh, wow, Elizabeth Ripley is so awesome. Yep. She's the best Gracie Ellen, and she helped me out with Danny K. bit doing the... Uh, the shout out of the uh, Stra- uh, Stravinsky at the end of the Danny uh, K bit, but yeah, uh, yeah. If you play that, let me know. I want to hear. You want to hear that? I want to play. I want to play. I want to play. You want to play? I want to play. I I need to um, make a click in your ear and change phones. Okay. That, that is Patricia. She's switching phones. Did I do a good job? You did awesome. Good. All right. Um, I I have um, a cordless phone with a nice headset so I can walk around with it, but it only works if the battery is charged. So uh, I, I, it was chirping at me. It chirps when uh, when it wants to be recharged, so I apologize for the noise. That's all right. The end. Boy, but Walden, he got far away. Well, come you know back, what, Walden, you know what, come you know, back. You know what I was doing? What? Uh. Uh, let's, show the magic, let's show the magic bunny here. Let's pop this open. Nothing like Walden living in his bedroom. It helps. And helps to have, you know. What I and let's, it, uh, let's, uh, let's throw the magic switch. And let's enjoy a few minutes of this look back at reps. For the Lux Radio Theater, which follows momentarily. This is WJSV Washington. Roma Wines, those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness in entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now, a glass full would be very pleasant. If any week in the year deserves the name Hospitality Week, this is it, says famed hostess Elsa Maxwell. I keep a festive spirit bright by entertaining with Roma California wine. Whether I serve glorious amber Roma sherry, warm heartening Roma port, rich golden Roma muscatel, or flame bright Roma tokay, I know I have chosen a wine my friends thoroughly enjoy. Like all Roma wine, these Roma desert wines are true vines. Crushed from choicest grapes grown in California's finest vineyards, then unhurriedly guided to glorious taste perfection by Roma's ancient wine-making skills. Bottled at the winery. So, to add warmth to your welcome, or for a perfect ending to your holiday dinners, serve a fine Roma wine. Get Roma wine tomorrow. Only Roma gives you so much taste luxury for so little. Remember, because of Roma's uniformly fine quality at low cost, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wine. It's now 8.50 p.m. Boulevard Watch Time. Pepsi Cola hits the spot. 12 
that little decoy for a nervous breakdown, Baby Snooks. Last week, Daddy became the proud father of a lovely boy. Now, naturally, he's all wrapped up in the little one, but Snooks seems to feel that the newcomer has usurped her place in Daddy's affections. She's been acting strangely all week, and as the scene opens, Daddy is putting Snooks to bed. Here they are. All right, dear, say your prayers, and I'll turn out the light. I'm going to say no prayers. Oh, but Snooks, you must say your prayers. Can I leave the baby out? Well, of course not. But I'm going to say no prayers. Look here, child, you don't know how you're hurting me by acting this way. I can't understand why you've been so sullen since the baby came. I don't like him. Well, why not? He hollers too much. Why, of course he cries a lot, but that's only his way of letting us know that he wants something. Well, why don't he ask for it? Oh, Snooks, you know as well as I do that infants can't talk. Why? Because no baby talks until he's at least a year old. That ain't what you said to Uncle Louie. What did I say to Uncle Louie? You said you cursed the day he was born. Uh, uh, well, never mind that. <laughs> now, I want you to say your prayer. There he goes again. Daddy! Well, well, Mommy will look after him. Little Dickens is probably hungry. Where'd he come from, Daddy? Well, I told you, the uh, angels in heaven set him down. Why? Oh, they had their reasons. <laughs> I guess they couldn't stand that racket. No, I wish... I wish you'd stop that silly talk. Snooks, the child is adorable, and you'll soon get to love him. <laughs> Don't you think he's awfully cute to look at, huh? No. How, why do you say that? He looks like a lobster. <laughs> well, yeah, he's, he's a little red, but all new babies look that way. Anyway, the redness will soon disappear. Will the baby disappear? Not if I can help it. Oh. Daddy. What is it? Is only baby's face is red. No, sometimes grown people's faces get red. Why? Oh, for various reasons. Uh, mostly a person's face turns red when he's ashamed. Does it? Yes. Why does Uncle Louie only get ashamed in his nose? Uh, <laughs> I won't discuss that now. Now, look, it's, it's time for you to go to sleep now. Kiss me goodnight. Now, Snooks, what what are you doing? I ain't doing nothing, Daddy. You, you're biting your nails. I told you I don't like that habit. Why? Because it's not nice. Now, you stop it. You hear me? I don't want to. Well, maybe you'd like a spanking. You hate me, don't you, Daddy? Oh, what are you talking about? If I bite my nails, you spank me. Well, what about it? But if that new kid sticks his whole foot in his mouth, you think he's cute? <sighs> oh, that's ridiculous nonsense. Now... Just listen, Snooks. You've simply got to get over this jealousy. I ain't jealous. Yes, you are. No, I ain't. You are. <coughs> uh, what are you crying about? I don't know. <sighs> All right, now. Be a good little girl and go to sleep, and Daddy will always love you. All right, Dad. Good night. Good night. Mm. Daddy? Yes? Why are you all dressed up? Well... I've been invited over to the MGM Studios to uh, to see a picture. What picture? It's a private showing of uh, the Wizard of Oz. Uh, I'm going to leave right away. I'm going to go with you. Well, you can't go with me, Snooks. But if you promise not to interrupt, I'll tell you the story very quickly. I promise, Daddy. Very well. Once upon a time, there was a little girl who lived in Kansas, and her name was Dorothy. Now, she lived... Who uh, lived? 
Dorothy. She lived Dorothy with, who? Just Dorothy. And she lived with her aunt and uncle. Uncle Louie. No, 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 no. Uncle Henry. Her aunt's name was M, and her uncle's name was Henry. And she lived with them. Now, she was just a who little... Who was? The little girl. Which little girl? The little girl in the story. That story? The Wizard of Oz. Oh. Now, don't ask any more questions. I'll be late for the picture. Now, this little girl, Dorothy, lived with her aunt and uncle. Why? Because her parents died when she was a child and left her an orphan. What'd she do with it? <laughs> what did she do with what? The orphan. She was the orphan. Who was? Dorothy. Oh. <laughs> now, Dorothy loved her uncle very much because he gave her a dog called Toto. And he always wagged his tail. Her uncle had a tail? No, her dog. Uh, one day, there came a big cyclone, and Annie... What's a cyclone, Daddy? Well, you, you know what a cyclone is, Snooks. Uh, what is it that comes very suddenly, turns a whole house upside down, and leaves nothing but trouble in its wake? A new baby. Uh, no, no, no. It's, it's a big windstorm. And when the cyclone struck, Dorothy didn't have time to get to the cellar. So she was swept away in the house with Toto. And she was carried... Who was Carrie? Dorothy. She was carried... Well, where's the wizard? I I'm coming to him if you'll just be patient. She was carried to the land of the munchkins. What's munchkins? Uh, they're very little people. Am I a little munchkin? No. Well, I'm little, ain't I? Well, listen, you can be little without being a munchkin. But you can't be a munchkin without being little. Why? Because munchkins are born little and they stay little. Now, children are born little and they grow up to be big. Big munchkins? No, big people. Will I grow up to be big? Well, certainly you will. Big as Aunt Sophie? Yes. <laughs> what, what, what are you yelling about? I want to be a munchkin. Oh, for heaven's sake. I've got to get to the studio. Will you keep quiet until I finish the story so you can go to sleep? Mm, no. Oh, you don't want to hear the end of the story? Mm, no. That's fine. You want to go right to sleep? No. You don't want to hear the end of the story. You don't want to go to sleep. In heaven's name, what do you want? I want to go see the picture. Huh? Well, with the new baby and everything, you've had a tough week. All right, get dressed. I'll take you with me. Why? Oh, just on account of the new baby. Oh. Daddy? Yes? Have another baby next week so I can go to the circus. <laughs> All right. I'll order it right away. Come on. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. Lux presents Hollywood. Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, bring you the Lux Radio Theater, starring Judy Garland in The Wizard of Oz. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Holiday greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. I trust you all had a perfect Christmas. Wonderful presents, and too much dinner, and lots of merry company. But sometime during the day, I'm sure you've said... Christmas really belongs to the children. And so before they have to leave their toys and cowboy suits, we want to tell them a story and you'll want to listen to because it's The Wizard of Oz, one of those wonderful Oz books that we've all loved since they were written by L. Frank Baum 50 years ago. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer turned The Wizard of Oz into a screen classic and a lovely little singer into a star, one of the most talented stars of Hollywood, Judy Garland. 
Audiences have asked her to be brought back again and again, to be entranced by Judy's performance and those fascinating Oz characters, the Scarecrow, the Tin Woodsman, the Cowardly Lion, and the delightful little people, the Munchkins. So now, it's off to The Wizard of Oz, starring Judy Garland as Dorothy. (laughs) 